do you see who's with us? Do you see who is with us? I'm so excited about this, dude. I, uh, I'll tell you, it's going to be hard because we're going to cover a ton of topics tonight. But uh, there's about a 10 or 15 second delay between what we're saying and the comment section when people are typing, right? Because they're typing as we're talking. So we got to keep that in mind because I'm sure there's going to be a ton of questions tonight. Uh, why don't Why don't you kind of introduce yourself? Give us a, just a 10,000 foot flyover over of who Fred Ashmore is, and then we'll get right into it. I guess uh, the easiest way to put it is I'm a poor boy from Maine, just um, running around outside the box, trying to stay ahead of everybody else. It's pretty, pretty simple, pretty basic. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just as John Force told me back when I raced with him out in California. That's awesome. You don't jump into the double pant leg thing? No, uh, I broke, believe it or not, I can actually do a two, a true cheerleader toe touch, but um, my old oh, man got busted pretty bad uh, here uh, a couple of years ago, and I still do it, but yeah, I save it for special occasions like parties or weddings. There you go. That's a way to do it. Um, I actually saw some wedding photos, it looked like of you from a little bit earlier this year, maybe, or uh, late last year. Yeah, uh, September, September 3rd, I, uh, April, and I got married right Right nice. local in, in Drumright. Obviously, I'm not in Drumright. I'm remote in Louisville. I'm uh, yeah. helping HGTV with the project they have. They they called me in. They were having a little bit of an issue getting some stuff done on time. So uh. they, I got I got the call in. Um, I got a <laughs> shout out there to um, my buddy Fergie. He got me a, a job down there for HGTV, a battle on the beach. And uh, we kind of, I felt like nice. we hit that in the park. And uh, so now, now they call me if they need a hand. So it's kind of neat to have them on speed dial. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, I want to say hey to everybody in the chat. Um, I'll be running the comments on the bottom of the screen throughout the night uh, from both Facebook and YouTube. Um, I will say if you have a question, we'll, we're going to work those in as we go, but we may skip it and save it for later. Um, just do me a favor, put two question marks in front of your, your question and then ask it. Uh, that way it, it pops up in my screen and I can see it. But first, you guys see what happened here today. I hung some Hot Wheels cars uh, as a backdrop. I'm so excited. Uh, we've got Sailor Jerry Girl here with us hanging out. And uh, of course, Blaine's uh, decal there in the top. But guys, the podcast room wouldn't be possible without the seven people I'm fixing to think. Dino Cardella, I got them written up right here on the side. Dino Cardella, Donovan Green, Tyler Petram, Tom Stark, Matt Monroe, Ryan Wing. And Big Bad Daddy, the Cowboy Yankee, John Marat. Thank you all so much. Uh, if you guys could see what I've done in here, you would you would be worried. I'm fixing to light this place on fire. I've got janky wiring going on just to get a little bit better um, lighting. I'm hoping that the lighting is way better than what it was. So uh, Bryce Mays is asking, and we'll just get right to it. Fred, why don't you fix the roads in Oklahoma? <laughs> hey, I've got too many jobs to do with fixing the roads in Oklahoma. <laughs> Could be a job all on its own, and that wouldn't be wouldn't be much time to do any of the other fun things I do. So <laughs> that's exactly that, that right. Yeah, it's not on me. <laughs> that's right. Those uh those Oklahoma roads are are pretty questionable. Um, dude. Now here's what's crazy. If anybody has watched any of the podcast stuff you've been on, uh, everybody talks about your run and your coast to coast stuff. But your story starts so far back that I I, I want to start there. I know everybody's going to have questions about that stuff and we're going to get to it, I promise. But let's start like the way it sounded to me, your dad was a car guy. And then 
uh, you obviously were born into it. And so it just goes right from there. Yeah. It, it was is that really kind of right? Am I following that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and I tell people, you hear people say, oh, I cut my teeth on a wrench. I honestly can tell you, I was working in the garage with my dad long before I ever went to school. I knew what a half inch wrench was before I could count to 10. Uh, it's just kind of walking around the garage and, you know, just uh, recognizing things and being there to hand dad a wrench or, you know, to, to just be there in the shop and take in everything he had. My dad, um, we grew up really, um, I'm not going to say poor because we didn't know we were poor. We were, we were rich in family. Uh, yep. Everybody was always there. And I just always found my, my peaceful place in the garage with my dad at a really young age. I, I got a great story about it. Um, so probably I was really, really young. I'm going to say it had to be around 79 or 80. So I was five, four-ish, five-ish. And my wow. dad was building a truck. And um, I was out there helping him. And it was right around Halloween. And I didn't think much of it. And we were working on an old Ford crew cab that my family had. I just replaced it with another one. Yeah. You noticed or not. And um, my dad told me, he said, before I go to town, remember me, remember to uh, remind me to measure the pumpkin. And I, I was like, yeah, yeah, dad, I, I got you. You know, I've got this. And so I just kind of disappear for a few minutes and I, I go in uh, the house and I look at my mom and, I said, dad needs the pumpkin. And she's like, pumpkin? What does he need the pumpkin for? <laughs> Here I am, a little kid. And this pumpkin was probably just a little a basic gourd at the time. Here I am, like, wrestling out through the door with this pumpkin. And my mom's looking at me like I got three heads. And I walk down the porch and across the, the muddy boards by our house. My brother knows what I'm talking about. And I walk up to my dad. And he turns around. He's like, why do you have the pumpkin? And I said, you told me to measure the pumpkin. Well, I didn't realize the pumpkin was a rear differential at the time. So I thought right. the pumpkin was a big orange pumpkin. And he laughed about that for so long. But it's probably one of my first and fondest memories of how young I really was when I started working on cars. So, Oh, that's so cool, man. That's a, that's a funny thing because there's so many phrases we use as car guys that make no sense to normal people except that like a pumpkin is a pumpkin and you're carrying it. It's Halloween. You're, you're, <laughs> that's pretty cool. The crazy part was the timing of the whole thing, because, because if it wasn't around Halloween, the story would have never even happened. Yeah. It was just. Uh oh, I'm hoping that's not on my end. My, I'm, I got a little I, choppy on your end. Don't even believe that. Are we there? Yep. Okay. I got you now. Sorry. All right. So, yeah. Just weird, crazy timing is all it was. And, and, you know, it's one of those memories I have with my dad from a really young age and my dad is ageless. He's, he's 77 going on 78. And, you know, he, if I showed you an old picture, if we had one to pull up, he, he looks so similar to he did when I was a boy that everybody that that's come across him always said that that guy just doesn't age. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me let me get one pulled up here because uh, and then this will lead this to some some stuff later. But the uh, there's a fox body you built and I've got it on the I've got it on the back burner. We're gonna get to just a second, but I wanted to share my screen here. Hang on, we'll see if we can get a picture of that here. And this is a, a fox body you built. It actually uh, has a Terminator, right? 
Yes. Yep. Well, it, no, no, it's not. It doesn't have a Terminator. It's got a uh, four six four cam. Um, kind gotcha, of, okay. sort of out of. Uh, it's out of an 06 Navigator, but it's a combination of an 06 Navigator motor. Yep. Yep. That's the Cobra that I did the 19 C to C Express in, and uh, yeah. that's that's my brother, obviously there. And we just got it painted back from. Uh, I took it to my friend uh, Scott Mosier, by the way. Um, shout out and prayers to him and his wife. Um, Claire's had a lot of complications from COVID. She's uh, made it home and hopefully, you know, everything will be better for her. But uh, they helped with the paint and graphics Please, on the yes. car that year. And, uh, you know, great people. So, yeah, that's that's my dad in the background of the old greasy, dirty thumb and the, the greasy white T-shirt. And, and you know, my brother's probably happier than I am that, way, that the car's actually done in time to go on the run. So that's cool yeah there's some there's some pictures of your brother uh that we'll show later too so it seems like you guys are kind of like uh my brother and i do tons of stuff together well we we always have in the past and and the interesting thing with my my brother arthur is he always answers his phone he's it doesn't matter what time of the night it is or anything else and 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 trust me there's been some times he definitely probably didn't want to um uh, answer that phone but uh you know, he's, he's uh, never bailed me out of jail. Let's put it that way. But um, he's, nice. uh, put my Humpty Dumpty ass back together again when I've got all stoked hell a couple of times. So, um, but yeah, our, Arthur and I are, are very similar and very different at the same time. People, most people don't realize how smart that guy is. He uh, went to Ithaca and Cornell at the same time and had a triple wow. major in math, science and physics. And uh, he, he just, he got tired of it. He was bored. And uh, he just he stopped doing it. It just wasn't challenging for him. So he came home and uh, started out as a journeyman. And before he knew it as a journeyman, he was teaching electrical classes and he got his electric electrician's license. And he's been set ever since. And, and really, That's awesome. we, we, do, we do do a lot of stuff together and um, not as much maybe as we as we have in the past. But I'll, I'll tell you, anytime I've called and say, hey, Art, can you give me a hand taking this transmission out tonight? You know, I'm in a pinch or a pickle or anything. You know, that yeah. guy would even even drop anything to come help me. So I, I really couldn't ask for a, a better brother. You know, I stood by my side and and uh, just just a, a great thing. He was uh, he's an Eagle Scout, top of his class, um, just just an all around world class guy. And I, I couldn't ask for a better brother. That's cool. So uh, with him being an Eagle Scout, you and I kind of discussed that on a phone call last night. Uh, you're an Eagle Scout as well, right? So, what yeah. was what was it like growing up at your house? And like, you guys are always in the woods. You're always doing stuff. Like, does your dad lean into that and push you for that as well? I'm going to be 100 percent honest, and and I can't thank my dad enough for this. My dad never never pushed us to do anything. He implied he always wanted us to be the best at what we did for yeah. ourselves, not for anybody else. Yep. And um, he, my, my mom and dad ruled with an iron fist. If one of us got in trouble, we all got in trouble. And uh, I, I've told the story, you know, dozens of times, most kids growing up in my day and age uh, talk about their trip to the storybook or land or talking about, uh, you know, Santa's village or Disney. And the day we remember in my household was the day that the Avon bath brush broke. Oh, no. <laughs> When we got in trouble, we were getting the Avon bath brush. And uh, I'm telling you, the day that thing broke, it actually, uh, I can't remember if they were whooping me or whooping my sister, but we all we all kind of cried for joy whether we were getting, whether it hurt or not. So um, <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah. So it was always the Avon bath brush, huh? 
it was till it broke, and then it was anything they could get their hands on, whether it was a yardstick or a belt or whatever. But, but you know, I can really say this: um, a lot of people, you know, look back on their childhood and, and they did, uh, you know, blame their parents for whatever. Um, my parents have kept all of us kids out of jail. None of us have ever been that's arrested right. for anything, and and that says a lot about a, a lot of us from our generation. And um, you know, we went through trials and tribulations as kids, just like anybody else. And I got two great sisters also. I got a sister um, that's the retired Air Force. Great. I have another sister uh, lives in, in real, real, real like down east Maine, like as down oh, east wow. Maine as you get, like two people in the town type down east Maine. <laughs> and uh, they're all hard workers. They all, you know, they're they're all just, you know, good people in general. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm the one, you know, that's always causing havoc in the house and and uh, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, to, to sit back and look at my upbringing with my brothers and sisters, uh, people have always asked if, you know, would you change anything? Would you want that four wheeler? You know, maybe your parents promised you or three. It was actually three wheelers at the time. Oh, yeah. Not yet. So um, and I say no, I say because it really, you know, it made it made us kids want more for ourselves and and yep. want to earn what we got as we come through life. So, uh, I had I really had great siblings. Uh, can't can't say enough great about them. Um, That's cool. And, and you know, all of them. You know, anytime you know, you can call them. They're going to answer. If they're not going to answer, it's because their phone isn't in service. But you know, they're just. Right. I was they're say, that's that's pretty hard as as adults to to still keep that going. You know, as as twenties, it's easy. But you know, you get forties and you know, it, it gets tough. Oh, oh, it definitely does. And, and, um, you know, people forget that a lot of times you, you take things for granted and until something happens. And a lot of times in life, it's, it, it's too late. And, and for me, I, I can just always say that, you know, my brothers and sisters and, and even my parents have, have, uh, just always kept a close knit, you know, relationship with each other and, uh, it, can't say enough about it really. That's cool. Um, I do want to. I'm I'm experiencing issues on my end. It's not that stuff. Fred is 100% good. For some reason today, the internet in the shop has decided that it doesn't want to play ball. So uh, it it clears itself up. It takes you know it it'll be fine. Just hang tight with us. So all right, let's let's do it, dude. Let's talk about car stuff. You ready? Sure. I'll talk about let's, anything. Uh, yeah, right. What a uh, like. What was your first car? What, what did you drive in high school? My first car, believe it or not, my first car was a Ranger pickup that I bought for eight dollars. Eight dollars? Yeah, eight dollars. Uh, my brother, we, we built an escort for my brother that was quasi both of ours, but it was but quasi both of ours. But my oldest sister wound up uh, taking it to work one day and blowing it up, so we, we never really got to drive it. So my first actual vehicle of mine that I drove to school was an 83 Ranger pickup that uh, I built a small block Ford for it in the bathroom of, of my dad's garage. Cause I wasn't allowed to use the shop to build my motor. So um, yeah, I had a small block Ford Ranger and it was a terror on the streets. It was, it oh, was yeah. as fast as anything in town at the time. And, and uh, you know, that was when my dad really started realizing that he had to do something with me or, or he was going to be, you know, burying me at a young age. So he, he had to uh, kind of help with some direction there. You, it was obvious you wanted to go fast. Now, how do we, how do we do that safely? So did, did that kind of lead into some of the stock car stuff? Um, roundy round stuff? Like how early was yeah, that? Well, that, 
the Ranger pickup, uh, I want to say I started building when I was 15. And uh, I had several cars before that, but I can't really call them my first cars because, you know, I, I never really drove them. They were never really right. a part of me. I, I mean, my first vehicle I had was a blue Ford Pino. Never, it never ran, traded it off. Something happened. It got, we got rid of it. And we had a Subaru with three wheels on it. We drove around in the dooryard, but I don't call those, those don't count. So um, right. uh, really the Ranger pickup, we, we called it the race Ranger a uh, quick silver. It was all, it all it had stock wheels on it originally. Um, dual exhaust went out the same side. So you didn't know it had a V8 in it. And uh, dad and I built it and I, I made the mistake of try, uh, trying to paint it one night and, and completely botched the paint job. I don't know why I chose oh, to man. paint silver as my color, but um, absolutely uh, <laughs> destroyed the paint job. And my dad felt so bad for me. He called one of his body shop buddies and we took it down there and sprayed it. And I learned a valuable lesson about painting cars when you, you probably shouldn't be painting them. Yeah. Now, is it, but, was, it because uh, that, it was, that cold? Truck, was it because it was cold? No, it just, I, like, I had never, ever painted anything in my life at that point at the time. So, <laughs> so I, and, and of all things, silver, which is tiger stripe nightmare. And, you know, as a kid, you just think you put more paint on it. And the more, yeah. the more paint you put on it, you know, the better it looks. And it just, I mean, it was running off, and I almost could put it back in the can. So, oh my gosh, uh, John says the Ranger was a river. Uh, John uh, Balzarini. Yes, yes, John's a great guy. Um, it really the the truck back in its day was, uh, it was one of those, one of those, um, you know, trucks that people feared. They were like. I would rate if you put if you like come up to the street light on the sidewalk with your shopping cart, I'd race you. I mean, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't matter. And and one night we had a kid uptown that had a uh, uh, pretty hot Chevrolet truck, and uh, I, I was going to try to pull ahead. There was a guy next to me I was talking to at the street light, and he wanted me to pull in the parking lot. And this is the main street of our little town. And yeah. I, I looked over to to kind of get ahead of the car behind him. And lo and behold, it was this kid in this hot Chevy pickup. It was, <laughs> and it was on. He 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 put a half a truck length on me before I even knew we were racing. And nice. it was it was back in the day where you either put it to the floor or you just got embarrassed. Yep. And I just crammed the thing in low and and put it on him. I wound up putting about three truck lengths on him. <laughs> and uh, his girlfriend pissed off at me. I, this was all in high school, and uh, I got a pretty good ass reaming from her at school that week. <laughs> and I guess he was spending more time with his truck than he was with her. We put him That's on the awesome. truck pretty early. So uh, the truck really was a pretty fast truck around town. It was it was one of those gigs you knew what to race and what not to race. It, I would never say it was the fastest truck in town, but but people yeah. knew that if you were going to pull up alongside me, it, it, it wasn't going to be an easy picnic. So <laughs> That's awesome. So in high school, I had a two-door S10 Blazer with a V8 in it. And it it was before eighth mile racing really was a thing and it was a great eighth mile rig, but man, I'd try and run that thing out the back and my buddies and their Fox bodies would just ride on by me because they oh, had yeah. the RPM. Yep. So it was so, a fun truck. So do you follow UFC at all? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Did you ever remember a kid by the name of Tim Sylvia? Yeah. Tim Sylvia and I went to school together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I used to. Tim had a Ranger, and he used to bring it in a family shop, and and after school and stuff, that we'd hang out, and uh, I'd work on his cars and trucks and stuff. And he was never, he was just very real, real timid, high pitched voice, big guy that a lot of people picked on in school. And we were all kind of buddies here and there. And uh, 
I put I put Chase to him one night in my pickup truck, and he had a he had a 750 Katana, and nice. uh, we both almost uh, I passed him uh, on the inside. Go, it was a mess. Uh, I was driving way faster than I should have been. He was smarter than I was. He was on a motorcycle, but you got to remember he's six foot eight and three hundred pounds, so <laughs> yeah. he's not a small guy. So. I had a little bit more hair on my backside than he did, and I put it in underneath him in a corner, and he almost laid it down in front of me. And, oh my uh, gosh! So I, the same thing. I just and I, well, I wound up eventually. I, I toasted the motor in the truck, but just horsing around with Timmy and and uh, you know Timmy and I have kept contact on and off throughout the years. But uh, him and I grew up. He used to wrestle my brother. My brother used nice. to my brother used to tie Timmy Sylvia up on the mat. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure anybody would want to grab a hold of him now. No. But, uh, no, no, I don't want to get a hold of that. Maybe, maybe that's what we do. We we reset the match for your brother. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what. Um, my brother was a good wrestler in high school. I I will say that. Um, he his senior year he uh, moved up two weight classes because he missed weight for uh, Eastern Maine's, wow. and uh, he moved up uh, two weight classes and and wound up beating a guy in high school that had never lost. And, wow. Uh, so my brother moved up to 189, and my brother put him on his back in his home gym and pinned him out in front of his hometown crowd. Oh. And it was the only time the guy ever lost, ever. Wow. So, so uh, Timmy, Timmy, I, uh, in all means, I would beat my brother. I'm not saying my brother would, <laughs> would beat him. All I'm saying is, in in my day, my brother could uh, run his own gamut when it comes to getting on the mat. So. That's awesome. Uh, my little brother's here talking about the the blazer. It had just some shorty headers, uh, and I was trying to go up to get exhaust done on it, and I thought I'd made the appointment for this one day. Well, it wasn't, and so we drove it. It was probably six miles or something like that, open header through town to get to the muffler shop, and then six miles back home, open header. It was oh, like, yeah. it was pretty interesting. We got pulled over and. Oh, we're just going. We're going going home. We could get the exhaust done, so it's it a fun time. Oh, those, those are those are the memories that people forget about, and yeah. and and then you get talking in a forum like this. It it made me think of a couple you know stupid things I'd done similar to that. And um, I took uh, we we brought my stock car to one of the the car shows uptown. It's called Jordan Snack Bar, and uh, we took it home. Uh, didn't take it home. We took it to the the show. And the guy needed the trailer I was borrowing to do something. So he came and got the trailer while I'm at the car show. So everybody's taking off in the 32 Fords and 57 Chevys and Camaros burning their tires. And I got in my stock car and I pulled out to the end of the thing. And the guy's looking at me, he's like, you know, where's your trailer? And I'm like, he's like, yeah. I'm like, and he just goes, and oh, no. the Mikey Jordan. I pulled out his parents on the snack bar. And I started rowing the gears in that stock car out in front of that place and drove it home. And I had to pass the trooper station. The state trooper station was about a mile up the road on the left-hand side. Nice. And I just figured if I was going fast enough, I could get to my garage before they got in their cop car. <laughs> right. They, they would have to They would have to hear it go, wait, was that somebody on the limiter and fourth as they come past? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was always a great story uh, of uh, – People talk about that today about me driving the old stock car home from the, the car local car show. So, 
Um, That's a lot awesome. of great memories like the the blazer. I, I would, you got any pictures of the blazer? I'd love to see the blazer. Oh man. It was, what's funny is we never put any wheels on it or anything. I never had any money for that. So it just looked like a red two door blazer. I've got a picture somewhere. I'll find it on Facebook and send it to you. But oh, we uh, call it perfect. We call it perfect because yeah, I, just like me, I couldn't afford to paint mine or make it fancy. I think yeah. I wound up putting some turbine wheels. I got it a yard sale for 20 bucks. Yeah. And, the funniest part was they were GM wheels, so they weren't four on four and a half. So I had to file out the inside of the universal holes so that they would slide on over the Ford pattern so I could put the wheels on it. Yeah, the, the oblong holes. I wonder how many uh, wheels had that in that year range because those they were close. So you could just hit that thing with the Dremel and it worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you just kind of smooth off the inside edge of that a little yep. bit. And I was so bummed out when I first got it. They slid right on because the hole's so big. So it slid right on. And I'm like, yes. And then I went to put lug nuts on it. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> I just took it apart and started dremeling it out. Yep. That's awesome. Um, all right. So that kind of gets first car type stuff. What a <clears throat> I'm going to have to turn this heater off. It's drying me out big time. How, how does, how does like, Walk us through some of the stock car stuff because I've got some pictures pulled up. It looks like your your stock car racing number was number twenty two. Can you tell us like where twenty two came from, and then uh, obviously how you got started and all that stuff? Well, um, I'm not going to say uh, the, the the easiest way to say it is my dad and I had a little bit of a, a falling out before I went to college, and um, I just think it was him wanting me to be more of a responsible young adult and I wanted to be a hellion and my my dad still wanted to rule with an iron fist and I wanted to be an adult at the same time but act like a kid and so we had a little bit of a falling out and um I kind of took off to college with a little bit of a rift between my dad and I and um so I went to college in Wyoming and uh, oh, wow. there I drove my ranger to college with my buddy Kevin Crowley and uh, Brett Alexander, his son Wyatt races, and Tom Patsis is was another guy who worked for my buddy Brett. But um, anyway, long story short, uh, we had a little bit of a falling out. And while I was in college, my dad started talking to me a little bit about stock car racing. And so I came back and I started crewing on a car uh, for my friend Jamie Watson. And I was, I didn't fit. And strangely enough, it was uh, my current wife's dad was part of the stock car crew. And um, oh, nice. Yeah. And I, I just didn't fit. I just didn't have that fit there. Um, I felt like my knowledge was much more vast than what I was allowed to be able to do. So my dad, my dad said, let's go. Let's go get a stock car. Well, we found this right. old stock car that my buddy Bobby Merchant had behind his shop and we brought it over. It was it was the worst. There it is right there. Um, it was the worst car you've ever seen. I, I'm pretty sure it had T's and faucets in it. That's how bad the cage was in it. Oh my um, gosh. Uh, it was water pipe and everything else. And, and, uh, <laughs> I really didn't have any sponsors. So, um, I told, I told dad, I said, yeah, I'd race. I said, but I want to pick my number. And he, he asked what it was. And I said, 22. And everybody's always asked me, um, that was a cool car. That was a lot of fun. Um, 22 is my birth year. So if you add one, nine, seven, and five together, that car right there, that was one, nine, one, nine, seven, and five equals 22. So that's my lucky number. 
And um, nice. that right there, that right there was my last stock car I had. Um, it was, uh, they, that car was the lethal weapon that pretty much got banned. Uh, they were tired of seeing it come around. What? Yeah, it was, um, it was a combination of the connection between the seat and the pedal and just the no die attitude. Uh, that, that last car was a great car. Um, uh, what happened is when, when I got divorced around 2010, I wanted to go stock car racing again. And I had a really good friend by the name of Andy Saunders, who was a great shoe guy could, I mean, the guy could drive like there's no tomorrow. And he had a crew with him, but he had retired a few years earlier, won every track champion he could. Um, I think he won multiples at different tracks around the state, one on every track in the, in the state of Maine. And um, so he had a crew, but he didn't have a car. So um, I bought a car and started maintaining it and starting getting back into it. And we won everything. And every time we put it on the track, we won. Uh, That's it, was, awesome. it was, it was, it was a storybook that, you know, I just, uh, you know, couldn't, have, couldn't have written. Uh, sad, sad thing was first night we took the car out, we were leading a hundred lapper. We were out front and, um, the motor expired in the car. Oh. And so we brought it into the pits and, uh, about that time the race finished up, we had about 10 laps to go when it blew up. And, oh, uh, man. My, ch- my childhood hero was in the race. His name was Johnny Fippen and there's a big commotion after the race. So everybody, you know, thought it was a fight. And, uh, so we headed over there to, to where, uh, where everybody was gathering around and uh johnny had had a, a heart attack in his oh, in his home race and and my brother and i gave him you know cpr for 45 minutes and and johnny passed that night when i got back into racing but uh childhood right. hero you know guy you loved everybody loved him and it it kind of it was kind of a uh a moment in my life where you're looking up you have somebody in your arms and you look up and you see the people around you and you know there's nothing you can do about it but you also know that there's so much so much out there to live for and so you know we just we uh kind of dedicated the rest of our season to him and we want it all we want everything (laughs) we want i mean i think we were the first in the in the line to the the food concession stand i mean (laughs) every every bit of it didn't matter if if you're walking to the bathroom and somebody's next to you you're like not today yeah, I might I might bump you to get in that stall. So that's exactly but, uh, right. So uh, yeah, it was uh, a crazy year, and uh, people started coming up to me and they said, uh, "Oh, why is Andy driving your car?" And I'm like, "He's driving our car because we're a team, and yeah. we we have the gel and everything's working." And and meanwhile, I'd been out of racing, stock car racing for you know a good amount of years. I got yep. I got banned from the racetrack. I wasn't allowed to come back. <laughs> Uh, I mean, lifetime ban from the racetrack. Nice. And, uh, and uh, it was a good one. It was on the news for like five days. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I finally I finally weaseled, weaseled my way back in the gate and we started racing again. And people are like, oh, well, you know, you can't drive, but you can't drive. That's that's why Andy's driving your car. So um, at the end of this, the season, uh, Andy, Andy asked if he could buy me out of the car because he wanted to to try to do it on his own. And yeah. And um, I, I said, yeah, sure, no problem. And so I went out and, and dad said, why don't you go build another car? Why don't you go see if you still got it? So I went out and I found that SVT Focus. A guy drove it to work that day. He oh drove it was on the lift and still had the plates on it. So I raced that car. It was still registered and insured for the year I was racing it. <laughs> and um, 
I brought it to the shop and I started gutting it and um, I sold everything off the car for more than I had in the car. And, That's awesome. And then I just started doing all the stupid stuff we do, figuring out ratios and transmissions, figuring out, you know, left side cross, rear wheel steer, you know, everything I could possibly know about, about the focus. And it was, I want to say like three, three races in and, I got the thing gathered up and it was just a nightmare. I mean, it just, people, people would say it wasn't a matter of if you were going to get to the front, it was when you were going to get to the front. (laughs) Right. You're like, you're on purpose starting about eight bag just for fun. So yeah, it was, it was, you know, you'd win the, win the week before. So you'd have to start on the back and, and uh, it was really great because I, I had so many great friends. You had a picture up there of Greg Marquis, you know, Emma Libby, she, her, her, her dad and her, you know, raced with me. Zach Audette and I were the nemesis of each other, you know, banging, bashing, pounding, crashing. Uh, you know, Steve Heath, all those guys are just great, great old friends I raced with forever. And, um, you know, so so one night I was in the uh, I got a call from Emma's dad and, and he says, uh, Hey, is there any chance you could uh, uh, bring your car in early? And I'm, I was never early. I was always there like half an hour before the heat race or whatever, you know, get my Minutes car before you're like off the trailer onto the track. Yeah. And uh, I was like, sure. What's going on? He goes, do you have a clear hood? I said, clear hood. He says, you have like a black hood you can put on your car. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Why? What's going on? Ed? He goes, I got something for you. And I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. So is he going to put a you know, big big sex toy on my hood or something? <laughs> right. Thing, you know, because he thinks I drive like a jerk or whatever you want to say. But So um, he goes, I bring it in. I park the car. And he goes, why don't you go up and draw? And I'm like, okay. So oh, I oh, no. I drew. And I came back down. And, and I looked. And he put the hood down. And he says, what do you think of that? And it's the biggest friggin' honey badger you've ever seen on the hood of my car. It says the honey badger. And he said, I said, what is that all about, Ed? He says, because it's clear you don't give a shit about who's in front of you. <laughs> he, goes, and that's he, said, I, he goes, I can't think of a better thing to put on your car. And I, oh, raced, yeah. it, I raced it like that for a while. And um, one, of the, one of the funniest races I was ever in was um, they got kind of wise to me. They, they knew that they could kind of. I was either going to try to dust off that high groove and go around on the outside or, or, you know, uh, just drive it in way deeper than everybody else. And, uh, we come off the, we come off turn four, there's about two laps to go. And I'm, I'm stacked, you know, four rows back on the outside. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm going to dust off this outside groove and I'm going to go around them on the outside. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm looking to the high side, looking to the high side, and I'm watching them. They're they're you know they're parking lot. They're just driving around the track next to each other. And I'm I'm literally I know I'm like half a second faster than they are at least. <laughs> so we come around with the one to go. We come out of turn four, and I backed out of it. I backed way out coming down the front stretch. And I come aboard the car and got it going as fast as I could. I let the guy on the inside drive, you know, get pull up in front of me to try to try to block me. And as soon as he did, I cut left and went right across the infield. I went right <laughs> across the infield and hooked my tires on the inside of the asphalt and bounced around like an old man and bounced, and bounced, <laughs> bounced right out in front of the whole entire field of cars. I gathered, gathered my garbage up and I uh, got it steered around the corner and I wound up winning the race. And that's uh, awesome. 
and uh, come around the front stretch and and people were cheering, people were booing, calling me names. I didn't care because they wanted the two people out front to win because they hadn't won, and I couldn't let them have You're it. Like, so. nah, nah, that's not going to happen here. Uh, Margaret Ashmore has a question. She said, "Besides car accidents, what's the scariest things that happened? What's the scariest thing that happened to you racing?" Besides car accidents, what are the scariest thing that ever happened to me racing? I would think hooking my front tires on the or front tire on the inside of the concrete probably be a little sketch. Um, ah, that's a great question. I mean, you you wouldn't figure that she would come on and ask me the best question. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm just gonna be honest. I've never really been scared in a stock car. I I um, had the butterflies when I was really young. You know, I'd get ready to go out and you'd have that little flutter like in here, mm -hmm. and um, then just one day. One day I, I had a talk with myself and I'm like, you know, you've got to get your shit together. You know, if you're going to win races and stuff, you've got to stop worrying about scratching your car. you got to stop. You're either going to you're either going to be successful at this or you're not. And yeah. uh, just one day it was it was the strangest day. I can tell you exactly when it was. I could tell you the car I was behind when it happened. It was number 97, Barry Elston. I kind of like come down the back stretch, and I didn't do anything to my car that year. I pulled it out of the woods. I vacuumed the leaves out of it. I got I got some scab tires on it, and I just said to Dad, "We're going racing." And beforehand, I used to you know paint up the car and go to the pretty car contest, mm -hmm. all that garbage. And that year, I pulled that car, vacuumed the leaves, got the motor running, got it warmed up, ran it through a heat cycle, changed the oil, put some tires on it, and I got out there and I was behind Barry Elston, and I drew rather well. Um, I think I drew in the top five. And I got in the car and just drove away from everyone, and the butterflies were gone. It was yeah. it was it was like this exercising of this demon that had been in you for all this time. And I went out, and it was it was really the first actual race I had ever won, and won one. You know, like there was no like, you know, controversy. Nobody got disqualified yeah. or something like that. Um, it was really the first race that I just went out and, and put a whooping on people, and. Nice. From that time on it, it it just was like this is easy this is this is real way easier than i thought it was because um a lot of people don't understand you know they, they worry about the car getting squirrely or or anything you know about that and uh, the scared time i was in the car i've been on fire i've been upside down um i've never been in an ambulance in a stock car um so that's uh, there, was, there was a race one down. time i was racing Speaking of yeah. upside down, uh, I did come across this from here. <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. So that was that was a um, so there's a good story that goes along with that picture right there. And that was actually what I was talking to you about about being upside down. Did I lose you? Did I? No, no, you're good. I still got you. Do I? All right. So. Yep. Uh, that was my buddy's car, and uh, there was a bunch of trash talking going on online. And the guy's name was Zach Godet, and we we really had a knockdown, pretty much a knockdown drag out. It was it was I, I've come to blows plenty of times recent. That's, but this was one of those things that it escalated and escalated and didn't come to blows, but came down to put up or shut up type stuff, and. Um, Zach was online popping his mouth off about if uh, he was going to, he was going to put me on my lid. And um, I told him, I said, if I get to the back bumper, of your crown Vic, you're going for a ride. 
So about about five laps in, I got to the back bumper of his Crown Vic. I sent him across the infield, and uh, it ripped the rear end out of the Crown Vic. So lo and behold, it was his home track. So it was an enduro-type race. So he, he they pulled his car into the pit, and he got into another car and came back out with another person in. So now they're riding around trying to block me, and they're throwing baked potatoes at me, water balloons, anything you can possibly think of they're throwing out of this car. They're waiting for me to come back around so they can wreck me. So I'm in, like, third place in that picture, and I, I'm going to the front, and a guy blew up in front of me. And I, there's nothing you, there's nothing you can do. I don't care who you are for a driver. You're yep. on borrowed time. You're going to land wherever your car stops. And that's what happened there. I got into the corner and I got sideways and got down in the dirt. And there, you were just along for the ride. And the car went over upside down, as you can see. And um, so every, they stopped the race and they come over. And I'm hanging upside down. And I'm not a really <laughs> small guy. And uh, like... They're like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, turn this freaking thing. I wasn't even scared. I'm like, put this thing back over. And I shut it off just as soon as it went over so it wouldn't fill the cylinders full of oil. And they flipped it back over, and I pushed the button and or turned the key. It's an enduro car. Fired up, and, and I drove it into the pits. And the windshield smashed, and the roof caved in, and the mirrors are ripped off of it. And my buddy Andy Saunders is there. And I say, what do you think, Andy? How bad is it? And he goes, I, you don't need those mirrors, Fred. He said, windshield's busted pretty bad. He said, other than that, the tires are up so from the back, okay? And I want to say there's like 60 cars in this race, and that happened around lap 30. I wound up winning the race. That's crazy. I won the race. If you see the next picture, you'll see the trophy on the roof. I won the race from the back, and um, the guy who sponsored the race came in second. Well, I lost the casing off my tire, and the guy was trying to say I had buffed tires on my car. And this was a car I drug out from an apple tree. I mean, it's, oh my it's amazing. And the tires were like four or five years old. And the case come right off the right front. And he's going on and on and on and on and on about it. So I just take my trophy and I go in the pits. And I'm loading <laughs> it on the trailer. And here comes security. And Andy's standing there. And uh, the security guard goes, yeah, Fred, we're going to have to have that trophy. And we're going to have to, you know, we need that on the front stretch. And I looked at him. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, Pardon my English. I said, I rolled the fuck over and I still won your race with no casing on my tire. And I looked at him. He's a good sized boy. His name was Roger. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to tell you what, Roger. I don't think you're a big enough man to take it away from me. And he looked at me and he looked at my buddy Andy and Andy got this big grin on his face. And Roger goes, I'll tell George. And he went out. He went out. He left. And never heard from him again. And and uh, George come in as I was getting ready to leave. And he says, I'm going to have to get that from you. And I looked at him and I said, George, I just don't think I'm going to let you disqualify me today. <laughs> and I, just, I still have the trophy at home. And uh, that's so awesome. It was story and it was it was a it was a fun time. But uh, yeah, so it was uh, that was that's a story about being upside down. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, and then, you know, you, you come back from way back and then win the race and they're like oh yeah about that that one tire on the front that's why you want it yeah yeah it's it yeah. stupid so, yeah what but, my yeah. awesome driving so but yeah and, and the funny thing was is those guys they never they were relentless this wasn't like oh i just drove around a bunch of i had people that were coming out on the track coming back out in extra cars like trying to take me out so i would oh, come out 
I'd come down the backstretch and here they'd come like up the track to hit me and I'd back out of it and they'd drift up in front of me and I'd spin them out and across the infield they'd go. <laughs> like a, a and then they'd get unstuck or, or whatever. And then, or if the car got wrecked, they'd go back in and they'd get another one. It was, it was, it was one of the strangest races I was ever in, but what a, what a crazy story and funny finish. That's awesome. Uh, Margaret asked, what's your favorite race car? What was your favorite race car? My favorite race car. Um, Man, I tell you, uh, I guess it depends on or off the road. I've had a lot of race cars. Um, <laughs> probably, I have to say, all in all, hands down is probably that Black Ford Focus. That that was it was it had a different attitude. It had a different ring to it. I want a lot. We want a lot of stuff in the pro stocks. We you know we we won some races top fuel in, but it's. That the honey badger was a different time in my life. Uh, my dad, my dad was getting to the point. He really couldn't help anymore. Uh, great story with him. Uh, one of the last times I ever drove the car, uh, we headed up to a place you want to talk about out in the sticks. It's called spud speedway. And, uh, oh, man. yeah. And it's a good, it's a good three, four hour ride from our house. And that, that, uh, Saturday night, um, I got into it with Zach and a couple other guys up to the track and, 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 uh, come until last lap, knock down, drag out for the race. And Zach and I got together and smashed up our cars. And, and uh, I wound up still getting, still get finished in the top three. And, uh, but that night we had to go to Spud Speedway for a big race the next day. And um, my dad was doing cancer treatments and dad wanted to go with me. And I was, I was bushed. I had been working uh, 16 hour days, uh, getting the car ready, uh, was working all the time. And at the time we were headed up there, there was a monsoon or come in off the coast and it just absolutely was raining cats and dogs the whole entire four hours. Oh, so geez. we got a wrecked race car on the back of one of my trucks, who knows what it was. And we haul up there and we get to the hotel. We're stopping every so often so he can, he can do his stuff that he needs to do for his treatment. And uh, he drove, he drove a, a portion of the way and I was so bushed I couldn't even stay awake. Um, so we drove up there and we got up the next morning and the car is all stove to hell. I mean, there's a main term for you, all stove to hell. The right front <laughs> tires all mangled up on it. The fenders rolled up over the hood. And um, we're going to this great big race. It is uh, basically a knockdown drag out of mini stocks from the from Maine. Everybody who's anybody's there. And um, so my, I borrowed the pit steward's car and drove down to the uh, local hardware, uh, local auto parts store and, and got a ball joint and a tie rod end. And uh, I think I had a spare <laughs> strut and spindle with me. And we boogered this thing back together. And it was just me and dad. And dad says, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I said, I'm going to go out. And, and I hadn't been on the track, really. Uh, I think I'd been on the track two times. Yeah. And they weren't good results. Um, and I just said, I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell you when to let air out of what tire. I said, I'm going to go out, and when it's good, I'm going to bring it in and park it. So we did that. We got it all adjusted, and and uh, the car was going good. And so I went and drew the pole. And <laughs> so I drew the pole for the race, and I went out and let every lap of the heat. So the feature came, and I was on the pole for the feature, and I let every lap of the feature, every single lap. I took all their money. I took everything they had. And if you <laughs> ask awesome. a picture of me going <laughs> finish line there's a picture with me with my hand out the window number one like shaking my finger and nobody in the stands is clapping everybody's staring at and and the 
So I get out and um, the people in second and third are fighting over who was second and who was third. And I really didn't care. So I come, I come down around the back stretch and there's my dad, the only person, the only person I care about. There's my dad up against the chain link fence and he's, he's jumping up and down and he's hooting and he's, he's looking for somebody to high five. There's no, yeah, there. there's no cheering for you. You know, he's, he's all anxious and he's just giddy and I rev it up for him. And, and that was the picture you, you showed where uh, I have the checkered flag and I have my hat because if you nice. look at me, I sit on the floor. I sit on the floor of the car. And uh, if you zoom in on the picture, I'm pretty right. sure my eyes are closed. Hang on. I'm, I'm opening it back up here. Yeah. So if you if you open it up, I'm pretty sure it's the one that I have my eyes closed. And um, so, so we come around and uh, we pull into the thing and second and third place are fighting who got what. And they announced the winner of the race. And You're talking about say, this one here? Oh, let's see. It hasn't loaded up yet. I, I bet it is. Yeah, that's that's the one. So if you zoom in on that picture, um, my eyes are closed in that picture. <laughs> that's awesome. So so they announce my name and they go, and the winner of the Spud Speedway 44, whatever it was, I think it was a total of 50 laps or something, is Fred Ashmore Jr. from Hancock, Maine. And it's dead silence, dead silence. <laughs> and the guy on the sweeper is like this. And that's all you hear. And uh, I just see that. So I head out and I found that picture online. And that week, you know, Zach was pissed because I had won and stuff. And I put the picture on my Facebook and it said, so easy. I did it with my eyes closed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Uh, so it was kind of a, a ribbon I gave a bunch of people for a long time. But that was a great race. And it was probably the reason why I say that car is my favorite because that was really one of those times it was just me and dad. And it was the, cool. really it was our saying goodbye to stock car racing. Dad was yeah. older. Um, I had, you know, I had I'm telling you these stories. I had a blast. I had oh, an yeah. absolute but it wasn't fun anymore knowing your dad isn't going to be sitting next to you in the seat. You know, there's not going to be anybody to talk to on this three or four hour ride. You're going to be, you're going to be hauling the car. You're going to be fixing the car. You're going to be driving the car. You're going to be racing the car and you're going to be, and you're going to be going home by yourself. So yeah. that really was, that was my goodbye to stock car racing. That was our last, our last hurrah of stock car racing. And, and it, we went out with a bang. We put it on, we put it on them. And, and it was just a blast. He, he, my dad's so much fun. He's got That's the cool. worst dry one-liner sense of humors that nobody gets. But I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. I'll take yep. I'll take the guy on the street sweeper clapping. You know, like, I, I'm great. And yeah, I was, there, there were two folks clapping for you that day, your dad and that guy. Yeah, exactly. And, and, <laughs> and that was perfectly fine because I didn't know anybody in the stands. It didn't matter anyway. So. Yep. Uh, Dudes with wrenches says it's not always the race; it's the experience with friends and family, and that, that's a hundred percent. Oh, you, you, you can't even can't even argue that. And and back 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 again. I I've been blessed, like you can't even imagine with with my dad putting up with all my stupidity. Sean, my Sean says Big Fred is the best. Yeah, Sean Sean <laughs> been down to the Bandit Run, and uh, my dad is just that. That was that moment. Uh, Sean got to share it with me, and uh, he was there. And uh, that's cool. It, at the end of that race, when the car ran out of gas 
we're sitting there on the dummy donut. We beat the record. And uh, I look at my dad and I said, dad, 75 years old. And you finally won your first race. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of looks at me. He kind of chuckles and I showered him with Coors Light. So that's it was, funny. Uh, it's uh, it's 100 percent true what they said about um, about, you know, family uh, without yeah. my brother, without without my other brother. Everybody knows about Arthur. They don't know about my other brother. Um, yeah, he doesn't get a, a lot of credit, but uh, he, he's my brother. Uh, always has been my brother. Always will be my brother. Scott Hinkle. Uh, he's probably not on here watching, but, uh, you know, great, 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 great friend of mine has That's always cool. been there. Um, nobody, nobody knows Scott. Um, and he's, he's, I'm not, I'm going to say this. He's as biological as biological can be. Nice. Because to me, it's not always about the blood. It's about the commitment. It's about the friendships. Yeah camaraderie and scott you know grew up with me and we grew up as as rivals at first and and as he got on later um his family kind of went away and he became part of our family and scott scott's in a lot of the pictures helping me wrench nobody knows right. who he is um so you know shout out to scott too scott's scott's always been there for me and you know without people like him without you know my brother's sister and my dad you know the, the stupid stuff i do is is meaningless <laughs> right and then margaret asked what was your favorite racetrack and then john had asked a question earlier we're going to answer it next um favorite racetrack um man i'll, I'll tell All you my favorite racetrack. i'll tell you my favorite racetrack and you, you may not believe me but if you dug deep enough you got to see the footage um i used to race on frozen lakes oh nice and, yeah so my favorite all-time racetrack was stock car racing on Moosehead Lake. And it was an experience of no other that you can compare to anything else. But is um, that as slippery as I think it is? Uh, we had chains. We had chains on our cars. So <laughs> it was really, it was, it was, it was the most fun you could have on four wheels. It, that's crazy. It, when you went into a corner, you knew somebody was going to bang into you. You knew that it was like, it was like real life wreck fest on, you know, if you've ever played wreck fest online, yeah. it, it was real life wreck fest. And, uh, you know, you would, that you would set yourself up accordingly. You go into the corner and you know, this guy was going to drive in deep. So you'd let off early. So he'd slide by in front of you and you'd try <laughs> to get back into the gears and the first, the second race I was ever in, the first race I was in, the car wouldn't run. The second race I was in, um, I got up to the track, and the guy, one of the locals, comes up to me. This is another track a couple hours away north of us in Greenville. And he comes up, and he's talking to my dad, and he says, he might be a big deal down on that asphalt, but he's going to get a lesson up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we went out one race three times. Nice. They would not concede. We have it on video. <laughs> they, they kept the, I'd come around to get the checkered flag and they'd throw the yellow and they uh. tried damnedest to not let me win that race. But in the second race up there, I, we put a win on them and uh, they finally conceded and gave me the trophy. And <laughs> I, uh, I stopped racing on the ice. I had a, a, a hernia that year and had to have surgery and stuff. So it yeah. really wasn't safe. and wasn't the right thing to go back in the stock car. So uh, I hung it up, but I, I'm going to tell you, you know, if any of the Moosehead guys are watching, um, man, I mean, that was, that was the most fun, the best racetrack. My race, uh, do you have any pictures of my race car hauler? We used to drive that out on the lake and I'm like, Oh, uh, hang on. Yeah. Hang on. I've, I've got one of those because like this thing was the coolest. Hold on. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? 
Nope, I guess I didn't save that. But tell tell everybody what it is. That thing was nuts, man. So so what we did is years ago we'd go to lunch at, at the shop, and I drew this design of a race car hauler because we couldn't afford a ramp truck. We just did. We we had a shop, but you know all of our money was was accounted for. It was spent. It was so we found an old Ford van down to Dick Palmer's junkyard, and it was a one ton van. We cut the body of it and shortened it up so it was a crew cab, a three door crew cab with doors on the back of it, and uh, then we made. Right I found it. <laughs> it's coming. And uh, yeah, that's that's uh, and it was always that color when I raced it. I never painted it. <laughs> I was headed to uh, Lee, New Hampshire that weekend by myself. Um, I was going racing all by myself that weekend. So we cut know, off. Dudes with wrenches is is in here phone. Wink the mouth. He wants this so bad. I can tell. <laughs> so the, the body is actually made out of a house trailer frame laid on its side and, and welded together with the rib cut out of it. The back two doors on the cab open so you can get your tools and stuff out. And where the rear wheel humps are, are Fisher snow plows cut in half. And uh, oh my so it had, a, it had a 460 we got out of a, a jitterbug, which is the same thing as a skitter. And uh, it always had a... a uh, lag in the transmission it has a C6 in it, but that thing would go 100 miles an hour, uh, loaded or unloaded. And uh, so <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. dude. So, but yeah, that we think that's awesome looking. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just say we take it out on the lake and we'd unload my my uh, my race car. And my race car for the longest time used to have a state police plate on it. And then one day they got a little bit mad and saw it parked in my driveway when I wasn't there. They pulled it off. But um, nice. I, I finally found out that's where it went. Uh, one of my state trooper buddies told me they were they were tired of seeing a police state a real state police tag uh, floating around on the on the back of it. So um, back yeah, they come for, back for race car. That's funny. Um, John asked here. He says, of all the classic cars you found and saved, <clears throat> do you have a favorite or most memorable find? Most memorable find, I have to say, if I isn't my fifty dollars Shelby, then it then it's it is there isn't one. Um, the fifty dollars Shelby was the coolest car I ever found, coolest story behind it, and um, it it to me was a car that I kept to myself. The very few people ever saw the car. Um, there's reasons for that, um, but I found it uh, down in, in down in Tennessee, and it was uh, in a junkyard. And um, I, I got into this junkyard and I was chasing cars around. And uh, I was, th this was a, one of those yards you just don't get in. Right. And I was walking around out in this yard and I came down around this back side of an area. And I mean, there was everything in this yard. There was V12 Lincolns, there was uh, Hemi Imperials, there was, That's crazy. It, was it was one of the coolest junkyards, but it was all grown up. Yeah. It was all, all grown up. And, uh, so I come back down to the front and the guy goes, well, did you see everything? And I was like, yeah, but you don't have any Mustangs. And he's like, Mustangs? What do you mean we don't have any Mustangs? He goes, you need to go up here and around here. So I go out back and and there's we got to a point where I was walking roof to roof on cars because you couldn't. Oh, get geez. There was Buick Specials. There was, you know, old Impalas, just all kinds of really cool stuff. Uh, Crosleys. There was a whole pile of Crosbys. Looks like somebody dumped out a toy box. Nash Metropolitans, and I come around the corner of the Nashes, and I look, and there it is. There's a plexiglass window in a fastback Mustang. 
And I say, you got to be kidding me. I knew exactly what it was. And That's cool. I, got I don't know what that is. Like that. So, so in 60, 65, 60, um, 66, not, not necessarily 65. I think maybe late 65 had it. Don't quote me on that. But it, this one was a 66. Had a Lexan quarter window in it where the louvers would normally be. Mm. And it was a Shelby Hertz. And it was hit really, really hard. And I got digging around and I get looking at it and somebody had stole the axles out of it. And, you know, but I got it. I could see, I could see the VIN number rolled up in the fender and I looked underneath it and I could see where the tags and stuff were. That's cool. And, and uh, so oh, the tags. and uh, so I get looking at it and, <laughs> so I look back across it and I'm like, this guy, this guy's going to be onto, onto something. If I, if I ask him about this car and I look across and there's another Mustang fastback and I get looking at it and I'm like, I've got a plan. So I go back out and I start talking to the guy and I was like, yeah, I said, do you guys sell anything? as yeah, but the owner's not here. And I was like, all right. And he's like, come back tomorrow. So I came back the next day and he, they had another yard uh, that I went to. And I come back and I started talking to him and I said, this one, that one had all thirties cars in it. There was Franklin's, there was, um, you know, just old, the old willies, like four door sedans and, and, uh, aero coupes and stuff like that. But, um, so I get back over there and I have this plan. I mean, I really don't care about any of the other cars at this point. I think they're cool, but I'm, I'm looking around to see what I can find just to appease myself to say, I at least looked. So I go back across the street and meanwhile, I'm there in a stretch Lincoln. That's what I had to drive at my in-laws house was a stretch Lincoln. So I had to park it at Fred's dollar store down the road. I had to drive back. So uh, I had to walk. <laughs> so I, I showed up and I'm, you know, like I always dress t-shirt, jeans, whatever. And yeah. I start talking to the guy. I'm like, do you sell anything? And he's like, yeah, I, I sell some stuff. And meanwhile, they're not doing anything in the junkyard. They're just scrapping, just scrapping. Oh man! So I, I get talking to the guy, and um, I said, um, "You sell any of those Mustangs?" He says, "Yeah, I'd do something on those Mustangs." And I said, "How about that red Mustang up there? You got any? What's what's the dollar on that?" And he says, uh, "I don't know. Make me an offer." And I said, "Oh, I'm from Maine." I said, "I really don't know what you guys get for those down here. This is back in '05, <laughs> '04." And right. uh, he says, uh, "Well, make make me an offer. What are you thinking?" I said. I don't know, thousand bucks, and he says, mm, "I'm thinking more like twelve fifty. And I said, "Hey, if that's going, that's the going rate. I'll give you, I'll give you twelve fifty for the car." I said, "How about the one across the way from it, the one that's totaled, the one that's stove up but smashed up down over the bank?" I said, "There's some pieces in that I can use, and that's the Shelby." Oh yeah. So the Shelby's all wrecked. I'm making a deal on the car across the way. And he looks at me. He says, well, which one's that? I said, it's a green one. I said, it's been hit really hard on the driver's side. And I said, um, would you, what, what are you thinking about that one? Would you, would you, uh, you know, throw that in for the 1250? And he goes, give me another 50 bucks. You can have it. Oh, my God. So that's that's how I wound up with my Shelby for 50 bucks. And that's uh, cool. I wound up, so oddly enough, so I grabbed the Shelby and put it in a, put it away. And this was actually kind of intermittently. My, my ex didn't even know I had done it. Uh, I put the car away and uh, I sold the other fastback and I came across it about 
probably two months ago. It's still in the same condition. I sold it to the guy. Oh my God. How not many of those cars has that happened to you? But not the Shelby, but the one I originally yeah. bought to get the Shelby. It still had the same doors on it and everything else. <sighs> and uh, That's so, so sad. I, so I sold that and that covered, you know, my expenses and stuff to, to get the yeah. car out of there. And um, I put the car away for a really, really long time. And I had an opportunity to buy a really, really rare 427 Fairlane. And I, I was to the point I wasn't going to fix the Shelby. And I wasn't going to fix the Shelby just because it really wasn't what I wanted. But I okay. couldn't pass it up either. It was like it was like a savings account. And yeah. I mean, it's I always worth it. 50 bucks. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd be always getting my money back for scrap. So I, I'd taken the taken the tags off of the car and put them away for safekeeping so they wouldn't wouldn't disappear. And the car was locked up for a long time and uh, basically had the car hidden. And so I had an opportunity to get this car. And I have a lot of Ford guys that knew about the car, but I wouldn't even I wouldn't take people around it. I didn't want people taking the numbers off of it because yeah. the car was damaged so bad that somebody was automatically going to scream rebody. And right. I knew once once the word got out, the, the or the VIN got out, that the car would be blacklisted forever. And um, I could fix it. And, and I had actually talked to dad. Dad looked over the pictures and stuff. And um, he, we could fix it. And um, But I just didn't want to. It just was one of those things that you fix up, you fix up that car and it just wasn't where my energy was. So yeah. I had the opportunity to get a Fairlane, which was one of my first cars that I didn't drive. I, I had a 67, a Fairlane. So Ooh, I found a cool. very, yeah, it's, it's an awesome car. So I found a really, really cool uh, 427 Fairlane that a buddy talked me into buying up in Wisconsin. And I didn't have the money to buy it. And when I first got the car, a, a, a friend of mine said, I'll never be able to afford a Shelby. <clears throat> he said, I can build one. And if you ever decide to sell that, would you sell it to me? And I, I, I promised the guy, I said, yeah, I said, uh, you'll be the first one I call. And I said, I'm going to give you a number right now, to be honest. And you need to yeah. tell me if you are comfortable with this. So we come up with a number and it don't, it's not ridiculous by any means. Yeah. And well, now I've seen some of them on Barrett Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I'm not that, I'm definitely not that guy. I'm not a Barrett Jackson guy. And um, we got talking about it. And he said to me, he said, uh, yeah, I can do that whenever, you, if, if or when you ever decide to sell it. And so I gave him the call and um, he, he wanted the car. And, and one of the things he had said to me, and uh, it was something I actually learned from a good friend, Emery Pratt, that if I had ever given that number out, that he would have never bought the car. Because. Hot destroyer into this and be like, oh well, why is that? And uh, but it, it, it taints the car, and it's it's not yeah. fair to the the purchaser to buy a tainted car. So the guy paid me for that, and I went and bought my Fairlane. So that that was that was by far the coolest car I ever rescued, and yeah. the car is being restored. And um, the guy's doing wow, that's cool. Time. So so someday it'll show up, and I'll know about it. And him and I, him and I have talked, and hopefully at some point I get to be able to get a picture with the thing, but. Uh, we've always talked. We've we've kind of kept it kept this close knit thing. And the strange thing is, isn't it like he's a really good friend. He's just a random guy that I met, and I really just kind of liked it. It was and <laughs> right. I kind of gave him my word, and for whatever reason, I gave him my word and I kept it. And he kept his word too. He paid me what he said he would, yeah. and that's all I wanted for it. So 
That's great, man. That's cool. And so um, let's, we're at one hour and I feel like I've got to know some of these questions that I've got because like you have such good, like the, uh, the drag race stuff. So, because I want, I want to talk about your life as a uh, car flipper as well, but dude, like, we're, we're talking about something you're like, oh, yeah, my day's in top fuel. Like, how the heck do you, like, tell us that story. How do you end up there? Oh, geez, in top fuel. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting story in itself. Um, I, I was just a, you know, misguided kid, 20, 25 years old. I had, uh, I had been kicked out of racing. I wasn't allowed to race anymore at a local tracks. And um, I was working at a Mustang restoration shop, and the guy had a funny car. And he had a funny car, funny because he couldn't drive it. <laughs> so um, it was uh, had a Boss 429 in it that was stroked, and and uh, we got talking about it. And I wanted to wrench on it, and he never could get it running right. So it had a an old Kinsler style injection system on it, and so I educated myself with it and got the car running. And and uh, we took it to a couple events. We took it to Carlisle one year and took it over the racetrack. And it, it's the weirdest story because I realized the guy was never going to race it. It was always, what was the excuse this time? You know what I mean? Right. And, and what it come down to, he was scared of it. He was scared of driving it. And I told him I'd drive it. I said, I didn't, I, I'll get in it and I, I can put it in the wall just as good as anybody else. So, uh, so uh, we went to, we took the car down for the funny car. That's actually that's actually a great picture of the top fuel. That was the first day I sat in it, and um, that's oh, English wow, Town. That's cool. And uh, the guy on the left was an, an amazing racer from the '60s. His name was Dick Gaylord, which I know it's funny and all, but he was he raced with Don Prudhomme. He raced with you know Garlitz, you know uh, the Hawaiian. Uh, uh, he knew everybody, and he raced with them. And he was he was a legit. A legit driver he was he was uh quite a wow. quite a piece of work but um so the, we went down to this weekend that you're showing right there uh with the funny car for the funny car reunion and the first thing i promptly did was get kicked out of the pits because <laughs> um, i was doing wheelies in the go-kart uh, in the golf cart i was doing wheelies and riding them through the parking lot well it was it was a transition of corvette week to the funny car reunion and here i am doing wheelies through the the parking lot in the golf cart and i wound up getting kicked out we had to go in the parking lot until our event and uh we got in there and i got the car unloaded and, and here come the excuses oh oh it's the starter's bad on it oh the transmission doesn't and he, and this guy would this guy would like sell it he'd go on like, oh we're we need a reverse valve body for a c6 and i'm like what is he doing this thing is it this is not there's no issue here and then it was oh it's right. got a transmission like oh it needs a starter oh it needs this no it needs that and finally, what it just come down to, I finally said, look, I come to racetracks to race. This is not a show for me. This is not this is this is not what I do. I am a race car driver. If I'm going to be on a team, I am going to be on a race team, not a show yeah. team. And um, he finally just looked at me and he said, I can't afford to break it. And I'm like, fine. That's fine. Just tell me that. I'm going to stop trying to fix everything wrong yeah. with it that you don't want to fix. Well, the, the fueler yeah. that you saw belonged to a, a guy named Bob Bradley, and he was actually a schoolmate of my dad's. And um, he had trained down with us to Englishtown, and he just 
basically asked me if I was interested. And I said, sure. He wow. says, well, hop in it and let's fire this thing up. And we'll put it through the gears and stuff. And, um, you know, it really was, you know, just one of those experiences that it's just started out and it was me and Bob and it was, you know, hire drivers. He did hire driver and would take it out and, and I would wrench on it and, and make it faster or change stuff. And yeah. we raced all over the country. We raced in Cayuga, you know, Canada, you know, we raced, That's um, cool all of Bowling Green, Kentucky, we raced dozens of times, um, you know, against Dom Paris and, uh, you know, we went down to Florida and we, um, they won't let you start them up in a residential area down there. So we took it over to Don Garlic's shop and, you know, fired the car up over there to put it through the gears before we headed to California. And, uh, uh, Don came out and he started talking to me and he was, he was really, he was really complimentary to me. He was a really good guy. And, you could tell he had an abrasive personality and, and you can understand why, because, you know, a lot of the people that were around that facility just weren't respectful of the guy's area. And they would like try to walk in the back gate and, and like paw through stuff or walk in the back garage and just places they didn't right. belong. And uh, John come up to me and, and uh, started talking with me and asked me if I'd be interested in helping him get ready for winter nationals. And so, unfortunately, I had to be back in Maine and we hung out and Bob and I you know, took care of him for the day. He was short on wrenches. We got him to where he needed to be and packed the car up, uh, took it back to the, the stable and, and I, I drove back to Maine. And, you know, Don was just he said, Fred, anytime you want to come back, you always have a spot on my team. I appreciate your help. Oh, cool. uh, anytime you want to come back museum his mom ran the museum you know I, I don't think she's with us anymore i could be wrong but just a really sweet lady he has a really cool you know 39 ford collection and uh he just you know let us go through the museum and he just he, he was really thankful i got a great picture with him uh with an experimental dodge dakota that uh chrysler chrysler built for him nice and i was talking to him about it and he said this is my last year of dodge sponsorship and he said um I want to say this was 03, like February of 03. And he said, uh, I, I asked Dodge if they'd do me one more favor. He said, I wanted my own little personal truck. And uh, <laughs> a little blue Dodge Dakota, and it's got a 360 in it, a little short bed. And on the side of it, it says, Big Daddy's RT Dakota. And on the back of it, it says Big Daddy on the tailgate, if I remember correctly. Um, but I got a picture of me and him next to it in my younger years. Um, and, uh, Don was just, you know, a great guy, but from there, you know, Bob and I trampled the country in that thing and we'd blow it up and I'd rebuild it and put it back together and we'd blow it up again or, and, um, probably, you know, Bob was, Bob was a great, you know, secondary man in my life. He, he, he yep. drugged this misdirected kid all over the place and, and I'd sleep on the floor, sleep in the truck. And I just didn't care as long as I got to go have a good time. And I, I chased that dream around the country and I, I was hoping to get a full-time ride in it. And yeah. it just never worked out that way. So, but we are, I'm, I'm struggling over here. If, if I have to bounce out, I'll be back. I promise. <laughs> I'm okay. like, my computer is locked up on my end. So just keep telling the, the Don Garlic stuff is super cool. And then I was going to, I want that to lead into some of the, uh, other fun stories, which you're great at. So just keep doing that. I'm trying to figure out my end here, figure out what's going on. So, sorry. Yeah. So, so uh, probably, probably one of the coolest races with the top fuel is uh, 
we, we uh, towed out to uh, California to race the, the March meet. It was a lifetime dream of Bob's. And uh, so we got the car out there and we actually, we had a qualified and we're an East coast car and, and uh, we're in the show and there was a lot of cars there. It was really cold that year and people were having issues getting down the track, but we, we weren't firmly in, but we were in enough where we were semi comfortable and we lost oil pressure on our last run. So, um, we were worried we were going to get knocked out of the show. So I said to Bob, I said, Hey, you know, I think we ought to push it up in the staging lanes. And Bob goes, well, we got to get it fixed. You know, if we're going to run, I said, well, you don't have to run till tomorrow. I said, let's, let's push it up in the staging lanes. And that way, any of the guys that are going to try to go faster than us, they'll think that we're going to try to put down a faster time too. And hopefully, you know, they'll knock their tires off or, or whatever, or chatter them and, uh, you know, we'll wind up staying in the show. So as uh, we were sitting there in the staging lanes, I had to go to the bathroom. And as everybody knows, it's watching this, you know, David Williams, you know, you guys, you know, drag race all the time. You sit in the staging lanes all day and roast and your car moves 10, 10 inches and every 20 minutes. So uh, at an event like this, it's even worse. So I head on over the port potties and uh, I walk up and the door gets kicked open and it's uh, John Force. And John Force comes out of the door and I'm like, whoa, geez, John. I said, what are you? <laughs> I, I didn't expect that. I said, I thought, I thought this one was unoccupied. And he says to, to me, no, no, no. I said, they don't have special porta potties for guys like you? He says, nah, I put my pants on one leg at a time. And I, I kind of laughed and, and he walked off to, I went in used the bathroom. And I came out and it was him and Robert Height staying in there. He had just won the Funny Car Championship, I believe. And uh, we're washing our hands. We start talking and, and I'm telling him the strategy of what we're doing. And he's like, he's like, man, he goes, you Yankees will think of anything. And I said, yeah, well, I said, we're just going to try to stay in the show for right now. He goes, that's, that's, that's a great idea. He said, I, I might, it sounds like something I would have done in my younger years. And um, I said, well, oh, the line's moving. Well, him and I talked for a couple of minutes and Robert's standing there kind of, you know, just listening to, to John talk. And uh, so we get done and uh, uh, John says, you know, you're not busy later on. He says, come on by. We'll get, grab something to eat. And I says, OK, we'll do that, John. We'll see how things go tonight. They said, if I don't have to wrench on the car, I'll see you. And he says, uh, good enough. We'll talk to you later, Fred. And uh, Robert Height looks at me and he says, did you want an autograph or anything? And I looked right back at him and I said, nah, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of you. And John started laughing. <laughs> laughing in his face and Robert Height's standing there like what what is he talking about and John's like slaps him on the back he's like yeah to be there and John explained it to him later on um uh, about the whole thing when I saw him in the lunch line but uh just it was a really cool experience running in California and and we got we got knocked out first round but you know realistically it was it was the adventure getting there there's the time there um it spent time with Bob um we were there with um uh Tommy Ivo not sure if you're familiar with TV, Tommy Ivo. Um, he was a famous movie star from back in the 60s and drag racer. And uh, one of the, our crew members had his uh, last front engine dragster he was restoring. So it was really neat to be there with Tommy Ivo and and uh, hang out with, you know, all the cool people out there in California. It's, it's a lot smaller world than you realize once you once you get out there. So uh, oh, Bruce, well, and like SoCal is like everybody's like, oh, man, it's it's this big thing. But. You think about it, us car guys, it's such a small world. 
you know, it's the, the oh, it's seven degrees is. of Kevin Bacon for anybody, but it's generally two or three people away from you. You know, oh, do you know so and so? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know him and he knows them. So, yeah, yeah, it was neat. Uh, I, I think his name is Mike Cool, the guy with Cool Blowers, K U H L. And yeah. um, we went to Mooneyham's shop. I'll tell you, Gene Mooneyham and his wife and their son. Oh, so just cool. We went into their little shop. You see these really cool Mooneyham blowers, and they've got rebuilt re Teflon blowers sitting there. And it was, you know, for a guy that's, you know, 25 years old, 30 years old, you know, it was just like the best time ever. And oh, yeah. um, you know, the King and Marshall car was out there from the East Coast for the Cackle Fest. And, you know, just just a great time in general just to to meet up with all the old drag racers there at uh, Don, uh, Don Prudhomme, I think was there signing autographs and, That's and cool. um, Ron Caps was racing one of his cars there. And it was just a really, really great time. And a great time of my life. Could I afford it realistically? No, but it was one of those things that I've always said in life. If, if you don't take opportunities, you never know where you'll go. That's right. That's right. You, you can always, you know, oh man, I should have done that. Should have all over yourself is uh, is yep. not a way to live. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So, dude, we got to talk some coast to coast stuff. Um, I, before we get into that, I want to see if anybody has any questions um, for you because I want to talk about uh, Ashmore Speed and Performance and kind of like what you guys do. I mean, that's what that's your name on Instagram. I didn't know if that's like a like narcoleptic for a long time was just that was the way we kept up with everything but uh, <laughs> like it, it looks like you guys have like a legit shop and do actual stuff i just kind of want to see the story there and, and hear that too well the interesting thing is is i have my shop back in maine which is uh, ashmore's automotive repair is the pm shop and and really that's my dad's toy box um cool. i took it over as a family business a long time ago and we built some really cool stuff. And as my dad got older, I just realized he would not retire. And um, so what I did is I condensed and closed the business to outside, um, like public, the outside public. And okay. it's used now more for his projects and things he wants to do. My dad's 77 and he's at home doing an LS swap in a vet for a main veterans program. Um, and it, he's just, that's the guy he is. And he'll call me up and he'll tell me, you know, about him turning the drive shaft down to get it to the 4L80 so that the yoke fits and, you know, the mounts he had to make and, you know, the different gooseneck he had to make to get the water. To, I mean, he's just, so, so I've turned the shop into a place where my dad can get up every morning and go to work, but not have a job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So we, we have a, it's still a commercial shop. We do estate inspections and my dad sells used tires to, to get a little money in his pocket here yeah. and there. Um, a 30, 30 plus year, um, he retired. Um, so, you know, the guy deserves a nice shop to work in and, and, you know, plow yeah. and call his own. So, and my, Ash, my Ashmore speed and performance is, is an extension of our shop in Maine. It's in Drumright, Oklahoma. Uh, we, we call it ASAP. Um, Yep. So uh, you see my shirts that say ASAP on them occasionally. Those are in the background. Um, so we, we call it ASAP because I'm a deadline guy. Everybody that knows me, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here in Louisville. I'm a deadline guy. People call me because I get deadlines done and um, awesome. I get things things done as soon as possible. You know, I'm sure you saw the Tropic. That car was built in 30 days um, yeah. from, from virtually nothing. We lost a good portion of it in a fire. 
And, and I intentionally built that car in a home garage with fold up toolboxes. Um, what? Uh, I, yeah, I built that whole entire with no lift or anything right in, right in my garage, my attached garage to my house. Uh, I use jacks, uh, uh, jack stands, fold up craftsman toolboxes, a few cordless tools here and there. And every single bit of that was done right there in the garage. And cool. uh, it was, it was, it was to prove a point. Um, mainly that a lot of people see the stuff I build and go, Oh my word. Yeah. You, well, great. You, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. You did it that amount of time, but you have, yeah. you know, uh, 10,000 pound rotary lift and you got plasma yeah. cutters and you got welders and you got metal brakes and you got blah, 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 blah. But a lot of people don't realize that I was a garage mechanic my whole entire childhood. My dad didn't let me use his commercial shop. I had to, I had to work on all my stuff either in the driveway or, or yeah. out behind the house or, or where I, until I was, you know, 12, we didn't have a commercial shop. So as I got older, you know, I appreciated my shop I had, but I got tired of the stigma that, you know, you have to have all these crazy tools and things in order yeah. to build stuff. And uh, if anybody watched me even build the spoiler on the, it was made out of uh, a destroyed corner post off a metal building that I, I bent up and built that spoiler out of a discarded piece of metal. So it, it was to prove a point that you don't need specialty tools to do stuff. You just need the mind frame that you can make something. So many people yeah. are defeated so much before they even get in the garage they're yep. defeated before they ever walk out there and that's why project cars never get done so um it it's kind 100%. of a tribute it, it yeah and and a lot of times the reason is is because people will go out and they'll put their tools away and they'll yep. go inside and then they'll go back out and by the time they get all their tools back out to what they were doing they either forgot what they were doing or want to do something else or it's time to go in for the night so yeah that, that whole thing was really a tribute to a budget build in a reasonable time frame. And the motto of the whole thing was just get your shit done. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no excuse for these project cars to be laying around in these garages. The biggest problem I see with a lot of people that do this stuff is they tear them apart beyond their capability. And, yes. and uh, that's, that's the biggest no, no. I tell everybody, if you can't enjoy it, you're not going to enjoy looking at it. Yeah, 100%. And that's what we always try. Uh, we try and tell people so because he, here's the thing. It's easy to take stuff apart. Oh, yeah. So, and you can do it and it doesn't cost any money. Well, then guys tear them apart and they were typically running cars. Oh, I'm going to do this, you know, turbo LS. Okay, well, cool. Just get the LS in it and then build your turbo kit. Oh, no, no, no. And then you end up on a five year build and it never is done. Never, ever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try and share the screen again. Uh, that's what killed me last time. Uh, but I, I want to show the Hawaiian Tropic car because it's super cool. And uh, we'll go through some pictures if it'll let me. Let's see. Hang on. Here it comes. I cannot believe the issues I'm having with the internet tonight. This is oh, it's a, time is on our side tonight. We can stay up yeah. as late as we need to. That's, that's good because we may need it. Um, so, but it, this car actually started life um and looked like oh hang on let me get to the end of these and we'll go backwards because it's uh it's more fun that way so you guys are getting sneak peeks of stuff we're going to talk about here in just a minute uh is this how this car started no strange, okay. strangely enough that was a parts car i found in an gotcha. auction in kansas that 
I picked up for real short money. And had I not, the, the Hawaiian Tropic as you see it today wouldn't exist. Oh, wow. <laughs> because yeah, I was, lost, I was hoping you had not started with that. I was like, dang. Well, we lost all of the all of the trim, all of the interior, all of the, the unique uh, Laguna stuff in a, in a fire shortly after my wedding. And because I had bought that parts car, I was able to have every, pretty much everything I needed to put the car back together. Wow. Um, so kind of give us a rundown of this car. And then you were telling some cool stories about uh, this on the, the three lefts don't make a right podcast the other day, too. So <clears throat> the whole thing started uh, well, the brainchild of, of Ben Wilson. He wanted a car he could kind of cruise around the USA and go see people and something that was was a tribute that everybody would recognize. It would stand out. Um, they, they've got a great channel that's going up and they're launching. It's the, the C2C Express channel. Um, they're on YouTube. They're going to be putting up some cool stuff. Um, probably well, incidentally, we're, uh, we're a contributor to that channel, just so everybody knows. So yep. make sure you go uh, subscribe to that and like so, and comment and share and all that stuff. So, so ben, ben Wilson, the founder of the C2C or co-founder with Eric Props, um, uh, and Matt Davis is a big part of it now as well. Um, Ben really wanted a car to drive around the USA and he found this Laguna in Denver, Colorado. And at the time I'm living in Maine. And, uh, so he got a deal on the, on the car and, and I drove up and picked it up and, and I tore the car all apart and sent it out to have it painted. Cause at the time I didn't have time to paint it. And, um, in Oklahoma, I didn't have a facility at the time to paint it. So right. this guy took the car and painted it the wrong color and then wet sanded and buffed it right through the paint and burn all the moldings and just destroy it. I would have rather left it primer gray and put plates on it. That's how bad it was. And I got highly discouraged and I just kind of drove the car, I pushed the car in a corner or my dad pushed it in the corner when he was out there and I didn't want to look at it. And, um, around last July, uh, ben and I were talking on the phone and he said, so what do you think about having the Tropic ready for November? And at this point, I was I was going to have the, the 50th anniversary at my house and I was going to um, uh, get married in, in amongst this time. So I said, sure, of course I will. And um, at that point, I, I was uh, I kind of over I felt like I overextended myself. But that's why I'm a deadline guy, because by doing that, I put myself in the position that I have to get stuff done. Yeah. So um, I, I went ahead and said yes and promptly put it off for a couple months. And uh, so uh, at my wedding, BJ, BJ Barger, son of Fink, he's another uh, YouTuber. He um, he asked if uh, he could paint it. And uh, I said, sure. So he came down with his, his uh, uh, two sidekicks cohorts. And uh, so they came down they spent a, about, a, about a month at the house getting the car prepped to paint and, uh, so I went to Maine. I had a vacation. I had to go to Maine to see my family in our annual bird hunting. And I came back to a painted car. Um, That's cool. I had built the spoiler and, and done all the little work and helped them before I left, cut the windows out and, and do all the stuff, you know, that they, you know, just helped along with, with that part of it so yeah. they could get it painted. And um, from there, it was just game on. There's just anything, anything possible I could do. I did, and I started. I had been researching stickers and trying to get every possible sticker I could to match the car down to a T, a hundred percent, the way it was in the movie. And um, 
there's no pictures of the car in the movie on the passenger side at all. So wow. for the most part, I just mimicked what was on the driver's side yeah. besides the um, Ben Charlie Safari sticker on the, on the, um, the lower fender. So I mimicked everything that was on the driver's side onto the passenger side. And uh, you know, the car came along really well. The, the night before I got ready to leave uh, the transmission uh, service didn't go as well. So I um, pulled the pan off of it and it was right solid full of shavings and frog eggs and the car shifted and drove. But a lot of people don't realize the first time I drove that car was three days before I left for Connecticut. So (laughs) the first time in 30 years that car had been on the road was three days before it went to Connecticut. And so we uh, pulled the car up to, um, we yanked the transmission out of it. Me and uh, Lonnie Copeland from up to Oilton uh, tore the transmission apart, got the transmission rebuilt. We got it stuck back in the car, and uh, the the rest was history. We we brought it home, and uh, things shifted really good. I had a minor scare. I got wrestling around with something, and I managed to push the vacuum modulator line off, and it started shifting funny. So I had a, a, a an oh shit moment there, and I got it pushed back on, and everything was shifting good, and. We drove to, uh, we say we, I drove by myself to Connecticut, um, met up with um, Damon Duke, and uh, he he wired us for sound, and we were off on the musket ball. My brother met me there, and I started being Fred. I pulled the rear differential fluid at the starting line and changed that out and changed the oil and, and wired up a CB, and, and uh, you know, that's just, that's just the fun of it for me. A lot of people think that it's, that, you know, maybe I'm frustrated or I should have got my car together, but the car had been off the road. It needed oil changed. I wasn't sure about the rear diff fluid, you know, as far as, yeah, it's full, which is good because it means the seals don't leak. Yeah. How long has it been in there? So, um, you know, service that and, and uh, we took off and it it was a great, the first, the first hour was the most fun. Um, We, I realized that Damon and my brother had never actually driven in a, in an event before so i was going to i was kind of going to take the back seat to those guys um but i told them because damon wanted some start line uh, footage and i said you know what you know what damon i'm going to give you some footage so for the first the first hour or whatever it was i drove like a scalded ape out through there and uh you know just had fun you know being a fool in a car we all got tied up on the tappan z bridge and and I got out and uh, Carlos uh, Spicy Wieners, I always call him. That's the only way I really know him by. Uh, really cool guy, by the way. You you want somebody with some stories. Uh, I guess he's a GP racer, uh, legit oh, wow. GP racer. And he brought um, a Fiat 500, looked like an Abarth, but it wasn't. It was um, uh, it all stickered up. They have a name for it, uh, Live Lead or whatever it's called. Um, had all the stickers all over it. Real cool looking car. And uh, we got bottled up on the bridge, and and I looked at uh, I looked at Dame, and I said, "Give me a sticker." And he goes, "What?" I said, "Give me a sticker." And he pops the thing out, and I reach, he pull, I peel the back of it, I hop out of the Hawaiian Tropic, and I go up and I slam it right on his window, right directly in front of this vision. <laughs> so he's he's driving down the, he's trying to like look around the sticker, so he had to get off the interstate and peel the sticker off of it, and and. Uh, so we got to the first fuel stop, and I believe I can't remember if Damon drove first or Arthur drove first, 
But um, I told the guys, they said, I've done enough of these. I said, I'm going to monitor you guys, give you guys advice. Um, the best thing to do is keep the car together. Let's be smart. Um, yeah. Get this voyage finished. Uh, get, you know, let's take care of the footage that Giro needs. Giro Hoshek was great. Um, you know, gave Damon everything he needed for the, the documentary filming and stuff. Oh, cool. And uh, so, yeah, we stopped out in, uh, I think, New Mexico and did some uh, drive-by shots. And then we, uh, after we got out in front of a bunch of people before the bridge incident, we we let people, we let people start passing us so we could get the footage of them going by. And it yeah. was more of kind of a 50th anniversary tribute run. Uh, get get John Ficarra some footage for his his real cool event he put on, and uh, just just really a good time, uh, giving my brother and Damon the chance to drive and and having them understand you know the do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, not just not just in an event like this, but uh, trying to make it across because so many people never make it across. So many, yeah. so many people, and, and have especially tried. in a car that's not been on the road in thirty years. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Definitely. And uh, so th there was a couple of times I kind of had to rein them in a little bit, but it was it was more along the lines, and, and they were great. It was like all of a sudden you're you're, you're driving 100 miles an hour, you know, plus, and it's like guys, okay, just remember. This the, the brakes are quirky on it. It's an old car. It doesn't stop on a dime and give you three cents change. You yeah. know, it's probably going to stop on a dime and it's going to cost you twenty five bucks more like it. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, they they both did an amazing job. Uh, we'd get out, swap the cameras and stuff. Over the only the only light scare we had is we were going through Indianapolis and talk about terrible Oklahoma roads. We went over a bump and all the lights went out. Oh and, no. So uh, the old dimmer switch on the, uh, the the Laguna kind of burned out. So I kind of coasted off, got down in a back alley and uh, grabbed the wire strippers out of the back. And I kind of knew what it was a little bit because I had messed mm -hmm. with the dimmer switch. If I held it down, the lights would come on. So I pulled it out because um, I didn't want to drive with my foot on the dimmer switch the whole way. And eventually yeah. it just stopped working. And uh, so I quick uh, grabbed the wire strippers. My brother stripped me a wire. I pulled it, stuck it back. I think we were stopped maybe five minutes. Yep. And right in downtown, people are looking at us with this weird old this crazy stickered up car. <laughs> yeah. And uh, working on it on the side of the road. But nobody said anything. We just kind of got back after it and got on the road. And, uh, you know, really everything was just, it was just really neat. It, it's actually the first time I ever got to sleep during an event. Because I, oh I, I'm usually always driving. And yeah. at the time, I had a pretty bad cold. So, um, you know, I let Artie and Damon take over and, and both of them did really well. And and then we got to the other end and I called in a favor from James Snow and he gave us a police escort uh, wow. down through the San Bernardino Valley. And uh, so that was really neat. Uh, James Snow, uh, great, great organization. Uh, he's in charge of the uh, Cannonball Memorial Run. Uh, cool. It's a it's a fun for fallen officers, families, yeah. uh, a really, really great guy, does a lot for the community. I believe he's getting ready to uh, retire. There's uh, Jason Riggs is another one, a uh, guy been shot multiple times, uh, out living life and enjoying it. Um, hats off to him. You know, Kevin Amsoil, um, all those guys out there, my hat's off to you. You guys do a job that nobody wants to do every day. And I, right. uh, you know. That's too cool. What, uh, did you guys have like any extra you know fuel prep any extra tank for that car you know all that kind of normal stuff that you would do intentionally no yeah <laughs> so, so uh 
I, I told everybody, including the other guys there, I'm like, I am not participating in this event. I am attending it. Oh, nice. But the first hour, it's game on. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. And, and we, we, we had some fun with it. We ran for the Le Mans start. We got in the car and headed out of the parking lot, and everybody's stopping at the stop sign one after one. And here yeah. I am, like the A-team, out into the road sideways with the Laguna. <laughs> And headed and, and passing across medians and just doing foolish stuff, just having a good time, giving Damon some footage and, That's and awesome. uh, just just really had a good time for the first like thirty or forty. We had a great time the whole time, but yeah. uh, it, it's it's one of those things that you get behind the wheel of something like that. It's an older car and and you got people with you know, newer stuff, better brakes, and you you kind of like you kind of ask yourself, hey, do I still got it? Can I still drive? Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know for the most part, I get I guess I'm still okay. That's awesome. And, you know, I would think the first, especially with the Le Mans style start like that, the first 20 or 30 minutes are the most fun anyways, because everybody is in the same area. You know, oh, after definitely. that, you're going to get, you know, fuel stops and things that people are starting to stretch out. But the, uh, I would think the first, you know, hour is probably the most fun. Oh, oh, it definitely is. Um, you know, that the camaraderie of joking around and doing the stickers on the windshield <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, you know, the, See, I had a monstrous CB. I don't know if you've ever heard about the CB I have in my in my uh -uh. car. It's a it's a Ranger. It's got 500 watt receiver system on it with a 10k striker antenna, and I can talk to the space station if I had to. <laughs> right. um, the thing is foolish, and and uh, you know, listening to the truckers, you know, talking about the car going by, or me getting into it with a trucker over in uh, Arizona, you know, <laughs> teasing the daylights out of him, and. and uh, we're on there, Damon, and and we're joking about it. And this guy's hollering at me. He says, "I'm in the I'm in the uh, the Swift truck. You you sob. He said, you come over here and I'll show you. And I'm, like, I'm in the prime truck. Said, you want to come say something to me? We're not. We're just and we exit off the interstate and we just drive out around and go nice. and here. I'm in this car yep. and this." So some guy in another truck probably got an ass whooping that night, but it was, it was <laughs> they pull in, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we had some laughs about that. We joked about doing that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Damon, Damon was great. You know, the, the neatest thing about these trips is what you learn about people you, you don't know. I mean, yeah. Damon, Damon, if you saw the picture I posted, I think yesterday, it was a picture of Damon actually filming me. Um, after the 2019 C to C. Oh, yep. And it, it's a younger picture of him. And you, you, when you first see him at the at Connecticut, you're kind of like, "Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you." And he's like, "I filmed you before. You don't remember me?" And it's kind of <laughs> like, then he had short hair, different style, you know, a little bit of this. But that, but but it's not the the facial recognition. It's all the stuff that you learn about somebody that they tell yep. you that you don't know that, you know, the open road in confined spaces becomes this open book of yeah. people willing to just talk about anything to make the time pass by. And yeah. I found out some great things about Damon and, you know, just to talk to him and to Giro to trust me to drive him across the USA yeah. and, you know, get the footage and stuff they need. It was that the whole entire time was, it was just, you know, memorable. It was memorable to see my brother and his, and my brother, he's such a ham. He's, He's doing the whole Mel Tillis thing, the whole entire. He's 
he's stuttering the whole way and he's wearing his cowboy hat and, and he's just really hamming it and yucking it. Up. So it, it just kind of made the whole trip, you know, I have so many cool memories of my brother or my dad or, you know, Damon's a memory, you know, of just sitting and talking with him while my brother's in the back and just so many of those that, that my life cup is so full. Everybody talks about a bucket list, you know, my, yeah. my bucket's full. I mean, it's, it's not a list. It's, it's, let's do it and let's get it crossed off and move on to whatever, whatever we think next. So uh, Cowboy Puller, are you talking about you want to do coast to coast in a semi-tractor? That doesn't sound like any fun to me, but just, uh, I mean, cause you're, you're going to have to like, I mean, could you, I don't know, not stop at way stations? Like, is that something that's legal? Like, uh, I guess if you maybe put a knot for hire or something on it, or it had some maybe. weird, uh, I, I don't know how, how that would go. I mean, I, I guess it's like anything else. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not um, doing it to be legal. So, you know, yeah. screw it. Roll on like a Smokey and the Bandit semi would well, be way more fun too. That was one of the things they said about the tropics. Somebody in North Carolina has a lot of questionable toll booth tickets right now. Because so, that <laughs> car just funny. had a, I made a tag that matched the one from the movie and put it on the car and drove across the USA. Oh my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah, if you look, if you look at the back of the car, it has a North Carolina tag. I think it's like ZAB two forty nine or something. Nice. Yeah. So somebody's just getting hammered. They're like, "What are you talking about? I wasn't even there." Can you can you imagine though if you call and you're like this wasn't me they're like yes we got a photo of your car and it's definitely you and they send you that picture and it's a '76 Laguna it says Hawaiian Tropic on the back of it they're like well, I drive you know. an, 80, an '88 Corolla what do you mean <laughs> that's right I was gonna say '88 K car but yeah, yeah that's exactly right and a Dodge Daytona that's not my car that's so funny yep so uh, Hot Rod Dave said he'd drive Blocker in a '77 Trans Am. Yeah, for the, uh, for the semi. Yeah, that's uh, that would be, you know, that's always one of those things that I've talked about taking a semi and doing the bandit run or doing something in yeah. it, and, and you know, at, at some point you got to say, Uncle, you, you can you can do so many things, but when when you start doing so many of them, like yeah. when you start crossing everything off, at some point you got to say enough's enough. Like how yeah. many times are you going to do it in something different? You know, it, right. it, it becomes overwhelming. So, you know, I, I've always thought about doing it in a tractor trailer. I've got a, I've got a new project that I'm getting ready to build. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, you guys will like, I think you'll like that. It's going to be a staple build and um, it, it'll be something that I guarantee you guys have probably never seen before. Nice. Uh, so the, the biggest question would be, what was the time for you guys coming across there? I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I really don't even know. And and the thing was, is because we weren't really broke down. We weren't, you know yeah. what? The, I know what the time was. I do know what the time was. It was a good time. That's <laughs> there what, you go. That's the best way to put it. It was a good time. I, I don't even know. I, I, other than us all leaving at the same time, I couldn't even tell you what time we got in. And, and it didn't yeah. matter because it was, it was nothing about the time. It was about yeah. the experience. And that's why it was a good time. You know, having my brother there to to be able to say he drove in one because when yeah. in the 2019 C2C, um, we were sitting in a restaurant and my brother is looking at me and he says, JR, because that's what my family calls me, JR. And uh, I'd really like to drive one of those legs of that race. 
And I looked right back at my brother and I didn't skip a beat. And I looked him right square in the eye and I said, I plan on going to jail. <laughs> and he looked back at me and you have to know my brother to appreciate it. He kind of looked off like this a little bit, kind of paused, awkward three, four seconds. Even if it's on the way home, he says. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he never drove. He never even got to drive the Cobra. So That's uh, funny. So, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's, uh, it was a good time having him there, having Damon getting to hear, you know, Damon's life story. Yeah. Real, real cool guy. Um, I, uh, and it's funny, you know, uh, my brother and I went to Indy, uh, for a Cletus and cars event last year. And it was the first time him and I had spent that much time, just me and him since we'd been adults. Right. And, you know, it's like nine hours one way. And it, it was really fun to just be able to hang out. You know, like you still never yep. get to hang out with people anymore, you know? Yep. Oh, oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of even the foolish things I do in, and people, people forget about the, the other people behind the scenes. I mean, April, April's great. She's, yeah. you know, just an amazing person, you know, very supportive in the stuff I do, you know, really never says no, um, you know, person with the, the world wide open to her that, that has so many things that her and I are going to do together that, That's you know, cool. that, uh, you know, she's always, she's always, she's always asking me when I'm going to be home. And, you know, it, it makes it good because it, it gives you a reason to you know feel good about coming home. And, yeah. you know, there's been times in my past where I've only ever been alone and um, really, really had no place to really call home. Yeah. And it's, it's nice having a life with her and, and my uh, son, Danny, um, you know, Danny's, Danny's a new part of my life, but cool. you know, he, he's a, a staple that, you know, you look forward to coming home and ribbing him and teasing him and, and giving him a hard time and getting him laughing. And, nice. and, uh, I got a daughter back home. You know, she's, she's gonna be 21 this year. Uh, amazing singer, amazing kid, uh, called me tonight. I had to call her before I got on because, um, it's just, uh, your timeline. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I didn't even think much about it, but everybody's, you know, Somebody would be like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm down filming a TV show. And they're like, what? I thought you were in Oklahoma. And I'm like, no, I drove to Louisville. When did you drive? I just drove over on my what? People, people are like so blown away because I'll just like get out and drive across the country and yeah. go do something. Yeah, and, I think you were saying last time it was like 700 miles or something like that from the house. Yeah, yeah, it was 700 miles. I, I got up in the morning, left about the same time April did for work. And, <laughs> and I was here in time to get my COVID test and stuff done. And and, awesome. uh, you know, just, just take a look over what the, what, uh, the, the mess was I had to fix and, um, yeah. and, you know, come back and go to bed and get something to eat at Waffle House. And, and, uh, but yeah, there's, there's so many integral people in my life that have, have meant so much and done so much for me. Um, and you know, I can't, I can't thank them enough. April, April being definitely one of them. She, she yeah. puts up with the brunt of my foolishness and, and I I've got, I've got two cows at home. I got two baby cows that ride in our cars and stuff together and a great big old German shepherd that every, anybody who's been to my house loves my German shepherd. His name's Gus. And he's the biggest German shepherd you've ever seen. He's absolutely monstrous. Uh, David Williams loves him. Everybody loves Gus, but Minnie and Moo Cow are our two latest pets and, and they kind of rule the roost. That is too cool, man. I, okay. I'm, I'm, I wasn't going to make the trip over, but you talk about cows. I'm, I've got to come over now. <laughs> oh, everybody's welcome anytime. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just a, I tell everybody that uh, the same thing. I'm a simple guy. 
You know, you, you can come to my house. You can say, hey, you know, I'm in the area. You know, I'm broke down. I just want to stop by. Hey, do you think, yeah. it, you know, you didn't stay the night. Come on by. And, you know, we'll talk cars. Right. And we'll, we'll tell stories. We can go out in the junkyard and mess around or go fishing in the pond out back. It's that's it's, awesome. It's just it's just a little green acres over there, and and uh, when I'm out of town, and Danny and April keep the fort at bay, and uh, you know wait wait for this dumbass to come home. That's awesome. So Menlo asks, uh, will you ever write an autobiography? Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure anybody would read it. I don't. I don't. I, <laughs> I, I like there's talking. some folks in here that asking some good stuff. Uh, I think we'd have a lot of folks. Oh, or you had a lot of folks read it. Oh, I've, I've, you know, we've scratched the surface on some of the, the dumb things I've done over my lifetime. But um, yeah, I've, I've thought about writing a book and I've, I've been asked to write one, but it's so weird because uh, I talked to David Simpson and David Simpson is, you know, a highly respected person. He's, he's a, a really cool guy. He wrote the zombie road series. And, um, you know, I talked to him about, I've been asked to write a book, you know, what do you think? Should I write a book? And he, he said, yes, Fred, you definitely should write a book. And I said, David, I'm just going to tell you, I don't have a clue where I would even start. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me, I think well, a lot of the things I've done are just out of sheer willingness to do them. Yeah. You know, so many people say no. And yeah. um, so many people don't take opportunities. So many people get up and, and and find a reason not to do something and over the last you know probably 10 years you know i can see spots of it in the last 15 years i i've just more or less saying go for it you know what's the worst that's going to happen and and it doesn't seem to matter you know what i've done i've always managed to have a good time and or i mean I, i i booked a cruise years ago for 200 bucks with uh, one of my drinking buddies and his best friend, and we wound up on a on an, uh, a senior citizen cruise. Nice, and, and it was the best time, one of the best times I have ever had. And, and those it, people know how to party. Oh, it was. It started out with a uh, a Japanese uh, uh, a Japanese guy who did cover songs in a karaoke bar, and. <laughs> And uh, we were sitting there, and he was singing a country song. It might even be David Allen Coe. And uh, so uh, my buddy says to him, he says, you play any Merle Haggard? And he goes, Merle Haggard? And I, mean, this guy, I never seen a guy manipulate his voice like this guy did. I, I couldn't believe it. So he, he didn't play Merle Haggard, but he had a little computer, and he'd look it up. Yeah. And, and um, so we, we hocked it up. You know, we had a good time. And, and we grabbed the, we grabbed the older women. We danced around and drank some beer and got all drunk and hung over. And the next night we went into the bar and the bar is busier. The old folks had told their friends. You need to go to this bar. Crazy dudes. There's these three guys in their like 30s and uh, just drinking and having a heck, a heck of a time. And then all of a sudden we're sitting there and we hear, doom, 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 doom. Could be holding you tonight. <laughs> and the whole place just erupted. And of course, we're hooting and hollering like a bunch of idiots. Before you know it, we have like as many people as you can cram into this like piano bar because you'd move around on the ship. Yeah. And it was it was rocking every single night. 
And um, people just come in and they would just be looking forward to go to this stupid bar and see just what type of ignorant annex we were going to do. And that's awesome. But just everything, it just seems like I've been very, very fortunate and blessed that the, the things I've done in life have, have turned out so well because yeah. many opportunities I've had that didn't turn out so well, too. <laughs> um, Nightmare Cars here says, ask him about the floor of Bama. Oh, my word, the flow of Bama. Oh, that's, that was a night and a half. I almost stole a cop car that night. The doors were locked. Um, <laughs> that was very interesting. The, the bouncer wanted me to stop dancing on the railing. And <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think when I got off the railing, I wasn't somebody you really wanted to toss out of the bar. But we had a good time. We drank a lot of beer, drank a lot of Long Island iced teas. Uh, ben just, you, you know those like uh, cardboard carts you get like, cases of beer in yeah they're just the flats and he would then oh keep buying flats full of flats and flats full of uh this <laughs> long island iced teas and i don't know i think my butt might have got signed that night uh, uh probably it, i think it was it was one of those ridiculous nights it, that, it was a time in your night. life sounds like um you and i would have got along really really well i, I yeah i'm really <laughs> I'm kind of fun. I'm kind of fun and I usually have a good time. And, and the thing is, is the, the bad part is, and my brother learned this a long time ago is there's really not much I won't do. Um, I mean, him and I've been in bar fights and everything else over the years. And, and uh, it, it's, it's been an interesting life and, and uh, I could, I could go on and on with the Dude, dumb You're, story you're just that. getting rolling. Like, like, Imagine you at 80, you know, like all this life experience. <laughs> well, your dad's I, I, still just cranking it out every day. You're going to do, you're going to be just like your dad. I, I told everybody and I, I, I used to coach college basketball. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Uh -uh. And uh, I coached college basketball for several years and uh, I, I was really a good, a big passion of mine. I had, I had a really good time doing it. I met some great kids. Um, you know, they, they always gave me a hundred percent and I always got a hundred percent out of them. And uh, it was one of those things that I told those kids as they were young. I said, live when you're young because you don't know if you'll ever make it to be old. Yeah. And I said, when I get old, I want to be the person who can tell everybody what I did when I was young and stupid. I don't want to I don't want to work myself to death to the point where I'm saving money to retire and maybe enjoy something then yeah. because you miss so much stuff along the way. Yeah. And well, uh, the other side of it too is like, uh, you know, you got your health now, do it now. Yeah. Don't, don't wait till you're 70. Who knows? You know, that, that knee may go anytime and it's going to limit you. Oh, your knee, your back, or just in general. I mean, every day we get up, you get in a car, it can end today. I mean, yeah. I've been in cars where oh. it's almost ended for me. And, and, uh, Jaws hit it on the head right here, right here. How old would you be? If you didn't know how old you are, you know what I mean? I, I would, 20, that means, 26 that years old. That means I'd be a pitcher for the New York Yankees from the Dominican Republic. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, C2C Express YouTube channel here. We, we gave a shout out to them earlier. Uh, just a real quick one again. Uh, awesome channel. Definitely on the come up. Uh, he said, uh, didn't Elvis try and kidnap Fred? Oh, well, he, he had some moves. But I think he was putting them on Ben. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I think um, I, I might have done a couple splits and a couple toe touches that night. I, I know somebody wound up hanging their bra up in the rafters. 
Listen, I got I got to see the toe touch. We got we got to get together soon. I got to see the toe touch. I could. We don't I need to do it one here. We don't need to do it right now. I'm, oh, okay. I'm scared for you to do it in the hotel room. People downstairs be like, "What the hell's going on up there?" Oh, for, fortunately, I'm on the bottom floor. But oh. a lot of people a lot of people didn't know I could do it, and I'll I do it randomly. And and as I said, I'm not really a small guy. I'm I weigh like 265, and uh, to see a guy my size do a toe touch, it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so we talked about the Hawaiian Tropic car. No fuel mods for that car uh, right. to do the cross country. But, dude, tell me about the Galaxy because that car looks like so much fun. The Galaxy, um, it is a <laughs> – I'm pulling pictures up now. It is it is a street legal stock car with no cage and has – a almost 200 gallon fuel tank. That's the easiest way to describe it. Um, it's everything you want and don't want in a car. Um, it's got reliability. It's got fuel mileage. It's got rattles, squeaks, bangs, clunks, wind noises. Um, it's, yeah, that, that car I wouldn't think would be super aerodynamic, but it's probably not bad. I describe that car at 135, 136 is trying to throw a dry sponge into an oscillating fan. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. There's a lot of front area on that car. Yes, there it definitely just is. looks so cool. It's coming up, guys, I promise. Uh, it just looks so cool. It's it's such a neat – and honestly, the funny thing is I borrowed that light bar on the front of that car – and uh, borrowed it from a buddy I used to stock car race with. Um, and <laughs> I was talking to him and I said, um, I, I had it for a while. And I, I finally said to him, I said, um, did you want your light bar back? And he's like, you know, Fred, I just want to say I contributed something to such a cool car. There and, you go. Uh, so it's it's been on the car since I built it. And that license plate folds up. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Uh -uh. But that front yeah, the front license plate folds up so all the air can go inside of it. And oh, uh, nice! Extra, and uh, extra cooling or uh, extra no, it's so you can not, well, it's it's dual right. purpose. It's extra cooling, and when you're driving down the road, the the uh, the the traffic cameras can't get your license plate. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, Jaws says I've I've stared at that car for hours. Uh, it looks like a lightweight factory drag car uh, with a single overhead camera. Yeah, um, it, a matter of fact, it, it's very. I'm not going to say it's a tribute car because I don't like to get into that stuff. It does have a single overhead cam in it. Um, the, it's got fiberglass fenders, fiberglass hood, fiberglass trunk, all that we made. We built the, really? we, built, we built the box, um, the plugs and uh, you know, it was done right in house. A, a guy from down the street come down and we built, built all the plugs and stuff and uh, made the, made the, the trunk for it and is is and, that a, like is that boat flake on the roof <laughs> no it's garage floor paint <laughs> oh my god that's even better so um what happened is the night before i left it's uh it's a great story um you probably have the pictures on there somewhere that's pam yates great lady she signed the car sweetheart and um <laughs> the guy dropped the tank off to put in the car and it wouldn't fit what? And I was like, it wouldn't fit the car this, so, this was one of my favorite shots right here. <clears throat> that's that's a great one. I, I haven't seen that one in forever. So that's right in my hometown of Hancock. That was uh, right before I was leaving to pick up Andy Laverdier. 
I believe nice. that is it. It may not be. Um, I think that actually must be after it because I have my shirt on. But um, wait, what? No, I have my C to C shirt on, which is oh. from. You know, yeah, not. not I have my shirt on. Wait, hold on. <laughs> so I get I get to the tank and and my dad's looking at me, and uh, the tank won't fit in the car. I've got the seats out and everything else, and this is the night before we're supposed to leave. The car's yellow and white, and oh uh, we get talking away, and uh, Dad says, "Well, you'll just have to call him, have him come over and cut the tank down." And I said, "What?" I said, "He's not going to come cut the tank down." I said, I got to get it in the car. I said, it's got to fit. Yeah. And he looks at me and he's like, I'm going to eat dinner. I oh, took a spousal and cut the roof off. <laughs> oh, are you serious? What are you crazy? <laughs> and stuffed the tank in it and welded the roof back down. And uh, so I didn't have any time to paint the car. So I went up to Home Depot and got the, the gray paint with the spackles and painted the roof with a roller and got gel coat. so that. cool. And got gel coat to match the uh, fiberglass on the car, and I rolled the paint, on, uh, rolled the gel coat on the side of it, and put and away we went. So that is awesome. So uh, tell us the the rear. T- tell us about the license plates. Is that just for fun? No, no rear bumper. Just want to do something different. It was. I had had a tube bumper on it, like a stock car bumper, and yeah. I never liked it. And when I first put it on, and it kind of, it's. I just didn't like it. And I wanted to do something different. It's like yeah. you see everybody do everything. And I looked at my dad one day. I said, I'm going to make a roll pan. And my dad looks at me and he says, well, roll pan. I said, yeah. I said, we make it out of make it out of license plates. And he kind of looked at me. And I don't think he really knew what I was talking about to start with. And then when he saw it, it kind of stuck on him. He's like, yeah. you know, that's pretty friggin' cool. And I think it, it really it really adds a lot of uh, pizzazz to the car. And the really neat thing about this car is I chased this car for years as a kid. It used to just oh, wow. sit on the side of the road uh, for probably 20 years. And it was bright yellow. And I could never buy the car. I could never talk to anybody. I could never find. And I left a note on it one day. And like two weeks later, it pops up on Facebook Marketplace. And You're like, I left a note, you jerk. Yeah, and a kid named Josh Stanwood owned it, and everybody in my area knew the car. And the car, it wasn't significant enough to restore or do anything with. Yeah. And really, what better thing to do with it than to give it a new life? Oh yeah. And uh, so, so that's what we did with it. That's my wedding picture. Uh, It's April's favorite car. Um, That's awesome. And it was really cool because uh, I had just met April, and we'd been hanging out, and. I did the C to C and I came back that night and I got home like six o'clock in the morning from California and I picked my dad up and we, we went to a car show and we went to the car show and April came and I got a phone call, my buddy Emery Pratt. And he said, they're showing cannonball run tonight in Bangor at the drive-in. And if you dress up like Burt Reynolds, you get in for free. So, um, April dressed up like Farrah Fawcett and I dressed up like Burt Reynolds and we, I wound up staying up all day. I'd been up for some ignorant amount of hours and, uh, but that's always been our favorite car. So we decided when I got married, um, we'd, we'd use that as our, our drive away wedding car. So how cool. Uh, uh and re- real neat have, car. I think I have that picture here too. Hang on. I was trying to pull it earlier. <clears throat> Let's see if we can get it pulled up here. 
And I, I've told everybody, I've told everybody, I said, you look at the car up close. It doesn't look like much, but it was never intended to look like a show car. It was intended for one purpose and one purpose only. And uh, it really, it's really served its purpose. It's been a trouble-free car. I, I've driven the thing all over the U S I've driven it to Connecticut for the, the discovery. Uh, I don't think it was discovery, the ESPN Brock Yates documentary. I could be wrong. Yeah. Don't hold me to it. Um, I'd driven it down for the, the 40th anniversary at the, yep, that's us on our wedding day. And uh, that's that's the you old buggy. married up, bro. You married up. I, I, is there any possibility I could marry down? Look at me. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, she's, she's great. She's amazing. It was, uh, it was a great night. We had a really good time. All our, all our family flew in. It was the weekend we were supposed to have the 50th and, and uh, we, we canceled the um, the uh, 50th and we just had everybody come and stay at the Boomtown and had a great time and, and just had lots of people. That's so. cool. Uh, Jaws is asking how much of the car is Crown Vic or is it a, a swap into the stock Ford? So a lot of people think it's on a Crown Vic chassis and it's not. Um, what we did, and I don't know how far you can scroll through my, my Galaxy pictures. <clears throat> yeah, but the ones we, I have up is what I is what I've Oh, heard. yeah, there's no problem. Uh, I've got a bunch of them. If you go on my page, you'll see where the galaxy's cut off at, at the nose. There's about 10 inches of stub out of the Crown Vic grafted into the galaxy frame. And oh, cool. that allows us to bolt the subframe into the galaxy, the stock galaxy frame. So it has a 4.6 uh, P71 police motor transmission in it. Um, it has an 8.8 in it on leaf springs so it, it, cool. it retains the galaxy original leaf springs it's got helper air shocks in the back so when it has all the fuel in the back seat i can pump them up and adjust the shocks up and down depending on how much fuel is in it um so really i would say it's got the heart of the crown vic the motor and transmission it takes yep. all stock crown vic parts there's nothing hot rotted here yep. um we did that intentionally because if you break down oh, yeah. there's so many options for parts you know locally and uh, it's just a really cool, simple, basic car. It starts off the heater controls. So if, if you get in the car and try to crank it over with the key, it'll crank over, but it's intentional. You can't start it. Nice. The only way you can start it is sliding the heater controls all the way to the right. And uh, that's, that's how a, it Dude, that's genius. Like nobody would ever think of something like that. But so, it's just connectors in there that's telling it where to go with wiring, you know. Yep. So. So uh, I built that, and it was just kind of one of the neat features. It's got an air raid siren on it, and it's got, um, you know, just a just a generally neat, cool, fun car. Everybody looks at it when it goes by, and, yeah. and it's not ignorantly fast. It runs in the mid, you know, 130s, and, you yeah. know, after that, it just it's not going anywhere. It, it just hates yeah. air at that point. So, yeah. Can uh, you imagine Will in one of those as, like, a NASCAR driver back in the day? You know, the, the thing about it is there was something about driving that Galaxy at high speed and the Hawaiian Tropic at high speed. And I say high speed. We're talking the 120s, 130s. Yeah. Which that. Hey, for those cars, that was fast. I mean, yeah. And, and really, that is fast. I mean, don't don't get it twisted. But like 120s, 130s is fast. But like in those cars. I mean, they didn't have the brakes for the, that kind of speed. Oh, you're busy. A lot of people don't don't realize that most of those galaxies had drum brakes. I mean, if you had something converted with discs, then, you know, awesome. But most of those cars were drum brakes back in the day, and they had special yeah. drums on them. And yeah. uh, 
it yeah, was just a, to see here says uh the friend was the only person in the car park at the 2018 C to C that didn't have to fix his car yeah it was, it was funny that night i drove in and um there was there was some uh very very skeptical people that you know i really don't think wanted the car there um it's not very often you hear guys driving his gas tank down to New York to race across the USA. And uh, we pulled in a little late, the around dark, Andy Lavertier and I. Andy's a great guy. I was talking to him. He was delivering a Peterbilt yesterday. And uh, we pulled in and just kind of cruised in and got our room and drank beer and went to bed. And then we got up the next day. <laughs> we'd be a talk around while everybody's working on the car. And everybody's kind of like, well, what are you doing? And, and nobody knew that the first time I ever even drove the car was to New York. Oh my gosh! Back it out of the driveway and drive it to New York and pick up Andy in it. And Andy's dad's pretty skeptical. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, I just got rolls yeah. in this patched up piece of junk. Well, that's and, what it looks like, anyways. You know. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, we just you know made sure everything you know that would go wrong was was replaced. You know, change the idler pulleys, change the belt, change the alternator, and um, so um, yeah, we just. Um, we kind of knocked it out of the park. It, it was cool. And, and, uh, you know, we had some fun street racing going along to see to see kept, kept seeing people on the way and, and, uh, we had some fun with them and it was, it was really just a, just a fun car to do it in. And it, it was, it was a great Hiroshima. Oh yeah. Yep. And a lot of people call it the tanker and, and we, um, we got pulled over in Texas and uh, Andy had left the light bar on, so we never got out of the car. We just we just climbed over each other. And at one point, I was I wanted to see what fuel consumption was, so I climbed out of the window, and I took the headliner out of the car while we were going down the road. Andy was holding the wheel, so I unbolted one end, and Andy unbolted the other, and I climbed out the window and dipped it in the tank because I didn't have a fuel fuel gauge, and um, to see how much fuel was in it. And we were we were going down the road, and. Um, I just held my hand on it and when it got, when it, as I pulled it out, when it got wet, I had a general idea of where it was. So um, we wound up uh, after that, Andy climbed over me and we kept going. And uh, we, it was really foggy in Texas. We wound up getting pulled over and Andy was, Andy was sleep deprived. He did really just, you know, zombied out at his, his first, you know, coast to coast run. And he's like, we're getting pulled over. And I'm like, well, it ain't because we're speeding. And we're laughing about it. And he pulls up. And I'm in the passenger seat. This big old country boy, state trooper from te uh, Texas, walks up the side and he says, license, registration, proof insurance. And I had it all ready to go. And I, I panicked. I, I had these uh, pillows that I used to drive with. So I grabbed one and I gave it to Andy. I said, put it behind your head. Because you rest your head against the gas tank. Oh, Nice. So I had him put his put his thing behind it. So he's done that. And so it looks like their headrest kind of. But yeah. if you look around, you have to look down and in and you can see the tank. Yeah. But, um, I said, officer, can, can I, you tell me why we're speeding? Uh, why you why you pulled us over? I don't believe we we're speeding. And he says, you left your light bar on. He says, it's a violation. I said, oh, I said, it was really foggy this morning. Really sorry about that. He said, what brings all you boys from Maine down here to Texas? And I didn't skip the beat. You know what I said? You want to guess what I said? Oh, I can't imagine. I said, we're on a high-speed endurance race from New York to Los Angeles. <laughs> we're kind of in a hurry. Can you speed this up? And it worked. They say, you do not say that. You do not yeah. talk. 
And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, 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 I'll be right back. He hustles back, to the car, <laughs> prints out a warning. And I said, hey, we're going to, I'm going to climb over him and he's going to climb over me. He's like, okay. And he reaches in and I snatch the stuff. He goes, you guys have a good day. Good luck. And oh my God. Magnum PI'd out of the ditch. And away I went. And uh, we laughed about that the whole way. But and everybody says you don't ever tell them what you're doing. And it was just, it was instinctual. I just, I just was like, well, I guess if we're going to jail, we might well, as well go to jail. And you seem to have a pretty good read on people too. You know, that, that helps a bunch. Like, yeah, you know, he's a great at, at that point, you probably, probably kind of you know, had a little feeling. What kind of, uh, one thing I think you probably get all the time too is like, what kind of mileage does that stuff get? Uh, we put a, we put a 430 gear and a 31 inch tire on our cart, which is a grand marquee base. Yep. Uh, so it's two valve, you know, four, six. Yep. And I think we get about 11 miles a gallon on the highway at 70. So what kind of miles were you, uh, MPG, were you getting in that car? It's, it's crazy weird because I want to say, if I remember right, across country, because we have no gauge. Yeah. We have no gauge. So um, I put the 188 gallons in it in New York and topped <laughs> it off at the red ball. And um, best I can tell – Cause when we got to, got to the red ball, Travis Hilton was there and we wanted to go get beer. And he was like, well, what can I go get beer? And I said, go take the galaxy. So he took the galaxy and for a ride and went and got beer and he'd come back and he's like, that thing's awesome. <laughs> and Travis wound up being my co-pilot the next year. But um, so uh, I, I put the gas back in it in California and drove the thing home without ever stopping for fuel it that's insane. the best i can figure out i think it was around 14 ish 14, that's, that's not bad at all 15, to 15. but yeah. a lot of people don't realize everybody the first thing everybody says is oh you must have beefed up the suspension blah 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 all the stuff what happened is when i build my cars i build everything based on uh the stock the stock ability of the automobile now yeah. The GVWR of a Crown Vic, I believe, is right around 4,900, 49-ish and change. And the Galaxy is similar. So what I did is I took everything I could out of the Galaxy that I did not need. It has oh no heater. God. It has no roster. <clears throat> it is a race car. It is. If you're cold, put on a shirt. If you're hot, roll down the window. That's how, yeah. it, that's how it is. And um, the car with without the fuel in it is like 3,200 pounds. That's oh, how wow. so, yeah. so then you add the, the I think 1,160 pounds of fuel. Yep. And, and then it, so it still falls within the GVWR. But to balance it out, I put some air shocks in the back of it to help dampen the, the pounding up, up and, and down. down. Yeah. And I put the fuel in between the wheels too so the car would handle better. Um, so the car really full is at stock GVWR of a Crown Victoria or That's Galaxy. Awesome. So um, a lot of people don't realize how much time there was into um, you know figuring that stuff out. But that that's the cool part about about that car. And now now I don't even know how much gas is in the thing. I just get in and drive it. <laughs> it just washes around. It means it has fuel in it. So yep. If it starts, that means it's back there. And you can you know with a I don't guess I've ever really looked into the interior of that car like. Uh, it's a single cell. Like a lot of times, you know, especially the Mustang, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, uh, you added cells to that car. But like the, <clears throat> that car is just a big single 100, 
how many gallons? 188 gallons? 188 gallons is the yeah. best I can figure. You know, may, maybe it's a little more, maybe it's a yeah. little less. I'm not going to Harry hog you and tell you yeah. my fuel line holds a gallon or nothing like that. Yeah, right. So. Uh, <laughs> half inch fuel line, get that extra bit of half gallon in there. I, I, I see your days of thunder. Shape you like a bullet. Yeah, I, I see your days of thunder reference there. I like it. Um, so it's just a big, big sale. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me, especially with the space you have in that car. And that car's not going to have a rear seat that somebody's going to be that you're worried for somebody to sit in and all that yep. kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. Yep. That's that's a fun car. How many times has that car been across the country? Um, that car has only been across the, across the country once, but I've driven it everywhere. I've driven it yeah. to Connecticut. I, I, I actually use it as a parts chaser. Well, it's in Oklahoma now, so I can't say it yeah. hasn't been across the country more than once, but, yeah. um, I drive it. I, I don't care. Uh, I'll take it. If I have to go pick up a, an engine block, I'll take that because the trunk's huge in it. And, and yeah. the thing gets, believe it or not, being really, really light with that motor and yeah. stuff in it, when you're just driving it around, it gets foolish gas mileage. Yeah. So, so I'll drive it anywhere, and it's always a great conversation piece because everybody likes likes the license plates on the back of it. Yeah. And uh, I probably haven't driven it as much as I should in Oklahoma, but I've got so many cars there that are just <laughs> fun to drive. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm very very lucky that way. All my all my cars run. And That's awesome. So, so it doesn't get driven as much as it should, but hopefully, when it warms up, April will take it to work because she really likes that car. It's her favorite yeah. car. Um, do you think like that, that you'll put a regular, like a, a smaller cell in it? Cause with, when you were filling it up there, it looked like that, like maybe the cell was, well, you said your head was resting on it. Like, yeah, there's no rear view out of that car. If it's that big, do you want me to send you a picture of what the tank looks like? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I may have to send it to your phone. Let me see if I can. That's fine. It. That's fine. I, uh, um, can you send it through messenger and I'll just pull it up. Yeah, let me let me see if I can. Um, so I'll go to. Might take me just a second here. Yeah, no worries. Um, and then Jaws was asking, uh, asked Fred about the four twenty seven Fairlane. Oh man, which one? <laughs> well, I was going to ask too. Um, I have I have uh, I had I have two technically, but I really have one cool one. Well, then we definitely need to hear about the cool one. All right. I'm seeing if I can quick find this picture here because it's. Okay. Hey, guys, while he looks that up, y'all, uh, we're, you know, obviously got several more stories to tell. Will y'all please share this back out across Facebook and YouTube? Uh, Fred, this has been a blast so far. I, I, the next hour and a half, I can't imagine what we're going to get into. Did you get those ones? I'm gonna pull it up here real quick. Oh, it says it's still sending, so it might be a second. Okay. Trying to get my stuff pulled up here on Facebook and then uh I'll wait for it to pull up. Uh, Hot Rod Dave says, uh, says he had a 77 Malibu that he thinks should go 180 uh, with the Hot Rod 350 and a stock 243 gear. It chirped second at 70. 
<laughs> he said he wants a Laguna. What's that? Uh, sorry, oh, the yeah. Hot Rod Dave Good in the comments. Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know why my internet is. We're gonna try so to shut the live play off today. on this. Uh, no, it doesn't look like they came right, through yet. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And we'll just show them here to folks from my screen. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, for everybody going to be listening to the podcast, imagine sitting in a seat and the fuel tank be just above your ears uh, in the back seat. <clears throat> I feel like this may be like a senior picture that you've recreated. <laughs> no, that was, I, that was just kind of a cool thing my daughter and I did. And it was down at an old house I had bought. And it, everything cool. just kind of fit there. Like you said, yeah. it's perfect. Like, like, the barn uh, in the back looks awesome. Yeah, it's just a really. That is awesome. gigantic. So the, the funny thing about that box, I can see it now. Like measuring for it makes a lot of sense. I did a lot then of you're like how the hell do I get this thing in here? Yeah, that that's the thing is it's so astronomically big that most people don't realize how large it is until they actually look at it. Yeah. I was going to see if I could send you one more over. Uh C to C here so the the CC Express says the holy grail of car collections. They all run and drive. <laughs> yeah, I I will say this. I'm pretty pretty well off when it comes to running and driving cars um and then that that's that actually i just noticed that that is when the car was yellow actually well let's see if it'll, there it goes you're a wild man for cutting the roof off of that car and then putting it back on but it was either that or cut the fuel cell i guess huh Well, it's, it was just one of those deals that it was, I had a goal and I had a deadline and it was, I'm not going to say sink or swim. I just, I've always been that person that, you know, tries to persevere and, and make things happen. You know, there's, there's been some, some, sometimes in life, there's just things that you have to say, uncle, you're, you're at the yeah. point where you're pushing it to the point it could be dangerous. And, um, and when I say dangerous, it's, you know, it, it just you have to you have to know that that edge you have to know that balance and fortunately for me i've always kind of lived on that edge but i've also stepped over that edge where i know where to stay stay <laughs> oh. home don't do this you've done enough dumb shit one of these times you aren't going to come home uh you you learn you learn as you get older i call it wisdom you learn from your mistakes you you fix them and you just keep going and you don't, you don't dwell on them. If, if, if you dwell on your, on things, it, it takes a valuable memory that you have that you can be used for something else. Yes. Uh, don't yes, let anything 100%. live rent free in your head. Uh, there's yep. so many more things to do in life that matter that the, the stuff that's happened in the past, 
it, it, it doesn't matter because you can't change it. So, yeah. so you just keep, keep moving on, setting your goals. You know, I've got some great goals for this year. Um, I'm very, very anxious about a few things. And, you know, hopefully that hopefully they'll all come through. Uh, Arthur and I are getting ready to build a Baja. Well, not getting ready. We have a Baja truck that's built. We're, we want to oh, run that cool. Baja in 2022. Uh, that's, yeah. that's the next one that, to, to get done and get that that out there. Oh, that's too cool. That'll be that'll make for good stories. What's the uh, what's the setup on that rig? It's a it's a Ranger, I think, if I remember right. He knows all the specs on it. Mm -hmm. um, it's class seven truck. We're gonna bring it out here, and I'm gonna get it ready. It'll be that much closer to Mexico. So if, yeah, if uh, these foolish two brothers want to drive it to Mexico, we may drive it to Mexico and run it, <laughs> and uh, and see if we uh, you know, can bring it home in one piece and just get yeah. across the finish line. You know, in order to finish first, first you have to finish. So yeah, uh, we're not we're not thinking we're going to finish first or anything. But if we go with that mind intact, in you never know, you know what might happen, and we'll give it a shot. This uh, we'll just do the best we can with what we got to bring, and yeah, hopefully we'll we'll uh, bring it home. So that's awesome. That that will be some cool story. And uh, you know, for folks that are following, uh, obviously follow you follow you on Instagram, and then are we going to see some YouTube stuff? fire up here soon as well maybe yes and no um i got i got kind of a pretty big iron in the fire right now um i'm probably going to do some youtube stuff i do i do need to do a release on the um the uh hawaiian tropic car yeah. that was a crazy cool build that needs to be documented put together i know the c2c express channel has has dropped a couple of my videos of yeah. uh you know, like building of the galaxy. That's a great one. I think you started playing it, had some of the clips in it. Yeah. Um, those are all little videos I've done, you know, in the past. Uh, the uh, the Hawaiian traffic definitely needs to be done. Uh, we'll get that. We'll get that up and and hopefully, you know, people will like that and enjoy that. Uh, beyond that, we're hoping Giro's going to have his documentary done soon. You know, COVID has played havoc with him. Oh. Uh, a lot of the TV stations over in, in uh, Europe, you know, are, are very different than here in the USA. Uh, Giro's put a lot of time and effort into that and, you know, a lot of research. And, you know, so hopefully that's that's going to come out, you know, later on this year. We've, we've contributed a lot to that. Um, and... Um, Doing some TV show stuff, um, kind of behind, behind the scenes, uh, hoping to be a part of Battle on the Beach 2 coming up here in the, the next month or so. Uh, Michael Matsumoto, Rob Zimmerman, both great guys, uh, asked me to come back. Uh, nice. I, I, we must have we must have done enough to make him happy uh, last year. And uh, so, um, yeah, we're looking at that. I'm down here with HGTV now. Um cool. Allison Victoria, uh, the girl I worked with on uh, Battle on the Beach, is down here as well doing the reveals next week. So if all goes well, we'll be on Battle of the Beach 2. Um, we'll see the documentary later out this year. I'm going to do yeah. some YouTube stuff. Going to be busy building a Baja truck. Going to be busy building some other stuff, getting my own footage out there. And, you know, just kind of putting ASAP on the map yeah. uh, as far as, you know, hopefully, you know, I see some other channels kind of like what we did and they're doing it themselves. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you're not first, you're next is what I say. Um, so that's, that's the plan. We're going to, we're going to hit that up and uh, try to get some good footage out. I've got a really, really unique, cool build. I'm going to do, uh, I've only, I've only a few people know about it, but the, the build process of it ought to be really neat. And I think it'll be something you guys have never seen before. 
Oh, that's cool. Can you give us some kind of hint or clue? Um, I don't know, because every time I give a clue, I kind of like, oh, like telling get, everybody what I'm doing. Yeah, you give three or four clues, and then somebody's put it together. So let's leave that to, to yeah. for people to find. Um, yeah. Dude, we got to talk about the uh, got to talk about the Cobra Bill, the Fox Body, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, the Stallion SS car. Uh, lead us down that that rabbit hole while I get it all pulled up. So that that started out, it was going to be a 79 uh, pace car. And I bought this car sight unseen, the 79 pace car, and that was going to be my C to C express car. Um, so what it wound up happening is I wanted to take the galaxy and make it even more dangerous as Ben would say. Nice. I wanted to, I wanted to streamline the tank. I was going to put a Terminator engine in it and get the suspension tweaked out. And I was going to make that thing. So we go 160 and um, and 160 nonstop. So um, I was going to mess around with that. And Ben said, no. And I, you know, he said, please, no. And, and he, he had let me know that for the most part, uh, there were some people at the event that didn't want the Galaxy at the initial event, let alone come back, you know, 50 miles an hour faster with right. uh, the same fuel tank and the same loose nut behind the wheel. Um, so we went back and forth and we're juggling. And so I got a hair across my ass and that's the way I, I, I get sometimes. And I said, uh, okay, all right, Ben. Okay, Ben, I won't bring a bomb. Instead, I'll bring a bazooka to knife fight. And uh, so uh, I started looking for a 79 Fox. And as soon as I picked a Fox body to do it in, my brother went nuts. My brother's first real car in school was an 87 Fox body hatchback. Oh, cool. And it was it was just a four-cylinder five-speed, but it was the love of his life, if there ever was one before his current right. life. And uh, so we found out we were going to do it in a Fox body. He was just elated wanted to be part of it wanted to go on the run and so i was out with my buddy jay cushman getting parts down in tennessee and i picked up this car and it was nothing like it was described it was the floors were rotted out of it the rails were the rails were solid on it but everything was gone so <clears throat> i was on a mustang page and that's a picture of it when it was in the miami vice tv show um okay. so I was on this page, a Mustang page, and this guy said, hi, my name is, um, can't think of his name off the top of my head, uh, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, here's some of my cars. Well, in the background, this car was sitting, a wide body Mustang. And I could not, I could not, you know, tell exactly what it was. And so I asked him if the, if the wide body was for sale and I did it publicly <clears throat> and he said, uh, yes, it is. And I quickly deleted my comment and went to the PMs. And we got talking back and forth and and he come up with a price of a thousand dollars for it. And the car looked pretty decent in the pictures. And um, I was like a, a wide body Mustang. How cool would that be to do the C to C in? And so he disappeared. He just randomly disappeared. And I'm bummed out because I'm thinking I'm going to build this wide body. And all of a sudden he, he disappeared and he pops back up. And he had had a bunch of other parts and stuff for sale. And he says, I feel really bad about abandoning you. I said, I feel uh, you know, I feel really, really bad. 
He goes, I'm sorry. He goes, I know I told you a thousand dollars for the car. <clears throat> Do you still want it? And I said, yeah, yeah, I still want it. And I said, you know, when can I come down and get it? And he said, I could come down X day. So I said, all right. And I went down, I got a brand new trailer uh, down in Georgia, which I would pick up and bring back to Maine for a friend of mine. And I headed right to Cocoa Beach, Florida. And I got all the way down to, to um, Ocala, right out. I stayed out. I actually stayed outside the Don Garlet shop nice. and um, I couldn't get a hold of him. I could, couldn't get a hold of the guy. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my word, here we go. So I called the guy and no answer. So I'm headed to his property. I'm driving to his house and I get the phone call. Here's the phone call. I, I mean, I'm. 16, 1700 miles away from the house. And I'm like, here it is. Here it is. Tell me he's changed his mind. Mm-hmm. And he says, Hey, Fred, are you still coming by today? And I said, yeah. He says, Oh, good. He goes, um, I was just curious. He goes, I got a parts car. I said, you do? He goes, yeah. He goes, it's a parts car. It's a twin to the car you're getting. I said, really? I said, uh, well, how much do you want for it? Meanwhile, I have a 28 foot trailer. Yeah. <laughs> the Mustangs are 15 feet long. Yeah. So I, he says, well, if you want it, you can have it. Yeah, I, said, want it. <laughs> so I go down and it's a twin. It's an absolute twin to the car wow. and it's completely rusted out. Everything's rusted out on it. So I cram the, I put the, the real, real rusty one. I get into the trailer. So I managed to get in the trailer the good car, lo and behold, has no suspension under it. No oh, K-member, wow. no rear axle, nothing. So I wind up build, going down to Lowe's, building a cradle, hauling it out with my F-350 to the trailer, and cramming it into the trailer. Brand new trailer. This is a <laughs> dealership trailer that has to go to Maine. I never tied the cars in. It was so tight. I pushed the door up and pulled the latches down and locked it. You're like, I'm not walking to the back of the trailer while we're traveling. Exactly. <laughs> be a hole in the door. So I bring the car home and we, we start talking about it. And and the rules to see to see are this. You can spend um, uh, $3,000 on a car and as much as you want on the upgrades. But me being me. I'm like, nope, I'm spending $3,000 on the whole car. Oh, my God, dude, you're an animal. And uh, so I get on Copart, and I said, I go on, and I find uh, 2,000 Cobra. And mm-hmm. it's in Copart down in Massachusetts. And I bid on it, and I get it pretty cheap. And I get down there, and they have stolen everything off the car. Oh, my God. And... I'm gonna link. I'm gonna link the video of the build. Uh, oh, from C to C. So I um, I uh, I'm pissed, and I go inside, and the lady goes, "Don't say it." And I said, "What?" She goes, "We've got all your stuff." I said, "Excuse <laughs> me." Well, my buddy who bid on the car in Copart had bought a Scat Pack Charger, a Scat Pack Challenger, like three months before that, and somebody had stolen the LED, uh, the, the, the head unit out of it that controls the whole car. Oh and my he went goodness. down to get it and it was gone and he was pissed. So when, when uh, I gave them the money to pay for the car 
it was short money. It, it was a, a thousand bucks or not a thousand bucks. It was like 2000 something dollars with all the fees and stuff. And um, he told them when he paid for the car, cause I gave him the money. He had to do it through his co-part connection or whatever it was. And he said, if there's anything missing off this car, we're going to have a problem. So they went out to check the car before I got there and it was missing all the Cobra emblems and missing the radio and missing just all the trinkets and little things that went with the car. Um, I think that the taillights might even been missing out of it or something. And they, they went and told them that you're going to, you're going to bring the stuff back. So I was in there and had a whole bunch of parts and pieces that were in the trunk of a car that they had taken off. And uh, so I wound up getting the whole car. Well, I brought the car home and got it running and it had a knock in it. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So I started selling parts off the car to pay right. for the car. So I got the car paid for by selling parts off of it. And I was able to drum up enough money to buy a, a Lincoln Aviator that had a 464 cam with the deep, the D-port heads on it. And uh, so I brought that in, I parted that out and junked it and paid for the, paid for the motor. <laughs> so now I have the motor and I got the Cobra motor and I took the two of them and built one engine out of them. And uh, it had 180,000 miles on it, I think, when I built That's it. That's awesome. And I took the time and chains out of one and put them in the other and the new oil pump. And yeah. then I wound up selling the block and recovering my money back, a lot of the money back out of the Cobra and started just little by little coming back ahead. And so I brought the brought the uh, Miami Vice car in and cut it off at the nose. It was really rusty and damaged from, from them dragging it around. Mm -hmm. And I fabbed up a new front. Uh, I cut the nose off of the pace car, sold all the pace car parts out of the pace car to pay for the pace car. Yeah. And um, cut the nose <clears throat> pace car or, yeah, I believe it was off the pace car. And I grafted it onto the, um, the Mustang. And then I took the IRS out put it up underneath. I think I had to drill two holes um, because the 79 didn't have quad shocks and part of the IRS uh, bolts up where the quad shocks were. So I had to drill the two holes where the quad shocks would have gone and had a drive shaft made. And I converted all the interior. So I had the, the uh, SN95 to new yeah. edge interior in it and just started putting it together. I had Cook's headers on it. It, yeah, it so was actually... I, I was watching the video in the... Uh, and it's like a, a montage of pictures, right? And so I'm watching, I'm like, I was like, that's that's like an SN95 interior. And so like, it, you know, it just caught me. There's so much to catch on that car. It's uh, it's just like CDC says, uh, you know, surprise everyone with the Mustang. First time you saw it at Alex Roy's, at, or first time we saw it at Alex Roy's, it amazed us all. It, it, it was just, um, my, my brother came in one day and I, he said, what are you up to today? And he had seen, I, I said, I'm putting the car together. And he said, well, you, of course you're putting the car together. I said, no, it will be rolling by in 24 <laughs> hours. And he goes, come on, JR. And there's, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I have a little clip where I built the car in 24 hours. I completely pre-assembled the car, cut the nose off, welded the nose, put it all together, put it all out, put the suspension, the motor, the transmission, the rear end and everything and set the car and rolled it out the door. That's crazy. I, I think that's the link to the video that I built that I, yep. I put. I think uh, that, that's so, such a cool, such a cool setup. You know what I mean? So, so we did that, and uh, then, then again, uh, Scott and Claire uh, always, always have been you know top notch back home. Uh, they take care of all the locals with their vinyl and stuff, 
And, um, you know, Scott's like, bring it down. I want to paint it. I'm like, well, I said, I can paint it. He goes, no, let's bring it down to the shop. Believe it or not, the picture of the car doesn't do the paint justice. (laughs) That's cool. That car has flip-flop pearl in it. Oh, wow. And in the sunlight, the car was beautiful. Uh, We painted it the day before. I was trying to see if you could see in any of the pictures – it, it's it's really tough to see, but we dumped yeah. the pearl in that thing and it had flip-flop in it. And on the side of it, Scott and I wanted to do something cool. So it's actually a mural that shows New York to Los Angeles. And there's a cannon shooting a ball out of it, chasing a the old Ford drag racing Cobra across the country. You know, the, the cool. snake with the wheels on it. Uh-huh. So that's the actual mural on the door. And it has the St. Louis arch and the, the Midwest um, uh, uh, corn husks in it, and it has the LA movie star on one side, and has the New York statue. That's awesome. So, um, I wanted to do kind of a tribute because they didn't make a 79 King Cobra. So, this was kind of like if they built a 79 King Cobra, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we sized and stretched the graphics. And if you look at the hood ornament, if you get to have a front shot of the car where the hood ornament would go on a 79 Mustang, it says C to C Mm. right there. So if you can zoom in on that little round right there, that actually says C to C on it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so, you know, we did that and uh, we made all the driving lights. I built the air dam and stuff for it. And the stallion SS was actually from the original car when it was in the Miami vice TV show. And, um, uh, I didn't want to put racing stripes on it because I thought it was maybe a little cheesy. So I made the Betsy Ross flag so it matched. Scott's is great at sizing stuff. So we made it so it looked like a racing stripe down the middle of the car, but it's the oh. same colors as the um, as the Cobra on the hood. So That's it, cool. So um, we did that. And the Blue Lives Matter thing across the back was for the Cannonball Memorial Run guys. And uh, we did that kind of as a spoof because my thought process was um, who's, oh, if somebody called in and they said, uh, yeah, uh, we were just, somebody drove by us in a, 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 a white car going at a higher rate of speed. Uh, could you give us a little better description of it? Uh, yeah, it said blue lives mattered on the back of it. They're going to look at the what? phone and they're going to laugh and they're going to hang up. So. Yep. But uh, the the spoilers on the back of it, um, yeah, Jason took some great pictures of the car. And, and, uh, yeah, that's Jason's caddy in the back. Um, The the whale tail on the back of the car was original. I made the uh, Testarossa-style taillight. That's one taillight on the back. Yeah, I made that. That's That's made out of Capri. And it all lights up all the way across the back. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Wow. And all the lights and stuff work properly in it. And it, the thing was ignorantly loud, like, like deafening loud. It's so, so that's one of my questions. Um, like in, in making a run like that is a loud car bad or good. I don't know. <laughs> all I can say is I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I, I can't say it's good or bad. Um, I know that when we got in the street race in Omaha, with uh, Chuck and uh, Deborah, uh, uh, Chuck Weiss and Deborah Blomster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got in a road race. Travis Hilton was driving. We were coming through Omaha. They left three hours ahead of us, and we caught them in Omaha, Nebraska. 
and once Chuck started started uh, saw us in his mirror that he had a they had a Cutlass 442 with a supercharged LS in it, nice. and um, it was a convertible. When you come up behind it, it looked like a Jiffy Pop. The oh yeah, was, I can only imagine how like. <laughs> so we get street racing through Omaha. And we get past and we drive away. And that's where our fuel stop was, was just outside of Omaha. And uh, little we know, uh, uh, ben, ben Preston, uh, him and uh, Martin had broke down just a little ways down the road. So we had gotten off and gotten fuel. And we're, <laughs> we switched drivers. Now I'm driving. We get back out on the interstate and about five miles up the road, Deborah and Chuck are pulled over. And Chuck <laughs> is on the back. Of the car with his hands above his head like this. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They got him out spread eagle on the back of the car, and they thought that he had kidnapped her. And so Deborah's message us in the back, and she says, "Why? Why would that be the story?" I have no idea. I really. That's that's a that's a story that Chuck and Deborah have to tell. But um, yeah, uh, definitely. Chuck and Deborah, if you're listening, let's hey, let's do this. I'm ready to hear that story. <laughs> I'm sure she has some stories that they can tell. She's. She's a, uh, a rally girl. She does a bunch of stuff with Team Pink Slip. But oh. um, so well, long story short, not that I have a short story, but um, Deborah messages us and said they're, they're, they're looking for your car. And, I mean, we could have all but just said, hey, here we are. I mean, the, yeah. car's, the car is as obvious as can be. There's yeah. no C2C stickers or anything on it. So right. they don't know we're like part of a road race. But their car is all road raced up. And – we're, go, we're heading along, and there's like a two-mile stretch. Just, you know, Nebraska, straight mm -hmm. as an arrow, you can see C2 years. And um, I can see a cop sitting way, way up, way, way up in the middle of it. But he's pointed uh, eastbound. And I said to myself, I'm rolling up, and we're, I'm, I'm trying to be quiet. Anybody who's listening that has heard this car run, it is not quiet. They said we set the alarms off in the Trump Tower when we when we were down to New York. That is how ignorantly loud this car is. So I'm trying to coast by this cop at at like a reasonable speed without like blowing his eardrums out. And I get about probably 150 feet out on him. I can see him and he whips his head around and locks eyes with me. Just death stare. And it seems like eternity. And he knows who he's looking for. He just knows he's going the wrong way. And I thought he was just probably going to pull out and pass, but I'm just coasting yeah. by and I coast by. And Travis is laughing and my brother's like, and my brother's looking out the back window and we get out about a hundred yards on him and he whacked us with laser and we all start laughing because <laughs> uh, the laser jammers in the car are going, please alert, blow all these sirens and shit going off in the car. <laughs> And we're not, it's, we're not even going fast enough. Yeah, you're right doing now. 78 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we all laughed about it. We decided about that time we ought to, uh, we ought to get out of uh, Nebraska. So we got down in Colorado and running that car. I'm going to tell you, we talk about fun times on tracks. One of the most fun times I ever had in a car was driving that thing through the Rocky Mountains. Oh, that, I can imagine. That thing was a blast with that IRS in the back of it and, and, uh, we were probably midway through a, a, a fuel fuel run. So the car held 70 gallons, right around 70 oh, wow. gallons. Um, I had that custom tank in that one, the same one that I put in Kilroy. And um, the, the thing just, I mean, you could, you could come right in under a, a car going, 
you know, 80, 90 miles an hour. And the thing would just do that little IRS wiggle in the back and just plant and go. It was just the car just handled so well. And, yeah. and Travis really, really liked the car. When when he got there, I'm sure he was kind of skeptical as to what, <laughs> what type of piece of engineering is this redneck Mainer come up with. But uh, Travis played the best joke on us. We uh, So my brother and I were headed down to uh, New York to Alex Roy's house to watch Apex, the the premiere in Alex's apartment. Whoa, how cool is that? Yeah, so here we are. And and we're running a little bit behind, but I'm trying to see how fast I can drive to New York from Maine just to, to you know, kind of get some bugs. If we got to yeah. work on the car, we'll work on it. So we're, we're hoofing it. And we see uh, Jerry Bisson in his uh, big red Ford truck. And we're not going to make the bus in time. Denny, uh, Denny had rented a bus to Dang take it. everybody to Alex's, but we're not going to make the bus. Yeah. So we're headed straight to to Alex's house with the Mustang. And we cool. finally we finally find a parking garage and we park the car underneath underneath Alex's house. So um on the way down, Travis Travis messages me. He goes, "Hey, by the way, in case you didn't know, I can't drive standard." Um, <laughs> oh, are great. Are you kidding me? I literally just I built that car in 2 months to the day. 2 months to the day from when I picked it up in Florida. I built it in two months to the day, start to finish. Done. That's crazy. And um, and now he can't drive it. Oh, don't be so sure. <laughs> but um, so so um, well, two months of the day for the start of the build to finish the build. I think it's a little yeah. longer than no, is May eighteenth to May, I can't remember. Anyway, I know from the start to finish of when I started work on it to I finished, it was two months of the day. That's cool. And uh, so. We uh, get down there and we get in and we beat the bus. I don't know how we did it. We, we wound up beating the bus <clears throat> and it was raining. So everybody's trying to get into his apartment. And <clears throat> I've only met Travis from when he drove the galaxy to get the beer at C2C in 2018. <laughs> and then I drove him to the airport to drop him off because nobody would take him to the airport. So I took him to the airport, dropped him off. And that's the only time I've ever met Travis. But he agreed to be my co-pilot. Yeah. Why I have no idea. The, oh the, man, yeah. The, we know the, why. You're cool. Well, I was. I was. No, I'm nobody. I mean, <laughs> he, he's. He has a lot more to live for than I do. Um, so uh, we get there and we get in Alex's Alex's place and I get all set in. Here's Travis. So you got to picture this kid. If you ever get a chance to look up his profile, Travis Hilton is an Abercrombie model. I mean, like <laughs> down to a T. He's a lawyer. He has a perfect suit. He has perfect packs he has you know the perfect muscles you know everything he's just that guy That's and awesome. we walk in and my brother has never met travis before and my brother's a little pissed off at travis right now because <laughs> arthur already knows he's not driving and we, we aren't thinking about it because we're, we're we're bitching at each other arthur's like well, i can drive and i'm like oh my god we aren't gonna get out of new york if you drive yeah and i'm just thinking okay well it's gonna be so long and drive myself all the way across the usa or I'm going to teach Travis how to drive standard on the way out. Yeah, at, at 147 miles an hour here. Yeah, <laughs> and the first. So we get there, and Travis—I mean, just beaming smile. Just, I, I think a friggin' sh sunshine's behind his head when he smiles. And um, you know what I'm talking about—one of those people that just, yeah, just pretty people. Yeah, yeah, and um, he goes, "Hi, how's it going, guys?" I said, uh, not too bad. How's it going, Travis? Nice to see you again. 
he goes, how'd you like the joke? And I said, joke? Uh, what do you mean? I'm lost. I ain't got a clue what he's right. talking about. Artie goes, joke? He goes, yeah, the joke I told you. And I'm like, child, I ain't got a clue, buddy. And he's like, that I can't drive standard? And I'm like, he completely had me. I had no idea at all. And I was, he was completely, completely had me. And, you know, I'm driving down. I'm on the way. I'm stressed out trying to get there on time and stuff. And he's telling That's me. That's awesome. And uh, the, the best part of that, that run wasn't even the Omaha. It was when we got out of Las Vegas. And um, <laughs> so we were coming out of Las Vegas and Travis was driving. Well, this was the last stint. And um, we get, we get talking while I'm driving, coming through Utah. And Arthur goes, I think we can set the record. And I'm like, okay. And he starts, the guy, the kid's a math whiz. Like I told you, he's just, he's like, he, he's processing all this in his head. Yeah. And he starts telling us what we need to do. And I'm like, okay. We don't know exactly how accurate our speedometer is or anything else. Yeah. We get a general idea. And it, is, it, was, it wasn't far off. It was, it was pretty close. Um, so we get, we get humming along. See, man, and, thanks for stopping. Appreciate it. Uh, Travis is he hasn't gone to the bathroom the whole time. I he's been he's been I'm in the I'm in the 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 back doing a stint, uh, or no, my brother's in back and he asked him, he does, um, hey, can you get my granola bar? Hey, can you get my gummy bears? Can you get my beef jerky? Can you mix me a protein shake? And we're, we're coming out of we're coming out of Las Vegas, and all of a sudden, Travis is driving, but we're all done with driver swaps. We're not oh, stopping. Nice. We're, we're gonna we're going to LA. We're, we're every the, the cool thing about that car is it was so perfectly balanced. Everything that the fuel tank had perfect stops. We didn't get there with like three quarters of a tank or half wow. tank. We got there with like three or four gallons left. And awesome. so it just the timing of everything just was perfect with that car. So Travis goes, I gotta go to the bathroom. And we're going like 135, 140. And uh, I was like, okay. I just said, I'll take the wheel. He gets has already. He's like, hand me my protein protein shake thing. And so I'm driving along. Yeah, I'm, I mean, he doesn't even slow down. He didn't let off the gas, nothing. And we're driving along. He goes to the bathroom and dumps it out the window. I'm like, okay. So he goes to the bathroom again. Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, was, you know, he hasn't he hasn't really you know, gone to the yeah. bathroom at all. Man, so, man, once you start the stream, it's hard to stop. He dumps it out the window. He goes again. Oh my God. He's still pissing. By this time, I'm about dying. I'm driving from the passenger seat, okay, out of Las Vegas. We've made it through Las Vegas. Dumps it out the window. He goes again. He oh went my. four times. And I'm like, what are you, a camel? Right. And, and, and he just, nope, you know, hands the thing back to Artie, and Artie does whatever he does with it. I don't know, throws it on the floor or whatever. And we go off and we finish and, and uh, have a great time. We do really well. We're the first ones there, first ones across USA. Wow. And we're there all by ourselves, and our room won't be ready for eight hours. Oh, eight hours. We are road grime, like, down oh, our faces. and Sweaty, and, gross. Yeah, so – Travis goes upstairs and well, we finally get our hotel room. People start coming by and, and Travis left that night. I woke him up and he freaked out. He thought he still had to race across the country. I woke him up that night and I had to take him to the airport so he could fly home for classes the next day. 
Oh my God. So the craziest thing about this is my brother and I had no luggage because I gave it all to Bradley Young because we had no place to sit. So when we were getting ready to leave at three o'clock in the morning, we opened the back of Bradley's truck and heaved all our shit in the back of it. And I pinned oh, 20 bucks to the dash. Yeah. yeah. I had pinned 20 bucks to the dash and said, see in California. He broke down the entire way. No. The entire way. He did a, did a complete head swap on it, everything else. He broke down the entire way. I picked my luggage up on the way home in Needles, California from him, still finishing. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I, I need that dude on, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Bradley's, Let's go, man. Yeah, Bradley's, Bradley's a great interview. Definitely hit him up. He would love, love to talk. He's got some amazing stories. That's um, awesome. <clears throat> he, he's he's a, a character. He is as large as life. And uh, he's, he's got a ton of stories, but, and, and unfortunately they called it the cursed luggage. Cause on the way home, you obviously know what happened to me. And uh, so the luggage sits at my house in Oklahoma. And one of these days we're going to have a burning party and, and jokingly burn the luggage. So, uh, but yeah, the, the Cobra was a really, it was, it still is. It's a really, really cool car. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have that thing ready to go for the show this summer. Uh, we got a, a big show coming up in New York. Uh, cool. And Watkins Glen, that car will be there. They've asked for my other cannonball cars to be there. And nice. so, yeah, we'll probably do that. But, um, yeah, cool car. Really, really fun to drive. Well, and it's just such, like, you know, there's so many Fox bodies that are built. You know, I mean, you know it. You see it. You're in the world. Like, that car is different enough that it just makes a statement. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the history behind the car, it's – you know, I, I've had everybody and their brother, oh, my God, I don't know what episode is it in. And, you know, it's it, it's like, who cares? You know, it's yeah. It, yeah, I have the poster from it that I, you know, met the people who, who built it and, and made cool. the molds and sold the cars. And and so and fortunately, I do have the parts car. So I had all the pieces to fix to fix it. So yeah. that, that was really cool. Um, that worked out. That's not necessarily the way you want things to work out, but I'm glad I did because it's irreplaceable parts. The car is irreplaceable. Um, strangely enough, I had the parts to replace them. If And if anybody would have them, who would have them? Right. It's going to be you. Well, let me uh, <clears throat> let me run through some questions here because I, I definitely want to get some tips uh, because we are definitely going to make the trip this year sometime during the year. Me and, me and a buddy named Robert Lee who owns a performance shop in town and uh, we've talked about it for years. I think it's time to go ahead and do it. Um, all the podcasts this year are coast to coast and drag and drive event folks. You know, endurance driving is kind of the, I mean, that's what I have uh, learned that I love, uh, you know, taking stuff on big trips, being out on the road in a cool car, you know. So obviously if I'm going to talk about it, I got to kind of walk that walk, you know, I got to, I got to make that drive, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so minivan is kind of our our thought process because it's incognito and easy uh for a first run for sure so bryce mays and matt dennison were talking about some tips for fueling and they were talking about having like a a ryovac uh thing on the on the fuel vent <clears throat> while they were filling to help pull the fumes out so it didn't like back feed and all this kind of stuff but yeah really uh so what are some tips you could give folks for filling 188 gallons of fuel as fast as possible? 
as fast as possible. The number one thing they say is don't cross your streams. The, the other the other thing is this is always have two filler necks. Always have two filler necks in it with a big enough vent. Um, and my tanks, a lot of people use stock filler necks. I do not because the the create like Bryce was talking about. You have that created that pressure just constantly clicking mm -hmm. the tank off. Mine have open areas where it vents, so you're gonna smell gas a little bit here and there. Uh, Steve Brown and I actually walked through his. He was having some venting issues, and and I walked him through some ways to to vent it. Um, I believe he used those that those things. Um, probably the one thing I can do. I think things differently. A lot of people are like, how do I fuel it? And I'm thinking, how do you control it? And what I mean by that is keep it between the wheels if you can. Um, I know in a minivan, every yummy, uh, 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 we call him yummy. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. And Benny and yummy's son had a minivan and they put a 30 gallon fuel tank on the receiver hitch. Oh my God! No. Yeah, and they said it was a crazy fast time in the 31 hour mark. Um, wow, just a great time. But me, um, everybody always said, "Oh, if somebody hits you in the galaxy, it's going to blow up. You're going to die." And I tell everybody, I said, five gallons will kill you just as bad as a hundred." I mean, I'm with you. And uh, on top of that, I say, "Have you ever? What do you think of those mid 70s like Ford pickups and Chevy pickups?" And they're like, "Oh, they're great. I love them." or maybe the earlier Chevys. And I said, you know, the gas tanks behind the seat, right? And they go, what? Right. I said, the gas yeah. tanks right behind the seat. And back then everybody smoked and threw it out the window. I said, so it's no yeah. different. How many people anything. blew up then? Yeah. I mean, they actually put them, put them in, in the cab with the vehicle. And yeah. um, so, so what I would tell you is if you were going to put a big tank in, Make it as low and wide as you can and take up as much floor space as possible to keep it down. In the Galaxy, it was kind of a almost like the Polish Racing Drivers Association where they just took all the 55-gallon drums. The Galaxy, I was trying to utilize the back seat, keep the gas between the wheels. Um, the Galaxy tank is baffled. It's highly baffled. Um to keep the, the majority of the sloshing down. You're only going to keep so much of the sloshing and stuff down because of braking and stuff. And yeah. if you can have one built or you can, can, can do it. Um, I always recommend if you can foam it, foam it, because yeah. that will help some with the sloshing. But the biggest thing I would say is I always vent everything outside the car. And yeah. um, believe it or not, uh, John Ficar has ridden in the galaxy. A lot of people um, have, have ridden in the galaxy and you really don't smell any gas in it. I mean, you, you are sitting on or sitting in front of almost 200 gallons of fuel and yeah. you very, very faintly occasionally get a whiff of it. The and biggest you're like from the pictures earlier, you're literally in front of it. I want people to understand that are just coming in like it's where this wall is. Like, yeah, it's it's the wall of Hot Wheels, but it's the it's the fuel. Yeah. And anybody wants to you can go on my page. All my my photos and stuff are public. You yeah. can go on there and check them out. Um, but yeah, it's the. And that's why I was talking to Ben about bringing that car back. And, and that was the deal is, is I'm like, okay, so, so I can't bring the galaxy back. All right. Okay. I'll bring something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then when you show up with that, everybody's like, Ashmore, you know, it's kind of like Newman and Seinfeld Newman. 
natural, <laughs> you know, type deal. So, um, but yeah, the, the Galaxy, I was going to trim the tanks and stuff down. And a lot of, I think you asked me earlier, you said, am I ever going to put a smaller tank in it? And, and no, I, I'm not. I, no. I may build a partition between between the tank and and the seats and maybe finish up the 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 drivers and passengers area a little more mm -hmm. do a half a headliner in it just to make it a little uh, a little more tolerable to drive put a yeah. carpet in it deaden it it doesn't need to be a 3300 pound car anymore it can right. it can be a 35 3600 pound car and it'll, it'll get around fine i don't i don't obviously don't fill the gas tank up anymore but I always run the fuel out of it every year. I don't leave it with fuel in it. I'll drain yeah, I was it. Gonna say, you could drive on a year's worth of drive-in at that point. Oh, definitely. definitely. Uh, matter of fact, when I went to the um, the 40th anniversary of the Cannonball down to Connecticut, I got down there and my, uh, my alternator crapped out. So I called USAA and had them come uh, jumpstart me, and I left it running, and I drove it all the way home without shutting it <laughs> That's and, awesome. Yeah, and uh, it, it come to find out, it was the. Um, I take it back. I take it back. It was not the alternator crapped out. The uh, Red Top Optima had shorted out. And what? So I, yeah. Optima. Wow. I had. I've had no locks with the Red Tops. None at all. Um, in that car, I've put five in it. If I've put one. Wow, and that's wild. I unhook it now. I unhook it when I leave, and and it sucks because. The drivability of that car is 100% solely based on the in the keep alive memory or the read only memory, and that yep. you know keeps your driving it just sort of shifts well and everything. So yep. it sucks. I have to shut uh, on, but I made the box specifically for that battery, and in order <laughs> to put a different battery in it, I have to make a different box. And yep. and if you look at the battery box, it's kind of cool because it's all um, like uh, bomber lightened with all the holes in oh, it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, I made a special battery box for it. And I just kind of don't want to get rid of it. So, right. But um, yeah, so I drove it all the way home on the alternator, and um, <laughs> got I never even shut it off. I I took the battery into the place where I bought it in my hometown, and then I took it inside while the car was running, and put the new one back in it, and put the battery on it, and yep. drove it home. So yep. So uh, for race week, we had to do a battery cutoff switch, and so I would pull up. <clears throat> we had to take it two tracks, and so I would pull up and uh, disconnect the alternator and the ease in and they'd hit it and it drop, I throw it back in there, start it. Cool. Drive on out. Like <laughs> <laughs> live that one. So yeah, get lucky. So right. you, you guys must have a bunch of stuff coming up. You're doing the sick week with uh, uh, David yeah. Williams and those guys. Yeah. It's going to be wild, dude. I'm so ready. It's in a month. Uh, it starts exactly a month from today. Wow, that's great! It's, uh, uh, David's talked a lot about it, and yeah. and uh, he he's pretty anxious. He showed me some videos today. Him tuning a car, and yeah. and uh, you know, it, I'm lucky. My laptop's it was blessed to have him doing some stuff with it. <laughs> that Malibu they built in my garage was that's uh, so cool. It was so interesting because they asked me, they're like, "Well, we bought a car in Tulsa. Do you think we could maybe finish it up in your shop?" The thing showed up, and it didn't even have a brake booster on it. I mean, <laughs> nothing. There's, just, there's nothing there. I went out back and junked out some Caprice. I brought it out with a loader and ripped all the brakes off of it and, and stuck them on the car and, and things. So, but it That's was crazy. Night, Josh. Thank you for stopping, dude. Appreciate all the questions. Um, so let's talk, uh, you know, you're talking about urination earlier. Like, what's the plan? Do you, do you, you know, 
lighten your intake date leading up to it? I mean, are you like, give me the small Gatorade bottle? I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to keep my water intake the same. How, how do you handle that stuff? It's, it's so crazy because I get asked this so often. Yeah. And as I've always said, if you don't put it in, it doesn't have to come out. I mean, that makes sense. And, and realistically, when you're driving across the country, let's say it takes you two days, it's 48 hours. It's not unusual for somebody to fast for 48 hours. Yeah. And um, if you take in enough liquids that you stay hydrated, you know, there's, there's a balance of, yeah. you know, a lot of times people will, will drink or consume in a vehicle to stay awake. Yeah. Like somebody will be like, oh, I'm falling asleep and they'll grab their, their drink and they'll drink it. So to kind of keep repetitive motion, to keep yourself doing something. And anytime I've driven across country, to me, it has been, I've been so focused on what I'm doing. It's like a day at work. If I'm having a, a, a really productive day at work, I don't stop for lunch. I, I work right through lunch. I keep right on going. I'll go into the evening and I may come in and I may be to the point where I'm past that and I don't eat at all. And, and, you know, driving transcontinental stuff, it's no different for me. <clears throat> um, I just, just don't, eat the greasy cheeseburger at the loves when I'm gassing up or, you know, I don't, I don't get, you know, three greasy hash browns or I, yeah. I don't put anything in that. I mean, as we go along, we know what upsets our stomach, oh, you yeah. know, you know, right now there's something that you love in your refrigerator yeah. that you're going to go in and eat and yeah. drink something with it that your stomach's going to be upside down in 10 minutes. Oh you yeah. Know, you just eat smart. Or yeah. don't eat at all. It's not hard to fast for a day. And if you right. fast for a day, that means you don't have to crap for a day. No, right. So so the, to answer your question, as Dave, I think Dave quoted me on here before, um, if you don't put it in, it doesn't have to come out. And that's yeah. really the whole theory I use. As far as going to the bathroom, I don't, I don't have a little funnel in the floor or anything else. I just take the Gatorade bottle, piss in the Gatorade bottle, and... and when you yeah. go to gas up, it goes in the trash can when you, when you stop the next gas station. So there's no like, no like crazy weird catheter system that all these people talk about. I, I don't think people realize how basic in general I am when it comes to, comes to doing this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm all go. <laughs> I'll right. go no show. So, well, so, so staying on that, um, David or no, uh, Jay Roberts cut caffeine for like a month before he went on his run because he didn't want to have any kind of crash or any kind of uh before the musket ball and then uh, uh, do you are you a coffee guy you like mountain dews i mean like do you do you change your uh daily habits i guess leading up to it i actually change my habits quite regularly like right now i'm i'm on a little bit of a mountain dew kick i like mountain dew um caffeine does nothing for me i can drink a mountain dew and go to bed it just yeah. does nothing for me. Um, I have an Axio drink. I drink um, that's it's that does more for my nutrients and my brain thought and mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, I'll drink that for a while and you know do some water intake and then I may get on a binge where I drink Mountain Dew for you know a couple a week maybe two weeks. Yeah. I'll go back to water. I've never drank coffee in my life. Um, yeah. I'm and, not a coffee guy. Yeah, I just I never never got a niche for it. Um, it doesn't do. I've never figured out why anybody wants to pour something scalding hot in their face. Oh, man. Um, and it just tastes bad. I can't yeah. help it. I don't like it at all. So, 
And, you know, on top of that, I can't drink anything hot anyway, because um, years ago, and another story we could tell, I got in a bad accident and ripped my face off all the way down here, all the way up across the other side. What? And um, so now all my nerves are all messed up in my face. Um, so and I can like, if something like touches here, that's slightly hot, it'll burn my whole, my whole face. Mm. Will burn. So it's yeah. a really awkward feeling. So I like something hard for me to eat is like a hot piece of pizza. I can't, no. it's like, if that cheese like gets on my lip, it's like my whole face is on fire. Gotcha. Um, and so, so my nerves are all messed up in my face. I can't drink or eat hot stuff anyway. So <laughs> it makes it easy for April when I come in late and, and she's cooked me a nice meal and here I am, you know, two hours late or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you want me to heat that up? I'm like, no, I'm all set. No, like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> just so. needed to be lukewarm. Just yeah. a little warmer than room temperature is fine. Oh yeah. Uh, and that's, that's really just the way it is for me. Uh, and then the, the last thing I have is probably goofy and I'm overthinking it, I know, but uh, arrow, you know, like any, like um, typically you've run a car at speed, so you know where any air whistles or anything like that are. Um, taping the hood that close, I mean, <clears throat> not taping it closed, but like taping gaps and things like that. I mean, is that like, I guess you would just do that to cover for. For me, it would be for the whistle. Like at 111 miles an hour, this car goes. I I couldn't handle that for eight hours. I'm gonna break your heart. I've never put a piece of tape on my car. That's a <laughs> car. Um, no, I just it's never been anything that's bothered me. My cars are usually loud. They make noise. Yeah. Um, I, I've been around cars so long. I'm pretty well in tune with them. I can. I can. I. I always told my dad, I always felt my car and that yeah. may sound weird to some people, but I feel my car like through my body. Like I can feel, I can feel shimmies. I can tell where they're coming from. I can, yeah. you know, rattles. I can isolate with my body. Like, okay, it's, you know, whether you're hearing it, whether you're feeling it, or you feel a car, you know, like laying down at a certain speed or like a slight skip, like an EGR skip or something like that, or like it's got water in the fuel. I've always... I've always just really felt my car and mm -hmm. the thing about taping a car up, especially like on a run, if you have an issue, now you have to untape your whole freaking car. Just get it open. You're right. You're like <laughs> razor blade down the, down the yeah. tape on it. So something just... that, that could be as simple as like a loose battery cable, which happened on the Cobra. Um, you're wrestling to get the hood back open. Well, do you tape it again? Right. Or do you just say yeah, now, now, now you've got this, uh, <clears throat> Now you got sides of duct tape. Do this. <laughs> oh yeah, that, a flap I mean, and a whistle. So, that would not work for me at all. I would be like, oh my god, I'm gonna kill someone. So I just, I just, you know, take the. Uh, the good thing about knowing the whistle is I'm fine with the whistle. Yeah, it's the rattle that starts after the whistle. It's like okay, <laughs> that rattle wasn't there before. I know the whistle. Yeah. I know the shimmy. But what's the rattle? So yeah, that, right? that's that. I kind of you know. I've had the ability to be a diagnostic tech for a long time. So that's the stuff I, I, the whistles don't bother me. It's the, gotcha. you know, listen to that Baron in the front. Okay. Well, which side is that? Is that, yeah. you know, was it, you load this wheel and it goes away and load this wheel it comes back. So um, really I don't tape anything. Arrow arrow to me is less important because realistically in a minivan you're not going to get to a speed no, that's even no. going to be aero aero you know worried. efficient yeah 
And, and that, that, that brick you're driving through the air is still more aerodynamic than my Galaxy. So, I mean, it's to me, it's it's just a I'm, – I'm so simple and basic, it's just a non-issue to me. Yeah, and that makes sense, 100%. I, I was thinking more about the whistle side of stuff just because I know for 36 hours I'm going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> Please well, fix well, that. I definitely would tell you maybe to take the roof racks off of it because <laughs> yeah. don't put a ladder on the roof of it when you're trying. If you're trying, like, I'm a handyman. i got to get to L.A. because i got to fix uh, yeah. Britney Spears' freaking porch light or something. <laughs> yeah, they're know. like, uh, no. Yeah. They, um, they, <clears throat> last one here, I promise, and then we'll talk about the trip. Uh, is it better to have more miles per gallon or more horsepower? Um, it's a balance and it's a balance that most people don't take into consideration. Um, I've built a lot of stuff. I've driven a lot of high horsepower stuff. Um, cars today are so crazy efficient and make power mm -hmm. that I tell anybody that asks me about any of the stuff I've done, we're not Henry Ford. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're not General Motors Corporation. They've paid billions of dollars to do all this research. Right. Fred Ashmore isn't gonna isn't gonna make it better. Okay. There's a reason they do the stuff the way they do. Now, now can you make adjustments and gain a little here, gain a little there? Yes. But all in all, there's a reason they build them that way. Because I you say more horsepower or more fuel mileage. I'll give you your answer. You want to know what your answer is? Reliability. Because I don't care if you have the most horsepower in the world or the best gas mileage in the world. If the thing won't get across the country, it don't mean a piss hole in the snowbank. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. So so to me, it's reliability. If I had a yeah. choice to choose between horsepower and and fuel mileage, I'm going to choose reliability. Yeah. Because without reliability, neither of the other two matter. Yeah, I mean, you got just like I said, you got to make the trip. You got to yep. you got to get to the end. Yep. You you may get the first hundred miles in faster than anybody else, but if everybody else makes it three thousand miles and you make it a hundred, that ain't no fun. Exactly, exactly. You can say, "Oh, I was averaging one hundred and forty for the first hour and a half, then I got arrested right. in jail." But <laughs> if I had averaged one hundred and forty across the USA, I'd be I'd have beat you. Well, guess yep. what? You didn't you didn't beat me because you never got there. That's right. Uh what did you say in that one live feed? Um the the woodas and shouldas or something like that. The woodas, shouldas, and could have a cannonball. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, all right, dude. You want to talk about this solo trip? Sure. Yeah. So, so uh kind of give people the backstory. Um what I want to know is was there a car ahead of this that you had built for this and then you ended up like it didn't make it for some reason and you rented a car. Well, what had originally happened is it was along the lines of the Cobra build. I uh, found a Hellcat and oh. it was wrecked and I was going to take a Hellcat and build a Hellcat. And here we are just back what we were talking about, fuel mileage or horsepower <laughs> and just doing a bunch of research on it. I was like, am I going to buy this and put it together? What sort of problems am I going to have with it? It's a wrecked car to start with. It's the only way I can really even afford to get one is a wrecked one. And there's still a big chunk of money. Yeah. And I started weighing the pros and cons. And then I started doing some research. There was heat soak issues with them. Um, there was uh, 
Um, they had issues warping the front fascias on them and just multiple things. The idea originally was a police-based concept um, for my solo. Even This was even before COVID. I was talked about running a Ford Taurus. And gotcha. I just, I couldn't find where the Ford Taurus was quite enough, quite, quite enough for what I felt I wanted to do. It, I, I believe it was around 145-ish mile an hour car. Um, you could buy them, but most of them didn't have the twin turbo V6 in them. Most of them just had, you know, a regular EcoBoost. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, you know, you're on the turbo end of it is how it wore out the turbo. And so, well, and you know, at that, at that kind of, I would think RPM that you're at and speed and heat at yeah. that speed, you know, is it, is the twins a good way to go? You know? Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I had to balance, you know, along for a long time of trying Tim, to sort Tim out. Smith said it best. He said, yeah, but RoboCop had a Taurus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. RoboCop certainly did have a Taurus. But so, my question so anyways, was, sorry. if okay. it was a robot, then why did he need a car? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could have been a very reliable robot. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, then, then I had... Uh, developed the idea that I was going to get a scat pack charger. And on the way down, I'd stopped at Bradley Young's. So uh, I was on my way to battle on the beach and I stopped down to Bradley Young's and talked to Ben was in town, talked to him and just kind of, I developed a way to mobile refuel the car where somebody could pull up alongside of it. The window would come down. I could put the window down and somebody could take a gas and stick it right in the back window and fill yes. the tank in the back seat. And um, I had, You'd tie the car off to ground it. But in order to do that, you would have to slow down to a manageable speed because you wouldn't want to be passing anybody. You would have to. And I had thought to the point where you could actually get like a couple box trucks and have them two box trucks in front of you, two box trucks behind you, the refueler in the middle. So people, they kind of keep the people away from you. So it was more of slowing down than it was actually stopping because stop time's the killer in Cannonball. Yeah. And um, so I had to de- design that whole thing and figure out how all that would work, toggling off to the other car for ground and to keep from uh, flames and everything. And then I got down to Gulf Shores and I was ready to buy a brand new one. I, ha- I still have I still have the, the thing on my credit report for crying out loud. Um, and, uh, you know, things changed. Uh, got a phone call and stuff changed. And at that point, I I was kind of miffed, kind of annoyed, and just trying to figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. Uh, I had a job down there that paid really well, and now we're in COVID, and you know I'm not going to say money's tight, but right. I didn't know what I was going to have for money. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's like what what do I have for money? And um, so at that point, I started looking into and, oh, and, and before that, my brother was going to go along with me. We had talked about not even doing solo, that just doing a run across the country. Yeah. And about that time, my brother's work, he was picking up because there was a lot of people that wouldn't work because of COVID. Mm. And uh, so my brother was really busy and he couldn't get away. And that's when I started weighing the options of, well, if I'm not going to have a co-pilot, then, you know, what's a fast, relatively yeah. fast, reliable car? 
And, you know, that's where the Mustang came in. It was just, I had reserved it at Hertz and I got there and it was just a Seinfeld episode. You get there and you, you ask them for your car and they're like, oh yeah, we, we, we uh, rented the last Mustang yesterday. And I'm like, I reserved it. And right. I'm like, oh yeah, well, we have the Cadillac if you want to take a Cadillac. I said, so you can take the reservation, but you can't hold the reservation. <laughs> well, we on the way into the, the airport, we had driven by the silver car. And I at first I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the car. And then it was at it was at Avis budget um, at that window. And we were way down on the other end. So when I found out they didn't have a car, we just turned around and I went back and there was a young girl there. And she was just like, oh annoyed with life fighting with a boyfriend or something. And, and I, I wasn't there minutes. I mean, I, you know, usually you go, you gotta wait at the counter. They got to get it clean. Jojo's oh, got yeah. it around all this other BS. And uh, I was gone in minutes and it was like, it was like a couple hundred bucks cheaper. I can't remember what it was at the time, That's crazy. but it was quite a bit cheaper. And from there I drove it right to my buddy's place and, and uh, started sourcing fuel tanks. I started measuring out the back seat to see how wide it was. And, yep. and um, I had um, the Cobra was in Oklahoma. So I had the ALP system and I had one of my buddy's uh, mechanics take the tank out of the Cobra and brought it over and it fit. But it had to be turned around because the fuel filler necks in the Mustang were more towards the middle of the car because the tank sloped. Wow, and damn. I had to turn the tank around so the fillers were in the back. And it was it made for unique because when I filled it, I had to be very careful about the fuel covers because um, going with the gas going back, I had to make sure they were tight mm -hmm. when they got put on. So um, when uh, they met me in Oklahoma, they had they had a wrench in case they were too tight to take them off. So they didn't they didn't slop or nothing come out of the back of the tank yeah. in the car. And um, so I sourced all that stuff and started building the car and I pulled in the driveway and I was, I was in the shop talking and I heard this noise and I, I walk outside and there's goats standing on the car. <laughs> I, 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 and it's like, everybody, everybody says is this, I'm a guy who talks a lot. And at that point I was speechless because I didn't want to scare the goats and scratch the shit out of the car. Yeah. And I wanted to kill the goats at the same time. So it was like this weird <laughs> awkward you're like get off of the car yeah <laughs> just in like your calmest yell voice well about that time i was like and, and i said something and mike come mike comes running out and of course he ain't that he's like get the hell off the car oh, you're like no everywhere it's like i'm looking and there's no i don't know how they did not scratch that car but um so we just brought it and started taking it apart and and my buddy's wife come in and she's like what is he doing because she didn't even know me at the time i'd never met her and uh i just just started living in oklahoma and he told her and she was like in our garage in our trucking garage this is what he's doing and then his brother came in and called me an absolute idiot for tearing a brand new car you know i didn't care so you're like it's fine it's not mine it's okay yeah it's, it's a rental car it'll be okay so um, you so so uh because you had the tank in the back seat, but yep. then you also had the tank in the passenger floor, right? Yep, a fuel yep. cell. Yeah, yep. yeah, cell, not tank. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, it was, it was it was an actual race car fuel cell. I, I went and bought it. Oh off wow. Yeah, I actually it's weird because I saved all those people's contact information. So when I did a when I did a um, an actual like video about the car, 
I actually have the the, the Facebook Marketplace ads where I bought the tanks. Oh, nice! That's too cool. So, how did you get fuel from the the different tanks to the? Did you keep the factory tank? Yep, the factory tank stayed right in the middle of the car. You could access that tank underneath the underneath the um, the rear seat. It has. It oh, has, okay. Yep. There's two. There's two little places you can access the tanks in the and underneath the seat, and so that's where I actually access the fuel fr- fuel to, rather than the filler neck like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, it was actually directly into the tank, and I had a series of valves set up so I could just turn the tank on, and I had a little helper pump. It, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the biggest mistakes is people use high pressure pumps to transfer their fuel. It's right. the biggest no-no. You want a fuel tip? That's one you do not do. Do not yeah. use high pressure fuel pumps to transfer fuel all you need is that little itty bitty square pump from napa for twelve dollars yeah i've used it in multiple cars it transfers at a rate that's plenty fine it's not doing anything else you don't need your tank filled in 10 seconds and it doesn't create back pressure or anything like that well and that's what my buddy and i had talked about i was like you know i said because we had looked at you know, he, he's being a speed shop owner and I do this a ton of LS swaps. So we always have factory style pumps. I'm like, man, we can drop it in this tank. And then we were like, but we won't need that kind of rate of flow, you know, or yeah. pressure. <clears throat> and I'm like, so we start doing the math. I'm like, man, you could just run like a carbureted fuel yeah. pump, you know, just the, one of the cheap ones from wherever. And then Bryce Mays and those guys talking about, they bought an $8 one on Amazon or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, and and they, they work fine. The the pump that I had was from one of my stock cars in your picture when I ran it fuel injected. <laughs> it, it was a it was a um, helper pump to get it out of the tank to run it to the high pressure pump that was down on the oh, rail yeah. like the old Fords were, mm-hmm. and um, so I still had it. So we put it in the Cobra when it was in Maine, and and uh, so when the uh, the car wound up in Oklahoma City, we pulled the tank, we pulled the pump, and and I had it all wired up into the cigarette lighter. You know, so it just ran into the cigarette lighter and I just had a series of valves when and the cool thing about those those pumps is they start rattling when they're dry. So if you if you take all the fuel out of a tank, all of a sudden, you know, instead of going, "Mm," it'll start going knocking, you know, kind of like a a motor with no oil in it. So, you know, that that tank's empty. And the other trick to it I've always found is try to keep the pump equal equal ish to the bottom of the tank the bottom of the lowest tank so rather than relying so much on the pump the pump is acting more like an electronic check valve oh gotcha okay gravity will have a tendency to push on it but it will also it will also pump because the other thing like one of the biggest problems that uh one of the vehicles has had that's never made it across the country is fuel pump issues and it's because of an externally mounted fuel pump that keeps kill, eating itself, keeps killing itself. It's, it's trying to pull fuel with it. It's trying to pull fuel, times, yeah. and it's not supposed to. So um, hmm. the thing is, is you need that in-tank pump for that type of application, and then you can put it to a rail pump if you want, but most people prefer at that point to have it in-tank. So yeah. when you like in the Galaxy, the Galaxy has a high-pressure pump that's external of the tank, but it's below the tank. So you don't, it's not sucking up out of the tank and eating itself. The pressure from actually the fuel is 
going through the high pressure pump, which is down below the tank. Yeah, and so, so it's not feeding. even. Yeah, yeah, it's barely even working. Yeah. Um, All it's doing is pushing fuel towards the engine. It's not yeah. like trying to pull it towards itself and then out. Yeah, and it's being assisted because it's got 170 gallons on top of it, pushing on the <laughs> pushing on it. So, yeah. Uh, and that's always worked flawless in that car. Uh, never had never had a fuel pump issue in that car. It's still got the original fuel pump in it yeah. when I built the car. Um, so, so yeah, I um, set up a, a series of valves, accessed it. Now, one of the things a lot of people didn't ask me about was um, how my, my ventilation and stuff for the car. Well, the vent ran out the back, out through the back of the trunk, but... What most people don't realize is I vented the fuel tank in the car as well, because your your newer vehicles run off pressurized fuel systems, mm -hmm. uh, pressurized tanks. If you're not, it'll, it'll, it can kick a light sometimes. Mine, mine yeah. kept going on and off, which it didn't matter to me. I didn't care because I knew what I was doing. So I took that little Fords have a capless tank. I'm sure you've seen them before. They oh, have no yeah. cap. You just drive them in there and, and pump. So yeah. I took that little funnel that they give you and cut it off and drove it in the tank. I had one from an, another vehicle, I can't remember, mm -hmm. but um, I took it and I cut it off and drove it right in the right in the filler neck so the so it always was vented. And oh, I didn't that's, care. That's smart, yeah. So um so that's that's how I kept it so the car didn't care about pressurizing the tank anymore. It just, you know, kicked a kicked an evap leak type code yeah. and and just you know left it yeah, at that that's that's not going to cut performance no no so so um that's how that's how i managed to to fill the tanks and like i said i just accessed it underneath the back seat there so yeah. and then then when i got done i come back and i uh, had to leave the car at the house and um go pick my dad up because he didn't know he had just done it and oh, uh, wow. So we picked him up my super duty and he goes, where's this Mustang you were talking about? And we called my brother and my brother, my brother told him over the, over the uh, speaker phone in the truck, what we had just done, but we had oh, to go okay. back because we had to take all the tanks out because dad had no place to sit in the car. <laughs> so because uh, uh, you left from that trip and then went and uh, did something even, I mean, just crazy as well. And did the, uh, the Southern classic. Yeah. The bandit run. Yeah. One right now yep. the bandit run. And yep. uh, we would put a CB in it and we went along and uh, that was that you want to talk about a memory for a lifetime uh, doing that with my dad. And we we were going along and and uh, everybody just thought I was bringing my dad along for a ride. And, you know, I I liked race. So, yeah, uh, we put up a pretty good number the first hour or so. And uh, I think we averaged like 99 the first hour and we averaged like 101 or something. And then the feed got really busy and they said, I thought you were going to take it easy. And I was like, ah, I am taking it easy. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I'm using my blinker when I change lanes. Yeah. And uh, so they, I think Sean come back on and he says, uh, what's your dad think of these triple digit speeds? And I just lean in and I was going like 140 or something. And I snap a picture of my dad and he's over there eating a Slim Jim in the passenger seat. So um, that, that wasn't so bad. Then we got up and uh, we thought we'd lost the key fob in it, which is pretty funny. And oh, we fought geez. for a while, but I found it under his seat. As the car started, that's all I cared about. This yeah. we'll, we'll find it later. And we got then we got the wrong beer. We had to go to another beer store. We got up into Arkansas and I asked him how fast he had ever been in a car. And, and uh, he said up until this point, it would just, you know, been like a hundred and 
before we went, he said it was like 110, maybe 115. And, and I said, well, let's fix that. And we were going up through 49 in Arkansas. And I just had the thing right on shut off, just, just at 150 and just sitting right there. And we were just taking the mirrors off of tractor trails and we were going by, you know, just That's awesome. at that speed. And uh, he didn't mind that. And we finally got our beer and headed back the other direction. And then about 348, 360 miles or something to go, we blew a tire at 130. And so we coasted into a gas station. There was a bunch of migrant workers there and, and they had a cordless cordless gun. And I didn't even, I didn't realize I couldn't, didn't know there was a jack in the trunk, but my dad managed to find it and he got it all out. We got it jacked up. <laughs> we got the dummy donut stuck on that thing. And, and we got off and, and, uh, got back on the interstate and promptly got behind a couple of police officers. And I was getting oh. pissed because my brother, my brother said, he's like, you guys got average 90 if you're going to beat the record. Oh, and I, was like, yeah. I was like, all right. So my dad's insisting we pull over and get fuel. And I'm mad because we were stuck behind these troopers. They were, they were only going 80. Yeah. Come on, you <laughs> bastards. Jerks. So they finally pulled off and I said, I am not stopping until I can put enough fuel in this car to finish. And when I got in that window, I think we had like a 300 mile range and like 260 miles to go or something. <laughs> so I, I pulled off and dad bailed out and tightened up the wheel and I ran inside and, and got into it with a lady about, she had a bunch of freaking food for her EBT card and her card didn't work. And so I, oh, actually that, that happened in, uh, that happened at the second beer store, and I wound up uh, thinking that I can't even remember now. It's been so long, and I wound up paying for her food. No, they happened in the second beer store. I wound up paying for all her EBT food so I could get my beer to get out. Of get out of there! Yeah. Oh my god, you're like you just here, please. Yeah, let me I just go. I just wound up paying for all her food and all her shit, and we got our beer and we got out of there. So we had that a few holdups so on that, but. This other time, I just went in and threw 20 on the counter. I didn't care what it was going to take. I just wanted to get enough gas in to finish. And um, I think gas was, gas was pretty cheap at that time. It was it was down quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, I threw 20 or 40. But I didn't even go get the change. I just when, just got back on the road. Yeah, pump and, 11. I'm filling up. And uh, we, uh, we got out of there and – I, I started doing my brother thing, you know, trying to be generous, you know, 95, 100. And, and I finally looked at my dad. I said, I've had enough of this shit. And he goes, what? And I crammed that thing on the carpet. <laughs> the last two hours, we averaged 106. That's awesome. That's <laughs> so we, awesome. So we come down into Atlanta like a house of fire. And I did a jersey slide from six lanes into the exit into a hairpin. <laughs> And we have to go right by the police station to get to the final destination. And I go blowing by the police. I don't even care at this point. I am just, you know. You're like, they're not going to, just like we talked earlier, they're going to have to hear me go out and get in their car and then come find me at the, at the place. Yeah. The bad thing was, is the parking lot was on the other side of the police station. Pretty oh. much. So um, we come, I go to go by the police station and it goes zero miles to empty. Oh, geez. So I go to go around the corner. I don't even slow down. I just look, and there's nobody coming. And I blow out in the road, and I pull right in. And, and uh, we beat <laughs> Tim them. Tim Smith, Blues Brothers style. Oh, yeah. And we get out, and my dad's grinning and stuff. And I, we did the uh, 
I said to dad, I said, 75 years old, and you still you get to win your first race. How do you feel? And he <laughs> laughed and Taylor and Sean showed up and Jason took some pictures and the car ran out of gas right there. <laughs> wow, they were taking Dude, you pictures. You can't cut it any closer than that. Oh yeah. So it just it was one of those things and doing it with dad. Dad was just such a good sport. And you know, then the next morning he knew how long I had been up. I had been up um Jason and Jason and Sean wanted us to leave with them that morning because I got there at like 3 a.m. And oh I just said there was no gas in the tank. I had no pun intended. I just yeah. there was nothing left. I had nothing left on nothing left to give. And I knew my dad could my dad couldn't do it. So we um, skipped it and we went and got a hotel and slept for four or five hours and got up the next morning and took off after him. And oh, uh, wow. yeah, so it was, it was a good time. And then dad drove home and he hung out with me for a little bit and told me how stupid I was. And, you know, <laughs> my dad, I, I'll say this, my dad has always been very supportive of me and, and cool. uh, the, the dumb things I've done. So yeah, we just, um, just another feather in the hat and call it macaroni. Yeah, right. So uh, let's, Let's try and wind this down at like four hours so that we have another 16 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. This is what I love about podcasts. It's like you and I would probably, in our lifetime of hanging out in the future, we'll probably sit with each other four hours, maybe one or two other times. Yep. You know what I mean? So oh, definitely. Th th that's what I love about these. So the uh, how many miles at top speed in the Mustang – do you think you went crossing the country? And, and just to tell everybody, guys, it's 25 hours and 55 minutes. Uh, what, I honestly miles? can't say miles because a lot of people don't realize you have so much stuff going on in a solo run. There's, there's very few people that even comprehend what's going on in the car at that speed. Um, you know, Yummy, Yummy is one of those guys that – Yummy actually told me one time, you want to hear a great story. Yummy actually told me he plays a guitar to stay awake while he's driving. Yeah, while he's driving, he plays a guitar to stay awake. So he's he's going 120 or 30 and strumming a guitar, singing a song. Yummy's an awesome guy. Um, but you have so much more going on. It's yeah. I never I never even related it to miles. I related it to to like time. I can yeah. tell you that the time span was probably in the five to six hour range, you know, across oh, the whole crazy. 25 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, people were like, oh, my God. And they don't realize that there's stretches where there was nobody on the road. Yeah. Um, there's stretches yeah. where because there's like, and, tractor trailers lined up. In just the under 26 line. hours of time. Like, uh, you got to think, you, you know, you're, you're seeing just, 3 a.m. twice. Just go. Know? That's crazy. What, what time yeah. did you leave in the morning? Yep. Six. Or, or, uh, six, yeah. So, yeah, so you, you saw 6 a.m. twice. You know what I mean? Like, and there's nobody on the road. At, from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., there's nobody on the road. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those things that um, it's – there's no real way to put it in perspective because what – I've driven so much around this country – that I can drive a hundred miles and not remember a single thing I saw yeah. because my mind works so different. People are like, how do you stay awake? How do you do this? How do you do that? Well, it gets back to so much to do. Well, people are like, well, you're driving. What is there to do? Well, number one, pay attention, you know, because <laughs> yeah. your, your whole thing is, is to speed. 
you know, you're trying to keep up with, you know, communication with my brother was a big thing because I'm trying to communicate with him so he can give me mm -hmm. times where I need to be to, to maintain whatever average or what yeah. we're trying to do. Um, watching for cops, you know, paying attention to, you know, a tractor trailer all of a sudden just going to be in your lane or, yeah. you know, and, and you're and going, you're going twice as fast as that guy is. Oh yeah. Going twice as fast as that guy. And, and, and people, people don't even understand, um, driving at twice the speed. Um, a perfect example was Alex Palmer from GQ. He came up to Maine and, uh, you know, come up to, and had a, a great time with him. And he had never been over 70 miles an hour. What? Yeah. He's, he was a city boy. He flew in. And we, we talked. We drove around. We had dinner. He looked over all the stuff. And, and just a really cool young kid. And, and I said to myself, you know, is he really disinterested in this? And it come down to the last day. And I think the first day I took him down to an old, drag, an old airstrip called Deblois. And tried to give him a feel of what it's like to accelerate in a car. And I stopped on one end and I got up going to dead stop. I got it going like 135 before we had to put on the binders and get slowed down. And he was like, yeah, that's kind of cool and stuff. He goes, I'd really like to, to feel what you felt. So before he had to, to fly out, uh, I picked him up in Bangor. We met for lunch and I took him up to northern, the northern main route. And there's a stretch of road from uh, Bangor to Holton, which is desolate. I mean, it's ne it's our Nebraska. You know, it's <laughs> desolate. There's, there's nothing up there but uh, animals, animals yeah. and a few people here and there, a couple of meth heads. And um, so we got riding along and we just kind of cruised at the different speeds of the records. Like, you know, we did Alex Royce, which – you know, it didn't seem terribly crazy, but people also don't understand that 90-ish miles an hour in a car <clears throat> like that Mustang is no big deal at all. I mean, it's yeah. like it's like it's like a cakewalk. So yeah. you're driving and along 90 miles an hour. You feel safe, like it's not like brakes or everybody's like, yeah, 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 that's okay, you know. And then I moved up to like Ed's time. You know, he I think he averaged like 101 or something. Or maybe it was a hundred, but right around there. And I just moved up a little bit. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of difference there. Then I moved up to, um, you know, Ed and Arnie's time. Uh, not Ed and Arnie's, Doug and Arnie's time. Mm -hmm. and Not time, I'm sorry, average speed. Yeah. And we were kind of cruising along. And then moved up to what my average speed was. And um, he's like, yeah, I can feel a difference between, obviously between the, like, the, the averaging 100 and averaging around 110, there's yeah. enough difference where the car's a little noisier, a little, you know, wind, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, maybe a little more floaty. So then I took him back down to the speed limit. He's like, oh, he goes, yeah, he goes, it feels quite different now. And this is a kid who's never been over 70 miles an hour. Yeah. We go up the interstate, we turn back around. And I said, are you ready? And he says, yeah. I said, I'm going to open this thing up. And I say that to somebody, you know, yeah. I'm I'm more than capable of driving. But some people get really scared at high speeds. Yeah. So yeah. I just say, hey, we're going to open it up. Be ready for that. And he's like, yeah. So I come down through and I think I put it even in sport mode. And I was paddle shifting it. 
and um, <laughs> bringing it up through the gears. And before you know it, we're at 159 miles an hour. And I'm sitting there just like I am here. I get just kind of leaning on the leaning on the door, you know, driving driving down the road. And I said, "There you go." And I drove like that for like mm, probably four or five minutes. <laughs> and I mean, we're just same thing. You go buy a tractor trailer; it's just like you suck the mirror right off it. Yeah. And um, so we're coming up and it says construction zone. So I go, okay. I said, now we're going to let back off down to the averages. So I let back off down to hundred and he's like, Whoa, that's a big difference. <laughs> I said, now think of driving at the speed we were just at just to achieve that average. Yeah. I said, so then we come up on a construction zone. Oh, wait, I dropped back down to the speed limit. And he's like, man, he goes, this is like weird. He's like, everything's stopped. But then we come to the construction <laughs> zone and it's 55, which is standard speed limit all over the USA. Yeah, yeah. You know, any back road, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be 55. And he looks at me and he goes, I feel like I could walk faster. Yeah. And I said, now you prospectively <clears throat> understand what it's like. You just did it for four or five minutes. Yeah. Because he could never understand how you can get comfortable driving that fast. And I was like, it's become second nature after yeah. a while or or somebody who's done it a lot is yeah. comfortable with it anyway. Now, the car, the car didn't really like it. I mean, but the thing is with me, it gets back to what I told you before. It's not it's not the air noise. It's not the hood shaking a little bit. It's not the car dancing around a little bit. It's that all of a sudden rattle here or, you know, this yeah. noise or that noise. But, you know, the car, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, jittering around and stuff. You, you, you're used to that after you do it for a bit. Yeah. So it was well, really cool to, to and, take. And like for anybody, they know like 85 miles an hour on the highway, you're, you're suddenly like, oh, you're easing to 88 and you're easing to 90 and you're easing yep. to 90. You know I mean? Like, and you just, you know, then the wife leans over and goes, what are you doing driving 92 miles an hour? I'm like, I already get to the beach. Damn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is definitely. And that's, that was one of the things that, you know, we all do it, you know, you'll be driving along, you know, <clears throat> 90 miles an hour or whatever, you'll be feeling really good. You're like listening to the radio and something. And then all of a sudden, like a minivan drives by you yeah. and you look down and you're going like 70 and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I was going fast. Yeah. And that's why I set the, the cruise control the way I did, because I didn't want to get complacent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't how get... fast would, this, would the cruise set in that car? 120. Wow. That's cool. So, so then, like, you'd get complacent, and it would, like, take back off, and you'd be like, oh, God, what the hell? I'm... Well, the, <laughs> it, it just, well it, you just um, – it would just stop it. It, it would just – I would drive with my foot on yeah. cruise control. So I'd be – I may be driving 140, 145. Yeah. And if I got complacent or something and it didn't feel like the car was going faster, it may have been because I let off, and it just it picked up at 120 and kept going. Yeah. So um, I always said I drove with my foot over 120 because I'd set the cruise at 120. And if I let off, unless I stepped on the brake, obviously, yeah. it would stay at 120. So, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Um, God, there's so much. Listen, I, I promise the next one won't be four hours unless you let it go four hours. Oh, I, <laughs> I told you, you to this party. we can talk all night if you want. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I can't. I'm like. Like man, it was it's getting colder in here. I think it's 30, <laughs> 36, and I don't want to turn the other heater back on. It's too loud. And no. uh all right, so we got we got four or five more minutes here. Let's uh 
uh, fuel consumption. I, I think that's probably something everybody's on. not. <laughs> my old brother just said, dang, y'all still here? <laughs> hey, we don't <laughs> stop, man. We don't stop. We get scared. Um, Tim Smith said, did you even bother with radar? Yeah, I, I did have uh, a unit in R3. There's the same car we rent, uh, same one we ran in the Cobra. I had my uh, laser set up. Um, the unit in R3 has some great range. A lot of people prefer the 7. I I haven't found a reason to invest in a 7 yet because I don't. I just. The when, I, when I was asked by the nightly news if they they um, about super speeders and am I a super speeder, and I told him no, and the guy was kind of blown away. This is this was on the Sunday news NBC here probably three four months ago, uh, probably longer than that. I think it was back in August, and he says, "Why don't you consider yourself a super speeder driving that fast across the USA?" I said, "Because I don't speed on a regular basis. I mean, yeah. if I go to the gas station, I I just kind of drive and drive drive the speed limit four five over drive with traffic." If I'm going, you know, to take my wife over to Stillwater or, or somewhere, else. so I I don't I don't have to speed to get where I'm going. I don't I don't when I'm when I'm doing runs and stuff, my whole purpose is speeding, and I'm paying attention yeah. to speeding. So uh, a radar detector in a vehicle really only gives you a better chance of getting a ticket. Um, if you don't have one and, and you're accidentally driving, you know, set ten or eleven over, and yeah. you just you just say, geez, I'm sorry, you know, just I wasn't paying attention. I was thinking about something else. There's a pretty good chance you're probably going to get out of it. But no. if you're driving 85, 90 down the road and you got a radar detector in it, you're not getting out of it. So no. I don't I don't normally drive with one. Um, I do occasionally whatever one that the unit is in, it, it travels around. I, I think it I think uh, the wire got broken by uh, Tropic, but I think that's where it is right now. Gotcha. So. Um, I did have a radar detector and I had my um, ALP system hooked up in the car. I uh, didn't see any laser across the USA. And of course, obviously patrols were, were down quite a bit during that time. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, so sorry, back to fuel consumption. How many gallons do you think you went through? How many gallons? Mm-hmm. Um, so they averaged out to about 12.3. I'm trying to figure out how. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like 12.3 miles per gallon. Uh, we had, and like I said, it's dirty math because yeah. some of the tank, the tank in the back seat was kind of rounded on the edges. So um, we figured 126 to 130 gallons between the, the four tanks because we wow. had the 55-ish gallon one in the back. The I think the one on the side by the seat was 31 or two. Um, the one in the back seat, I'm always, I can always confuse what that one was. I can't remember now. I wanted to say 20 ish something like 24, five gallons. And then the stock tank, I think was like 16 or 17. Um, you know, you could look it up, but, um, I had enough fuel I could transfer out of the tanks off my second run that I believe I fueled up around Barstow. Um, so I had enough residual left over, but again, I wasn't driving like a madman when I left. So the fuel yeah. mileage went <coughs> obviously went up and that changed. So um, when I got to New York, I would didn't know I had filled my main tanks ahead ahead of time. 
because the fuel was cheaper, a lot cheaper in Oklahoma than it was in, in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I filled up a ways out of the town and I got there a little earlier than I planned because I didn't know exactly what it was going to entail getting into New York, New York, other than the fact that I kind of followed some stuff. The weirdest part was all the cop cars parked around everything in New York. Um, so I had burned off a little more fuel off my main tank than, than I had planned to because I got there a little bit early and I was kind of waiting around so I could, I could leave at the, the goal time. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just be honest with you, I, I can't give you a great answer to that because without yeah. really sitting down and, and doing the math, which it just wasn't important to me. It was just a matter that I had enough fuel to get to New York, to Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma to L.A. So. Yeah. Um, and then Tim asked here, uh, so this was a rental that you put back together. Yeah, I mean, you, you literally pull apart for the event, then you and your dad take it on the, you put it back together for you and your dad to take on the bandit run. And then you put it all back together and turned it into them. Yeah. Yep. Dude. They so had, we're going to go over four hours here. Cause you got to tell the story uh, the, the three lefts don't make a right podcast with Lou. You kind of tell the story a little bit. So if people want the in-depth version of this, it's, it's crazy what the dealer did. So uh, during your, your, you can't buy the car from Hertz. Because they'd already Avis. sold it or something, Avis, Avis. right? Yeah. Um, so, so kind of give us a, a, a recap of the the trying to buy the car story. That's so crazy. So I'm trying to turn. I'm, I'm getting ready. To, I had to put an extension on on it so we could take it in the Bandit Run. Um, so there's a little sticker, and it's still on the window of the car that says it has a phone number, and it says uh, "Make a memory, buy your vehicle" or something like that. I'll send you a picture of it in. Uh, I think I got it in my phone here at some point. And um, so I called and they never called me back. And I called again and I hadn't quite turned the car in yet because I didn't want to take the chance of turning it in and not being able to get it back. Yeah. But I had to turn it in the next day. So they finally call, I called them and I'm like, hey, I've been trying to buy this car. I thought I had this stuff set up. Um, kind of what's going on here? And they're like, oh, we'll get right back to you. Well, they didn't get back to me. Oh, and no. So then I called them back again and they said, um, yeah, give us five minutes. I'm like, I gave you, I gave you one five. I can bring the car back. I yeah. need to know if I'm keeping it or not. And they called me back in like 10 minutes and said the car was sold. So I had signed everything underneath the back of the, the back of the mats and stuff and, and just really said goodbye to the car. I mean, you say goodbye to it. Just see you later. Yeah. You know, somebody, somebody's going to own you somewhere and it's not me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then when the whole thing started, we started leaking a little bit of the stuff out because this, to me, it was more along the lines of needed to put something out mm -hmm. to know that it had been done because to me, it needed to be sooner than later. Yeah. Um, and I was taking a big risk because being a solo run. Um, that's what a lot of people don't, don't think about and there. Everybody you know, talks about the statute of limitations, like they're all lawyers. Um, the problem with the statute of limitations on things like this is everybody says they know that they know them. It's this, it's X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not really true. What it comes down to is the legality you can be held towards for anything that happens. So say for instance, I obviously wasn't scared of the limitations other than the fact that I put it out there and no. then it was on me as far as what they chose to do with me if they wanted to prosecute me for anything. 
But what a lot of people don't think about is they're like, oh, it's just speeding. Uh, it's not just speeding. Yeah. Um, there's so much more that goes with that to that people don't think about. You're not the only person on the road. Yeah. So there's also the, the possibility. There's so many other things that you can be written for. And some of them are misdemeanor and some of them are criminal. There's there's uh, criminal speeding. There's driving to endanger. There's reckless driving. Uh, and beyond that, if at some point anybody could could tie you to an accident or something that happened, the statute completely changes. Yeah. So everybody, you know, spits all this jargon about knowing all the statutes and stuff, and they really don't because the, any one of us that have done a run and put evidence out there, if if say for instance, like um, you pass somebody and you ran them off the road and somebody died in that car. And then you put this this whole thing together and somebody goes, oh, well, your GPS tracking coordinates and stuff says you were here when this happened. And somebody said that a, a silver Mustang went by them and ran them off the road. Right. Uh, now it's not about the statute of limitations about speeding. Yeah. So people don't think about that stuff. They just they just automatically everybody is a is a Facebook lawyer and, and knows everything. Um, yeah, Brian, we are. <laughs> so, so all I'm saying is this is is people don't think about those things. And uh, so we put it out there and, and we just kind of, you know, went with that and just kind of rolled with it. Well, at that point, I needed, I needed to take a chance and see if I could find the car yeah. because I also knew the car was a key piece of so much evidence as anything else. Hmm, um, that makes sense. So I was thinking, I just want to own it. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you know, you, you spent that time in that car. That's, that's your, you know, you have a lasting impression on that car. That car has a lasting impression on you and it's kind of special. you know. Oh, definitely. And especially with my dad. And that was the other thing I always wanted an S 550. I always thought they were a good looking car. Yeah. I thought they were clean. They had a, a similar to a, a Jaguar line to them. I think mm -hmm. probably some of the designing overlapped within Ford and Jaguar from, you know, years past, but yeah. I just thought they were really good looking cars. It's got the IRS in it. It's, you know, it's a, a performance package one. So it's a, it's a 460 horse. It's a decent car. So there was, there was a couple of things going. It was like, all right. So I was just sitting at the house in Maine and I did a VIN search on it and it popped up for sale. It just, there it was. Wow. Believe it in sitting there all month for sale and it was cheap money. I could not believe how cheap the thing was. Oh, I think it was like 20. When I looked at Avis, it was only like 26,000 to buy the car. And you're like, okay. And so I think this, this, um, uh, trying to think of the name of them off the top of my head. I was looking at this picture the other day, but anyway, um, I want to say it was like 28 or 9,000 for, I mean, uh, <laughs> a lightly beat rental car. <laughs> so, um, so I got into financing and stuff and being from Maine, it started taking forever and forever and forever. And I finally got the car locked up and, um, you know, the news and stuff broke of it. And then all of a sudden the dealer got pissed because oh. people started coming to the dealership and wanting to drive the car, wanting to buy the car, wanting to right. anything they could for that car. And, he called me, he called me up and he said, why did you lie to me? And I said, what do you mean lie to you? And he's like, I know what this car is. I said, yeah. He said, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, why does it matter? The car yeah. is only what it is, is because of me. Yeah. Without me, the car is just a $28,000 Mustang. Yeah. 
you know, and I don't even know how long he had in the lot. The coolest thing, and a lot of people don't know this, its sister car was there too. They had its sister car, which was one digit off of the VIN, and it was white. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so it was a one-digit off sister car to it. They come down the assembly line right. How cool. Possibly nose to tail. And uh, they tried to sell me that car, and I was like, I don't want that one. Yeah. And um, so I finally I finally arranged and got everything sorted out to go pick it up. And my buddy Chuck Weiss, the one we were racing through uh, Nebraska, he came and he, flew, he was coming to Oklahoma um, to look at uh, – to bring his wife to an, an appointment – and uh, he wanted to come over to the house and stuff and look at some parts and some things I had. And I wanted to go get my car because I wanted to drive it to Maine before the 4th of July. This is the beginning of July, like July 1st or 2nd. Yeah. And I said, hey, Chuck, you still coming up tomorrow? And he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Why? And he, I said, well, I said, no problem. I said, I'll just reschedule. He said, reschedule. I said, well, I need to get to go down and get my car. And I told him the whole thing. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. He said, you want me to take you? And I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll fly up. You get a ride to the local airport. I'll fly my plane. I'll fly up in my plane. I'll what? pick you up and I'll fly to um, Louisiana. How so cool. He flies up and he lands on, and I'm. I feel like Tom Cruise here. I oh yeah, dude. Backpack over my shoulder. I don't go through any of the checks in the airport. Like, oh, I'm going in this tremendous personal yeah. jet plane yeah. over here. So I get in and throw my shit in the back and Chuck flies us down to, you know, Louisiana and I pick the go to pick the car up and they don't want to sell it to me. Oh my God. They're fighting with me. They have all their funds. They have all their money. They're, they want this like disclosure paperwork and all kinds of shit. It's been mailed and it's supposed to be there and they don't want to give me the car. Oh, come on. And I'm pissed because I need to drive the car to Maine. Yeah. I want to be home for the 4th of July. And I'm in Louisiana, and I believe it was the second of July. No God. Yeah. So it was it was going to be a hoof to get there. Yeah. And uh, so um, I finally convinced them after a couple hours. The Chuck and I went and gone and eat lunch and and stuff, and then we went up to the dealership, and he left and and uh, flew home, and and I was I finally got them to to release the car to me, and I was going across Lake Pontchartrain. And I got into a hailstorm. Oh no! And it was blinding rain. You could see you were coming. You could see you were driving into it. Oh. And it was an absolute blinding rain. And I'm coming up on the back of this Chevrolet pickup truck. And it's an older pickup truck. And I'm not thinking thinking a lot. And he's going a little bit slower. I mean, it's it's it's. The wipers are as fast as they can go, just as yeah. absolute fast as they can go. And I can I can see. So I pulled to the left lane to go around him, and we start to go over a bridge, just a regular regular bridge. And I get ahead of him, and it, as I start going by him, the truck starts turning like this. Oh, no. Getting right at the side of the car, and I head right to the ditch as far as I can. I mean, and it's just, there's the road is covered on, in water. And I'm headed to the ditch, trying to not hit the Jersey barrier. The guy just misses the back of the car and hits oh. the barrier. And the thing about it is people are like, well, did you stop? 
and I don't know if the guy lived or not. I really don't. <laughs> like, dude, I ain't, I ain't getting out of this rain. It, it was one of those storm. things that you were going to put yourself in a position to get killed by stopping. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a whole line of traffic behind us, and all I saw was him turn in my mirror, miss the back of my car, hit that barrier, and bounce off. And all I could see was like dim headlights coming behind him. And I'm yeah, just, then it was yeah, then it's nothing. And it, and of course, it's driver's door to the traffic. So oh. I don't know exactly what happened. Yeah, he lived. He's fine. Yeah, He's but fine. but it was it was crazy because in the first hour of owning that car. I, I saw flashbacks of the Cobra in Oklahoma City. <laughs> so it was just like, man, I just got to get Wasted talent has spent some time down there. And uh, he said that, yeah, they can't drive down there. He's from uh, the Northwest. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, I'm assuming it, It, um, you know, probably had, it was It was like a mid 90s Chevy pickup. Wow, and it was dang. loud exhaust, probably had bald tires on it. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say old wore out tires and yeah, so. flow, flow masters and echo tips. Well, the funny thing is when I looked up the car online, I started looking for the telltale signs to see, of course, the VIN matched. Yeah. But I knew what I had modified on the car. Yeah. So I was looking to see if the license plate bracket had been moved. And I was looking to see, you know, what else had been done to the car. So I looked on, um, trying to think one of the, oh, I know what it was. The tires were still mismatched on it. So when, oh. I, so when I blew the tire on the bandit yeah. one, I had to put tires back on it. So I came to a used shop, a tire shop in uh, Trumright, Oklahoma, and they, they put two old Michelins that they had off a of Mustang nice. that had okay tread, yeah. and which is a whole nother story. But um, so we put those on it. Well, I could see in the pictures that the tires didn't quite match. Oh, so it still awesome. had the Michelins on the back and the Pirellis on the front. That's awesome. By the bracket, it was moved. So I go to an interior shot of the car. And it's still got a piece of uh, double-sided sticky tape on the dash from where one of my countermeasures were. And I was just dying. And I was, I was just so anxious. to. It was, it was a kind of weird a weird reunion of me in the car. And yeah. uh, to, to see it and be like, oh, well, hello, beautiful. Yeah. yeah you're going where have home. you been all these last few yeah. months? <laughs> so, no, it's just really neat to pick up the car. And we got it to Maine. And, you know, the, the story broke. And, and yeah. a lot of people got to see it and started – Asking oh, a lot of people, the the question is, is people are like, well, if it's a rental car, how'd you wind up with it? And it's just a, it's just part of the story. It's just yeah. part of the whole uh, entire thing. You saying that uh, people enjoying it? Let me let me pop this picture up, and then then we really got to probably bounce. Uh, oh, whenever you're ready, I'm I'm here for you. This uh, this one that's coming up. Uh, who, who are these kids? So this was a local car show here in uh, town of. Uh, I believe it was Glenpool, Oklahoma. They were putting on a car show. And um, what happened is if you see to the right, there's a little sign behind uh, the kid on the right-hand side. Okay. And it tells the story of the car. And one of the kids read the story about the car. And they recognized the car. That's and they awesome. moved it down to the car. And um, so obviously it doesn't have the tanks in it, which is it every every time somebody comes up the car, they want to see the tanks in it. You're and, like, why uh, would I do that? <laughs> yeah, it's it, well, it just makes a car undrivable. Yeah, and, yeah, it's a regular car now. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, got a cool story. Yeah, and it's the the cool thing about it is it's it's a regular car. The it's it's you know I've asked people you know what should I do with it, and they're like, oh, put the tanks back in it, or or put the bandit stickers back because I got a uh, Timothy that sticker guy. He said, help taking care of me on some of my stuff. He actually got me another sticker kit 
that matched it when it was in the bandit run because it was about cores cores beer yeah so we called the car the silver bullet so it had a silver bullet <laughs> cores light can down the side of it when we raced it yeah so, hang on I'm, I'm pulling i'm pulling that up now and then i promise we're gonna go at five hours i promise guys hang tight <laughs> so, <laughs> Get ready. so, so, so yeah, this is uh this is you and dad yeah that's my dad on the left hand side and uh and then the silver bullet there yeah the silver bullet and then it said instead of uh big enus and little enus like the movie had it was uh uh, Big Fred and Little Fred. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I was always Little Fred, and then we had my Waffle House sticker on it. And I think Ben might have been along for the ride, and and uh, it was just a just a good time. And then uh, I pull up this shot because I want everybody see the tag. Yeah, the the C to C twenty five fifty. That's a super cool tag. Yeah, it's uh, it was a neat one to get, and um, it's a cool car. So fun yep. car drive. That's dude. Hey, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, one, one. I want everybody to understand the reason we were late is because my shit was not working. <laughs> like <laughs> it was laggy, it was jumpy, and it was like that through a lot of this too. I don't know what happened. Um, my kids got off the internet in the house, and it it cleared up a little bit for me for a bit. So uh, that's always a big plus. But dude, thank you so much. Now. I mean, I'll say this. This isn't the last time you're going to be on here because, like, I'm going to wear you out now. There's so many other stories that we didn't even hint about that you have. So we didn't even well, talk cool old cars and flipping cars and things like that. So, like, we got to do all that, too. I've got I've got a lot of flipping car stories I can tell you about. So <laughs> we've uh, awesome. definitely done some of that in my day. And uh, I've, been, I've been very, you know, lucky to do a lot of things. And if there's any piece of advice I can give, and it's a catchphrase I use a lot, and I tell people this all the time, live every day like it's your last because someday you're going to be right. Yeah. Hey, that's exactly right. All right. We're leaving on that. Guys, see you next week. We got sick week stuff kicking off next week. I'm excited. All right. I'm in.